Hello and welcome to StarkCast. I'm Joe Stark and today I am talking with a very special guest. I've got Brian from Pop Culture Lefter. <laughs> and I <laughs> fucked up the intro. <laughs> oh, it's, very, it's a very special guest that I can't even fucking talk about. Jesus. <laughs> okay, take three. Hello. No, that one. Oh. <laughs> no. Go ahead. Do what, you, do what you need to do, man. You're like, no, we need to leave this in. <laughs> yeah, that's good. That's good. <laughs> oh, fuck. Fuck it. We're leaving it in. I got Brian from Top hey, Culture yeah. Leftovers. <laughs> yeah, we're doing it live. <laughs> we're doing it live. Yeah. Oh, wow. <laughs> that's old school, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, somebody's still using that uh, audio clip out there in uh, radio, I'm sure. The soup had some really special shit. Oh, man. Yeah. God, I miss the soup. (laughs) So after butchering your intro, how you doing today, dude? (laughs) Oh, man, I was doing great, and then I got a butchered intro. (laughs) Jesus. God, I don't know. (laughs) Oh, fuck it. Oh, fuck it. (laughs) Exactly. You You know, I couldn't tell you how many times I've fucked up recording a podcast, and, you know, it just happens. You get all twisted and shit. You know, how long has it been since you've done one of these things? Uh, let's see, it would have been with Paul, so probably a few weeks ago. Yeah, see, you're rusty. I am rusty, yeah. And that was, a, that was a great episode, you and Paul. I really enjoyed it, man. It was really good. Yeah, Paul's awesome. Yeah. And he's so easy to talk to, and and that might have been the first time that like I teared up on the podcast, and I was like, oh, shit. I teared up listening to it, man. I really did. That that's honest to God, you know. Uh, I mean, hand on my heart, I fucking I teared up in that episode just listening to uh, a lot, you know. And it, some of it's the story, you know, mm-hmm. but like a lot of it was like his. Yeah, and I'm talking about your previous fucking episode now. That's but okay. <laughs> a lot of it was like just like his passion, you know. Yeah. And yeah. man, it was it was a fantastic episode. Like I I think I plugged it on PCL, and I I know that I plugged it on the Leftover Army page because. I, I want more people to listen to that because that was that was some real fucking shit right there, you know. So, yeah, yeah. I, I appreciate all the plugs, man. That's so awesome of you. Very generous to do that for you to do that for us uh, other podcasters just getting started. That's the thing. Uh, let me let me let me mention that there there was I there was a day when when I first started podcasting and you know like nobody's listening when you first start and that's that's how they all are cause unless you're a celebrity. And um, I remember reaching out to Ryan Drost of uh, Star Joe's podcast, who had been podcasting for maybe three years at that time. And um, he uh, he plugged me on one of their episodes. And it was like the most exciting thing for me, you know, because we're new and we had really like zero listeners when we first started. And it was it meant so much to me that he did that. And, um, I mean, even going as far as like, there was a time when I wanted to quit podcasting, like right after we started, cause like we were getting like, you know, some critical response there. Cause we, we don't, I don't go out of my way to please everybody. And, um, I remember Chuck from star Joe's just, uh, the old host of star Joe's with Ryan. Um, he just reached out to me on this message board that that's how I met him. And Ryan was on this message board 
and he's like, man, I want to let you know, I've, 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 I've been, you know, ever since we plugged you, I've been listening to your podcast and I'm really enjoying it. And it was like, it was like what I needed to hear at that moment because yeah. I was so close to quitting. And I was like, you know, how do you deal with like the one star reviews and the criticism? And he's like, well, we haven't gotten any one star reviews yet. And I'm like, <laughs> oh, okay, all right, all right, all right. So, but, um, it, it really kind of like gave me like what I needed to keep going. And sometimes just, you know, when you're listening to a podcast and like you hear somebody else like mention yours, it, 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 it gets you excited. Like, oh man, uh, this opens up a whole new world of listeners that we might not have gotten had it not been for like this, this little network that we have. So I have, I love, I love promoting other podcasts as long as, you know, I feel more comfortable like if I know you and if I've listened because then I actually have like something to say. And so <laughs> I, 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 I will promote StartCast like all fucking day because I really enjoy the content that you bring. And a lot of it's just like just people talking, freeform conversation. And it you never know where the conversation is going to go. So I really, I really, really enjoy it for that. And nobody in the Army is doing this kind of a podcast, which is which is also kind of cool so i'm glad that you took it upon yourself to do this yeah well thank you so much dude and i, re I remember the first time that that you plugged this i don't know if this is getting into weird territory like talking in no, third, right <laughs> third person and we'll talk about, hey, nothing's off limits <laughs> that is true yeah. <laughs> but um yeah the first time you plugged it, it was like re really early in the morning i just had an earbud in and i was listening to pcl while i was doing the dishes and then you mentioned i was like no fucking way. And I hit the skip back 15 second button. <laughs> and I was like, yeah, this is really fucking happening. I was like, wow. And it was funny too. Cause you were like, he has no idea. I'm going to do this. Yeah, well, you you know, check out Starcast. I'm like, whoa. Yeah. <laughs> and, um, you know, Starcast is, it, it wouldn't have come about if it weren't for, for two, two real big things. One, one was PCL and one was the leftover army. Um, yeah. just yeah. the amount of support that I get, out of that community is incredible. It's, it's such, a, it's, it's literally the best place on the internet. Isn't it? Yeah. It's and, nuts. Man. And yeah, I mean, that would not exist if, you know, a handful of years ago, you hadn't decided to be like, I'm going to fucking do a podcast. And we're going to talk about pop culture shit. Yeah. And, you know, I'm going to, yeah. You know, I mean, you got a dope intro. Your bumpers are fucking hilarious. Oh, I got a new, I got a new one coming out for, uh, <laughs> For a new segment that we have so yeah that i'll unveil that on the next episode so awesome <laughs> i know you've heard I, I a lot it, about I, it but I, I sent it to jake i sent it to yeah. jake and he likes this one so <laughs> i feel confident i was just gonna say i was among the people who was like genuinely bummed i was like i don't get to hear the new star wars bumper at all <laughs> no no that like i was gonna play it at the, like the original deal was like i was not gonna switch to that new star wars bumper and i was gonna play it at the end of the episode and um like, like throughout that conversation, I got so pissed <laughs> that I was just like, not really pissed, but yeah, kind of pissed. And I was kind of like, no, I'm not playing it. I'm not playing it. It was kind of a joke, but, um, it, it turned into something that I, I will never play that bumper. That'll never be unveiled. <laughs> I was going to play it at the end of the episode, but I will never unveil that bumper. I felt so bad for shooty, um, <laughs> on that episode too. Cause like, I think that he genuinely, you know, liked it. I don't think he loved it, but I think he genuinely liked it. And I felt like I was a little too hard on him. So I want to I apologize right now to Scott Schutte. He's a good friend. So 
That was a beautiful way that episode ended, though. It just cut off. Oh, man. <laughs> oh, man. Argument. Dude, I fucking heard Jake playing it on his fucking phone. And I was like, no, we're done. That's it. I wasn't playing. Uh, yeah. oh, that's good shit, dude. <laughs> yeah. No, it's crazy, man. Uh, doing this four years in, you know, just recording. And uh, it's crazy how far we've come as uh, – it just not not just as like you know like uh, listeners and stuff like that. Just I'm talking about uh, the friendship that I have with Jake. Um, he's one of my best friends in the world. Like it's crazy. Like uh, you know if if I have something to tell somebody, it's uh, I'm usually going to Jake or I'm going to Frank. You know, That's and awesome. me and Jake when we first, I mean when we first met, like we didn't hardly know each other at all, and. Uh, now it's like I can say anything around the guy. It's crazy. <laughs> so I mean, like a if anything, you know, like uh, a real friendship has come out of out of just podcasting with Jake. Like I can, uh, I don't know. It's just uh, it's just a really cool friendship, and uh, that's that's one thing about podcasting is like all the different people that you can meet. The world becomes such a smaller place, man. It's crazy. Yeah, yeah, it does, man. And two hundred plus episodes too, man. Congrats on that. That's awesome. Yeah, I know. Like on the episode, like I think it was like before episode 100 hit, I said something about, uh, you know, everybody's like, ah, congrats on episode 100. And I'm like, yeah, we haven't done shit. We haven't done 100 episodes. I go, it's not like it's not it's not like on a TV network. We can't get canceled. You know, it's like we, we can put out as many episodes as we want to. Nobody can do anything about it. I said uh, some asshole could uh, read a paragraph of the book War and Peace. Uh, every week and do it for a hundred episodes. Um, it's still just the guy reading War and Peace. It's not, you know. Yeah. And it, but uh, I kind of downplay it. But it is it it is an accomplishment accomplishment when you think about just coming back and doing it every week and not quitting. So for that, I guess it is an accomplishment when you hit two hundred. Yeah, and, and you know, like you're always throwing that one fact around that most podcasts don't even make it to what ten. Yeah, they they most of them. If you if you can go past eight, nine, ten, if you can get around in that age, uh, area and and keep going, there's a good chance you'll you'll keep it up. But a, a lot of them just drop out. They like lose steam. And you got to understand, like the when you first start, like the whole you're not going to get everything. Especially now, it's all. I mean, even <laughs> podcasting's changed, man. It's like even four years ago, it was a lot easier to kind of like make your mark. And now it's like everybody's got a podcast and even more celebrities have a podcast now than like when we first started. So it's harder to pull people away from like other things that they're listening to and get them to listen to you. It's just it's so different now from even when it was four years ago. And I've seen like a lot of good podcasts within four years either stop podcasting, quit or move on to different projects, you know, stuff that I used to listen to. And, um, so that's one thing I, th I always kind of think to myself with the audience, like, um, Monday mornings, you know, whenever we drop the episode Saturday, uh, like Sunday or Monday, whenever they do hit, it's like some, for some people, like that's, that's their ritual. Like that's what they listen to is, is us. And I remember how I felt like when there was certain podcasts that would come out, I'd be like, Oh, I can't wait. It's, it's fucking Wednesday. I get to listen to these assholes. And <laughs> And so some of our I, I know some of our listeners feel the same way. And so it's kind of important to them. And so, like, I don't want to take that away from them, too. You know, for as fucked up as I think it is that people want to listen to me and Jake and Frank, I don't want to take that away from them because, like, some people, that's what gets them through their day, you know. So, hey, more power to them, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. I, I always look forward to it. 
<laughs> when your episode comes up, it's like, I don't care if I'm in the middle of another one. It's like, I'm probably yeah. going to listen to PCL and then go back to the other one. <laughs> I'll tell you, man, there, there's some day, there's days when like when we when we're getting ready to record and I'm not looking forward to hitting that record button. I'm just <laughs> the guys know the guys know that I that, 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 that record with me. You know, sometimes like, I don't know. I, I'm weird. And sometimes I just like, you know, oh man, I've had like a long fucking day. You know, I've been running around and shit. And then I just, I, I usually podcast after I get off work. And then I'm like, yeah, I don't want to podcast after I get off work. There's days that I'm off though. And I've, I've lied around and done nothing. Maybe I've mowed the lawn and cleaned up the house and shit like that. But then I, then I, then when I'm getting ready to podcast, I'm like, fuck, I don't, I still, I still don't want to podcast. <laughs> what's, what's wrong? But then when like, once we hit record and get going, I'm fine. I'm yep. fine. It all kind of like goes away. And then like we were able to talk about stuff and now I'm just talking with my friends. But like, like you know, podcasting, I don't know for you. Was it like this with you when you first started? Was it like a, was it like an addiction? Like once you got once you hit stop, you're like, woo, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Wasn't it? I don't, yeah. Are you still in that little are you in that honeymoon phase with podcasting still? No. No. <laughs> Dude, when you were talking about some days you just don't want to do it, but then once you start yeah. you hit record, you're yeah. fine. I'm like, oh, I can totally relate to that. Right. Because like, there's some times where like if something falls through, like if Jordan texts or whatever, he's like, oh, you know, oh, you know I'm sick or whatever. We, you, yeah. we got to reschedule Comic Cast. I'm like, ha All right. <laughs> now I can go back God. to fucking doing nothing. I can go back yeah. to reading a comic book. <laughs> exactly. I'm like right now. Like kids what I do? or whatever, you know, so. Yeah, like before we hit record, I was watching Anchorman just for the hell of it. <laughs> so, um, and then I've been watching uh, The Handmaid's Tale. Have you seen that? No, the description of it sounded pretty intriguing though. So it's 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 on my radar. Dude, what's fucking crazy about this is the lead actress Elizabeth Moss. Um, I've seen her in other stuff. I recently just I reviewed that movie Chuck about uh, Chuck Wepner, the guy, the original inspiration for Rocky. Yeah. She's in that movie. It's Elizabeth Moss and found out like this. This show deals with like a dystopian world where people um, it's like uh, they live in a society that's ruled by it feels like it's like the Old Testament. And um, these women are handmaids and uh, women that can't uh, conceive children. They live in the home and they're basically slaves and they're concubines that these men have sex with. And then these women hopefully will have children. And like one out of five babies that are born in this world are born. They either like either die or uh, they're born with maybe like some kind of a defect. Um, only one in five is healthy. And so it's like it's like a big thing. And they like they they turn like uh, the conception and they call they call it into it's like a ceremony and like it's so fucked up, dude. Like there's a uh, the 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 they're called handmaids. They're like laying in the bed, and then the the wife is behind them. The husband looks the wife in the eye, but has sex with the handmaid. Oh, that's aggressive. Yeah, yeah, it's so bizarre. Uh, <laughs> It is so weird. It is so – it's such a crazy show. I found out Elizabeth Moss, the lead in this role, is a Scientologist. So it's like, what? <laughs> How, you know, because like it's just, it's just very weird. Just very weird because like I don't, I, I don't know too much about Scientology, you know. But um, I, don't, I don't know. I don't, it's not – Have you watched Going Clear? What's that? Have you watched Going Clear? Is that the uh, – It's a documentary the, on HBO. 
Oh, no, no, no. I'm the documentary is based the, off a book that somebody had written also. Okay, I'm thinking about the Kevin James, the wife of Kevin James on that one show. She's doing that Scientology show. She was in yeah, there. She is too. I haven't seen hers, yeah. but I watched Going Clear, and yeah. it, it was on HBO. It, it's probably still on there. Right. And, dude, that'll turn your fucking hair white. Really? Oh, there's some... It's fucked up. Some of the stories that these people tell, the the stuff that they had to go through with different issues of abuse, and yeah. then the amount of like just shit slinging that was done at them, like on a very professional level after they left and started speaking out. Wow. And yeah, you know, it's spooky. And then when you see some of the behind the scenes footage, they have an award ceremony where they're just giving some made up award to Tom Cruise presumably yeah. just to keep him happy and he's on a stage and it's set up very similar to like the oscars or something like that and there's a big huge crowd they're wearing tux david's miscavige is up there gives him this freaking metal that is like looks like you know flavor flaves clock like just huge <laughs> yeah boy <laughs> yeah, <that's laughs> they shake hands and then they turn around and there's a giant oil painting of l ron hubbard on the side uh-huh. and they salute it and both go to lrh Wow. Yeah, like, I remember crazy. as a kid, like, I, I, yeah, I don't see him anymore. But I remember, like, the Dianetics commercials. And you had, like, that big uh, fucking volcano erupted like it's fucking Pompeii and shit in the background. And I was just like, oh, what the fuck is that book about? Because it was, like, intriguing as a kid because you see, like, this big volcano and boom. It's like, I had no idea it was, like, this, you know, whole religion and all this stuff. Did you watch that dog shit movie that had John Travolta? Was it like Battlefield? Battlefield Earth. Earth. Yes. I, I did see that. I did see that. It had Bad. Barry Pepper, and it's it's voted one of the worst movies of all time. I think it's actually <laughs> voted the worst science fiction movie of all time. It, it's terrible. Absolutely terrible. Do you know L. Ron Hubbard's written more fiction works than any other author, author ever? Really? Yeah. And then, wow. but then he also came up with a religion. <laughs> yeah, that, oh, people wow. take seriously for some reason. It's crazy, I, isn't it? Like it, with uh, Scientology, isn't it? With like kind of like with Tom Cruise, like you the higher up you move, you can move faster, higher up, get higher up in that religion. You know, if the more powerful you are and more money you have and things like that. Yeah, each new level costs you money. Yeah. Well, yeah. in this glow, going clear, they're talking to these people that made it all the way to the top. And this one guy's saying that when he got there, he went into a room and they had him open a metal box and it had a handwritten manuscript in it that talked about that like millions of years ago, there was a big battle in space and that all these souls were lost. And I think they were called Thetans or something like that. And then some Mm -hmm. evil space lord brought them to Earth and dropped them in volcanoes and then exploded the volcanoes with like nuclear weapons. And then those souls that blasted out of the volcano settled in, in early man. And so our souls are actually from this ancient race. <laughs> right. Like, right. Holy it's, uh, fuck. But whoever, you know, like, it's kind of like the ant farm. Like, I, I don't know. It's like, a, they call it like an ant farm uh, theory or whatever it is. It's kind of like uh, these overlords dropped us off here. And then I thought they, they taught us shit. And then they left. And then now they just watch. Kind of like us with ant farms. Wow. That's what I've heard. Like, I don't know. See, it, I don't do too much digging around when it comes to Scientology. But um, I, I thought, like, they also believe that, like, uh, 
the higher up you go that you'll be like a god of your own universe or something like that in the afterlife or whatever oh, i don't know like, kind of like tie into like the secret like if you truly believe it you can yeah, make that, that reality oh that fucking secret i had a boss at one time uh that had just uh fucking heard about that secret bullshit and so he made us like create our own vision board at work and uh on my vision board i i man i so badly i wanted to like put a picture of me like throwing away my vision board <laughs> you know that's like, awesome that's all i really want right now is for me to have this vision board fuck off from my life because this is just the stupidest exercise ever i've ever seen and you know like anytime oprah threw anything up on that show man like people were making so much money off of oprah it was crazy oh yeah she was like the ultimate plug yeah absolutely oh my gosh like anything any book anything that she she could say anything and people would go nuts but uh i don't know you gotta I think Oprah was like uh, when she first came out, man. She was the real deal. I think as far, I think she, the like the longer she's been around, the more detached from like everything she is. She's almost she's at a level now where it's like you can't be normal anymore. You yeah. know, well, I that, think there's like, a certain level that you hit where you can't be a normal person anymore. You you've just got people constantly telling you how wonderful you are and how great you are. And it can't be, I, I don't, it can't be healthy, man. I don't know. No, look at Will Smith's kids. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I mean, and it, it would have to happen way faster to a developing child, but yeah. to have it happen when you're already a fully formed adult that's used to yeah. dealing with bullshit right. in the world, and then all of a sudden you just rise to this status, how can you ever connect with what initially got you there in the first place? I mean, that's like that same shit with, with rappers, or whatever, you know, that start off rapping all this shit about the streets and stuff, and then it's like six albums later, and they're living in a mansion somewhere. Right, and then and, they're and voicing it. a bird on some Disney cartoon, you know? <laughs> yeah. I, I mean, that's, I, you know, it's like Ice Cube and all these guys, you know, they, they, they come from, like, the streets and shit like that, but, like, once Hollywood gets a hold of you, it's crazy. You know, and it's like, I don't, you know, I'm sure, I'm glad that they got off the streets, and I'm glad, you know, but, I mean... You, you lose that street cred after a while. So. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And it is easy to fall back on the, you know, oh, I wish they would have stayed the way they were. But in the end, everybody wants to improve their station in life. Sure. It took me a long time to come around. I used to come down on bands really hard if I liked their first album a lot. And yeah. then, and because like I used to listen to a lot more heavy music. And so if I'd listened to a, like Corn was a perfect example. Their first album was super heavy really yeah. only had one song that could get radio play and then you know fast forward four or five albums and like every song on it was just so watered down and i'd right. bitch about it and then it's like well of course they want their shit played on the radio they're yeah. gonna get money they're doing this for a fucking job yes they love it right but they still want to feed their families they want shit everybody wants more shit yeah i was i was a big fan of corn too and i i noticed that too like uh, same thing with metallica you know it's like oh, gosh. you go back and you like listen who was it? Did you name another band? No, I just said, oh, gosh, because Metallica, and I immediately thought of Load. Yeah, yeah. I mean, like, Metallica, like, you go back and, like, you listen to, like, early Metallica, and they were so raw. I think, like, the music, the better musicians they got, the worse the music got for us. <laughs> Agreed. I, I totally agree. 
because they're better musicians now. They really are. Like, like, you know, it's just like, I just want those raw, you know, like guitar riffs, you know, that's what I want. I want that angst. But like, what do you have to be angry about when you're like, you know, when you're, you've got a house, you know, on an Island and you've got like, I don't know. And you got like kids at home probably watching Dora the Explorer and you've got <laughs> all this money. You've got a savings account that's healthy. You've got, you know, like what's there really to be angry about? Like back then. And I think like, you know, like uh, when, when they, you know, you're a starving artist back then. And uh, man, music's really fucking changed, dude. It's like, mm-hmm. are there any like, I see, I don't I can't even, I can't even keep up with music anymore. Are there any like new rock bands coming out? Like, I don't even know. It's like, or is it just old rock bands dying off and then it's going to go the way of the dinosaur? Like, I, I don't even listen to like, or is it just garage bands and then like Aerosmith? Like, what the fuck is going on in music? <laughs> I like, don't oh, listen to a lot of the newer rock. Yeah, I don't even know of any newer rock, to be quite honest with you. I don't know if it's just like old bands from 20 years ago still putting out new shit. Like, I know Queens of the Stone Age, uh, Queens of the Stone Age just put out an album. And I love those guys, but I haven't heard it, you know? And um, I don't know. It's just like... I don't music these days. Like I'm not into like all the pop shit and like the Justin Bieber shit. And, you know, I grew up listening to, you know, like Nirvana and, you know, a lot of, a lot of the old school rap, you know, like public enemy and, you know, two life crew and, and NWA. And, and then, you know, of course I went, like I said, Nirvana, Pearl jam. And then I went, <laughs> yeah. I got into, I got into metal, you know, I got into like uh typo negative and uh oh, yeah some static x and shit like that you know like i, know, I was, listened to far beyond driven by pantera when i was in like seventh grade it, yeah dude, it I fucked me say, up at a young age yeah um fucking hell yeah pantera i was uh 13 or 14 when uh was it vulgar display of power came out yeah and uh i remember going to sam goody do you remember sam goody did oh, you yeah. have the- yeah, I remember when those were like little music stores. You'd walk in, they had like aisles of CDs and shit. And I remember walking in there, and uh, I didn't even have a CD player back then. I just had tape, tape deck, you know. And uh, I, I had, I had been watching uh, Headbangers Ball with Ricky Rackman. Ricky Rackman. <laughs> yeah, and uh, I was like, I was like, you know, I turned it on and shit. You know, I'd, I'd watch that and I watch Yo MTV Raps. Like those are my fucking shows. And. Um, so he, uh, I think he premiered one of Pantera's newer songs, and it was "Mouth for War." Yeah, and I was like, "Oh my God, Philip Anselmo is amazing!" And I was like, "Who's that fucking drummer? Oh my God, these guys are awesome!" And so I like went out to buy the the tape, and um, I bought the tape, and I'm driving. Uh, it's actually it's me and Jay, Jay from uh, PCL. Like, um, oh nice. My mom picked this up from the mall. We're like 13. And she's driving us home from the mall. And I like to- pop open the tape. And I'm like, Mom, will you put this in? <laughs> and, and she pops it in. And it literally gets to like, I'd say 15 seconds in. And my mom turns that shit off. She's like, <laughs> no, no. We are not listening to that. My mom hated my music. She absolutely hated my music. It was devil music. I was like yeah. raised in a, I was raised in a Baptist home. So it was, whew. Yeah, I, I had friends that went through that with with very religious parents that would have to hide their rap albums 
Like to the yeah. point where it got bad enough to where he like showed up at school one day with a shoebox that had all of his rap albums in it and gave it to one of the one of the friends in the group. He's like, Will you just hold on to these for me because otherwise they're gonna get thrown away. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Oh man. My, my friend Mike, to, we I... fucked him up at an early like when we first started hanging out with Mike, he moved in across the street from me. It was just him and his mom in his very yeah. religious household. And the first time I went over to his place, he was like, dude, check out the he was also the first guy that really got me into tech. He was the first guy that had a home computer with Windows and shit like that. Oh, yeah. And he's, like, he's like, check out this awesome stereo system that I got hooked up to my computer. And he's playing the Bodyguard soundtrack and, like, jamming it and, like, not uh, not ironically. Oh, wow. And I went, what the fuck is this? We can't listen to this, dude. No way. Hey, so I went home and got you- corn. <laughs> Do you want to hear the do you want to hear the sound of my dick hitting the floor? Because right now you've got zero balls. What the hell? The bodyguard. The bodyguard oh, soundtrack. God. I shit you not, dude. No, man. Yeah, you got to you got you got to crank some corn or you got to crank, you know what I mean? Some yeah. badass. Yeah. It was probably Stone Temple Pilots plush that I brought over on cassette tape. I- I oh yeah yeah dude core the, core was the album. old school STP man I like I I miss that shit man I miss like the old man living in the 90s I don't know about you but like all the music that came out in the 90s when it came out I didn't really care for a lot of it you know yeah um, I loved Nine Inch Nails and I loved Rage Against the Machine but I felt like a lot of music coming out in the 90s was crap now I look back on it and I love a lot of it you know. Um, I went through I, that with some of the pop and some of like the like radio play rock and roll from yeah. the nineties, and then most of it was there was. I went to a really small high school. There was like around a, a hundred people in my graduating class. So when I was right. a senior, I knew everybody in the high school. Like I could name everybody on a first name basis, freshman through senior. Yeah, and there was a hand. <laughs> there was like a handful of the people that I really liked, and a lot of the other people just for various reasons I, I, I didn't like. But like, you know, like I was telling you earlier, I can be pretty socially awkward at times. So, you know, maybe who knows? Maybe some of that was on me. Trust me. I've been talking to you for about a half an hour now and I can point out five different instances where you have been. But keep going. (laughs) (laughs) I'm fucking with you. Yeah, I know. It's all good. (laughs) Like, oh, sadness. (laughs) I'm um, fucked. There were so many of the songs that I would associate with people I went to school with, where I'd be like, yeah. oh, I kind of like this. And they'd be like, oh, if, if that clique of people likes that music, I can't like it because they suck, and I can't like shit that people who suck like. Back to Cannibal Corpse. Isn't that, yeah. <laughs> like, Isn't that crazy? Like that. <laughs> Isn't that crazy, like, how back in high school, like, you were, like, you didn't want to admit certain things that you did like, or you'd hide it from people? Yeah, it, I was never really so much like that, but I, it, I definitely associated shit. Like, like I was really into The Offspring when their first album came out, and I loved the song yeah. Self Esteem until it yeah. got popular among the preppy kids at school, and I was like, fuck that fucking song. No, I get that too. <laughs> Absolutely. I love that one song where they screamed, uh, You stupid, dumb shit, goddamn motherfucker! Do you remember that song? Was that an Offspring song? Yeah. No, yes. I don't remember that one. Fuck yeah, it was. Um,. <laughs> Oh my God! You got it's like I, I don't know like if if it's if yes if it's like it's like B side Offspring shit man it's like it's off one of the, like their first albums like, um, but uh, I remember what was it? Um, one of the kids that I went to church with our little youth group that we had got up he got pissed off at the uh, the youth group leader, and so like we drove around we went and saw Batman Forever that night. Um, as a group and then like after batman forever got out they were like man you know he i'm sick of 
I'm sick of our youth pastor, man. He's the da, 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 da. And so like we drove by his house and like I guess in an act of like uh, rebellion, like the guys turned down the, the rolled down the windows and they played that one part of that offspring song like right outside this guy's window. And um nice. And then drove off kind of I don't know, I thought it was kind of lame. Yeah. Like, all right. Okay. All right. You guys are badasses, but whatever. <laughs> That's what so. they do. They rebel. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh, man. <laughs> oh, fucking weak re- Jones. That's a big, weak rebel, though, right? <laughs> it was. It was. Like, come on, throw some eggs at the house at least or something, you know? <laughs> fucking, oh, I'm going to play, I'm gonna, I'm gonna play an Offspring song really loud and then drive off. Okay. All right. <laughs> You're badass. All right, James Dean. Yeah. <laughs> That's pretty good. Yeah. I remember I remember in high school fucking driving around. It was Halloween and I was going out with this girl and there was uh I, I was uh in an art class with her uh sister who's like a who was like a year older than me and she hated this one girl in the art class. And so, like, I'm driving my girlfriend around. I'm driving her sister. I'm driving her older sister and her younger sister around. And I'm driving around their friend. And we're in a Dodge Omni. It's a little hatchback. So there's, like, five of us in this little tiny car. And it's Halloween night. I don't even know what we're doing. We're just driving around and shit. I don't know if they were getting candy. I don't know what the fuck we were doing. But um, they had me. They're like, okay, drive here, drive here, drive here. And now stop here. So I stopped in front of this house. And then, unbeknownst to me, these girls pulled out these bags and they run out and they go up to this house and they start throwing eggs at this fucking house. I had no idea this was going to go on. And all of a sudden, this guy starts chasing my fucking car. <laughs> so, like, I'm like, I'm peeling, I'm peeling out my little Dodge Omni, my 1980 fucking five Dodge Omni. And uh, I, you know, I'm fucking flying down the road. And it had been raining out that night. And I'm yelling. I'm like, what the hell? What did, what did you guys just do? They apparently had thrown eggs at this girl's house that was in that art class that she didn't like. And I liked that girl. That girl was nice. She was uh, really nice to me in the class. And I had no problems with her. But um, after that, like, after that, she knew it was my car. Her brother told her and just, you know, told her who it was that, you know, went to the house and egged the house and described the car and she knew it was my car and then after that she never talked to me again like she hated my guts and like i i didn't even know we were supposed to be going there it's fucked up yeah that's too bad but then and then i'm flying down the fucking road and all of a sudden i see a stop sign it's night and i'm like driving somewhere i've never driven before i see a stop sign and i'm trying to outrun this guy who's chasing my car i see a stop sign and no it was a yield it was a yield sign so i hit my brakes and it had been raining, and I start to slide, and I keep, my car doesn't stop. And another car is coming in the uh, is turning at the same time, and I hit this other car, and oh, it goes no, yes, and it goes flying down into a ditch. Like like this is like you know like you know like you're, you're watching a movie, and a car hits another car, and a car goes down into like a big fucking ditch. Uh huh. That, that fucking happened. Oh no. I'm I'm literally watching like my piece of shit car hit another nicer car, and then that really nice car goes flying down into a fucking ditch. Like like not just like a tiny little ditch. Like it's like like where the woods are. You know, it's like going down. Uh huh. Like, oh my god! 
I just hit another fucking car. Like, I'm 16, 17, I can't remember. And I'm like, oh, shit. I just hit another fucking car. To, to make matters worse, who gets out of the fucking car? It's my neighbor. No. It's my neighbor's son. And so, like, I go to high school with this guy. And I'm, check this fucking shit out. His older brother is in that same fucking art class. Oh, Jesus. And I'm friends with the guy. Like, we would talk Blues Brothers and shit and all this stuff. So, like, now I'm pissed off at my fucking girlfriend because, like, I wouldn't have been speeding had it not for them fucking been throwing eggs at this fucking house of this girl that I had no problem with who now is going to hate me. And now I hit my fucking neighbor's car. I didn't get a ticket that night, which... That's amazing. Blew me away. It blew me away that I didn't get a fucking ticket that night. He said it was uh, due to road, uh, due to weather conditions because of the the rain, and it was a yield sign. But still, man, yeah, fucking sucked. That's fucking I, nuts, dude. <laughs> Talk you know, about like a simple plan that you weren't even aware of going drastically fucking wrong. No, I just wanted to drive around with my girlfriend and maybe like make out and cop a feel later on that night. You know what I mean? Yeah, high school no, plans. Like, Exactly. Exactly. I just wanted to make out cop a feel. But instead, you know, um, you know, I uh, piss off a girl who I didn't even know. I I never even got to explain to her like, hey, like, listen, like I had nothing to do with that. I had nothing against you. And, you know, it was one of those things where it just it sucked. And then I hit my neighbor's car and like they got everything they wanted to that night. Everything they wanted. Oh, we got to egg that bitch. You know, and then and, uh, you know, it wasn't their car that got fucked up. Yeah, so it's a consequence free yeah. excitement. Exactly. <laughs> Woohoo! Yay for us. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I remember one night I was staying overnight at a friend's house and we were in a tent in his backyard. It's just specifically yeah. so that we could get up in the middle of the night and go walk around this little town that we lived in. Yeah. And so. Then we got the brilliant idea to go and start ringing doorbells and then <laughs> hiding in the bushes and watching. Right. right. And we did this one house like a few times in a row. Well, the guy got smart and he came around the back of his house. And so as we were like standing on the porch about to ring it for probably like the sixth time, he comes around the side of the garage with a flashlight and just starts yelling. And so I just go into panic mode and I just take off running. And the only place yeah. I know where to run is my house. <laughs> Right. And so I literally run for like 12 blocks and go back to my house. And then I go inside and I'm like, shit, I got to call Josh. He's got to know we got separated. And so I called and he picked up on like a quarter of a ring. So he must have just been <laughs> sitting on a little bar stool by their phone, just waiting for it to ring so he could get it before his parents. Oh, my God. I'm like, I'm like, OK, you made it home. I'm just going to stay home. I'll talk to you tomorrow. Yeah. <laughs> my mom still makes fun of me about that shit. Oh my gosh. <laughs> yeah, I used to get in a ton of trouble when I was younger. I like like uh oh man, I had hung out with some bad kids when I was a kid. I did. I was attracted to the bad crowd. And I hung out with a lot of bad kids when I was a kid, you know. And uh I, I you know, I I've, I've done my fair share of like, you know, going out in Halloween and vandalizing myself, like, mm. you know, throwing eggs at cars and in houses and and doing some bad shit like that um trying to think of like a particular yeah me and a guy um my parents they, they knew i snuck out of my house all the time they actually put a lock on my window um in my bedroom 
like uh, that would work with a key. And it was in there and I was supposed to go out. I was supposed to sneak out that night and me and this guy, Joe, were supposed to go um, break into the concession stands <laughs> at the schools. And uh, and uh, so is that a caper all planned out? <laughs> yeah, we were going to break into the concession stands. Um, we had heard about some older kids doing it. Like one of the older kids, his name was Brad. Um, and then Mike, I actually got in a fight with Mike at the at the swimming pool jay was there he saw that shit but um fucking we went to uh brad brad took a there was like a uh brad told us that he broke into the concession stands and uh there was a um like a uh, a thermos in one of the refrigerators and he took a big shit in the thermos <laughs> and when you're a kid, you think that shit's kind of cool, you know? Like, oh, my God, dude, you, you took a shit in a thermos. You know, oh, man, imagine, like, the next day when somebody opens their fucking thermos to, like, eat their soup and shit, and there's, like, a big turd in there. That's so fucked up. Yeah. So, like, me and Joe, we were actually, we were going to break into the concession stands and just steal, like, some gum and some candy and just call, you know, and then we are going to, like, smoke some cigarettes and call it a night, you know? And so, uh, my parents put a lock on my fucking window, dude. And, um, I remember watching an old episode of the Brady Bunch where one of the kids used a bobby pin to pick a lock or tried to pick a lock with a bobby pin. I think it was Peter. I don't know. Maybe I, or maybe I'm just, I, maybe I'm not recalling this correctly. I don't know. But, uh, I, my, I took one of my mom's bobby pins and that night, dude, I can't. I fucking picked that fucking lock, Joe. No fucking way. You learned I, delinquent behavior from the Brady Bunch. From the fucking Brady Bunch. <laughs> Here's a story of a lovely lady that teaches criminal acts to children. <laughs> and I fuck. I don't know how I did it. I really have no clue. I was just fiddling around with this fucking thing, and for some reason, I picked that fucking lock that night. And I left, uh, I had shut the door, my bedroom door was shut, and like, of course, I took the pillows and made it look like, you know, I was still in the bed and shit like that. And I snuck out, and I met up with Joe. And like, me and Joe went to the first concession stand, and like, we fucking like went in there, and we like, we just took all this candy and shit, and then we left, and then like, um... Uh, we sm- we started like this little bonfire outside and we were just, you know, talking and, and telling stories and, and all this other stuff. And then like, I was walking him back to his house and there was a second concession stand. So we were like, he was like, dude, my brother wants some gum. Let's go hit up this second concession stand. <laughs> <laughs> we broke into the second one and stole some gum. Got to remember I'm like 13 at the time. So like, you know, I don't know. Like, I look back on this shit now and I'm like, man, that's horrible. You know, like, that's horrible. You're doing this to the school and it's just bad. But I, I hung out with like, you know, I, I hung out with a bunch of I thought hanging out with the bad crowd was the cool thing to do. I wanted to be that fucking rebel and shit. And um, I'm glad, you know, honestly, I'm glad I did that. Um, I did get in trouble for it. Um, I, did, I got in big time trouble. I did get caught. And, uh, but Joe ended up, I think Joe, um, Joe was a really good guy. Um, this guy that I went out with, he ended up passing away. Um, I think maybe 10 years ago or more. And, um, I, you know, I'll never forget that night. I'm glad, even though there was like some devious things that we did that night, I'm glad that I did it. And I have that memory with him. 
Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, but, uh, yeah, I, I used to do a man. I used to do a bunch, some fucked up shit that I wouldn't even admit on this show. (laughs) No, I'm I'm with you there, dude. I used to run with the bad crowd around town also to where the old folks around town referred to us as a gang Yeah, because there was nothing better to do in center point. So we just hang out on the stoops, like on main street that we had a stoop that we'd always sit on and we'd either have bikes or skateboards with us. And then when it get dark out, we'd hang out under us a street light and play hacky sack. Right. And shit. And then when we got a little older, we were out there smoking pot and shit like that. And it's right. just, that was just what we did. But it, I, I partially blame that on the fact that it was a small town. There wasn't fucking shit to do. Yeah. And those guys were exciting to hang out with. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. I mean, that's the thing. It's like, you know, if you're not like, uh, you know, and I was, I used to be in sports. Like I used to be, you know, I used to be in like baseball and soccer and I, you know, I wrestled and, um, you know, I was, uh, I was asked to be on the track team, you know, and I, <laughs> I, um, check this out. Like I, in, uh, s- seventh and eighth grade, I was the fastest kid in my school. Like I, uh, I didn't join the track team. I hated the track coach. Um, he hated me because in fifth grade there was, um, <laughs> there was at school, there was a busted condom on the ground. Um, and, uh, this was like grade school, fifth grade, there was a busted condom on the ground and I picked it up with a stick and I was chasing the girls around with it. <laughs> I got sent to the principal's office and I swore up and down. I didn't know what it was. I said, I thought it was a wet balloon. <laughs> and, um, <laughs> sounded convincing yeah exactly you know i'm fucking i how old am i like 10 so i'm still thinking i can get away with this shit and so you know i didn't get in trouble but our uh pe teacher he fucking knew i was full of shit (laughs) so he hated me from that very fucking that day forward so i think it was like it was eighth grade and we had to run the mile for gym class and uh he was like the track team coach and i beat his top runner by 40 seconds whoa and yeah and i was fucking cocky dude i was so fucking cocky back then <laughs> and i was cocky about it i beat him by like 40 seconds i think i ran it i think i ran it in a little maybe maybe i think maybe 510 or 520 or something like that wow so that's cooking and so it, it he got he looked at me and he goes that was a lucky run and i said let's what do an asshole yeah, I said, let's do it again. Let's do it again right now. I said, I'll do it again. And um, so I, I was very, very athletic, very athletic. I remember running like in um, – I remember running the mile in um, high school. I think it was my sophomore or junior year. And um, I smoked back then. But I, I still smoked that fucking mile. I was the first one done, and I was the I was the first one back on the bleachers when like all the other slow kids were fucking still running it and shit. And nothing against them. I mean, that's just everybody. Everybody's different. Everybody's different. So there's people that are athletic, athletic, and there's people that are not. And I just happened to be a very athletic um, person at that time. And I ran the mile, and I was the first one done, and I made it back to the bleachers. And I'm sitting on the bleachers, and I pull out a cigarette, and I'm cuffing the cigarette, and I'm smoking on the fucking bleachers. <laughs> while everybody else is running the fucking mile man <laughs> that's fucking hilarious yeah so Dude, yeah i didn't run my first mile until 2010 
Really? Really, really. Really? Wow. I, like, every time we were forced to do the mile runs in high school, mm-hmm. I was one of the asshole kids that was like, I'm going to walk this whole thing because they can't force me to run this. Oh, man. See, like, they, um, after that mile, they put, you know, like for PE, they put your name on the, on the board, like, you know, for like you being the top or whatever for PE. And like, I won in like three or four different categories. I run, I, I think I won for, um, uh, not push ups. I was, I've, ne- I've never been great at push ups. Um, even when I was in the military, I was in uh, the Army Reserves, and even in even in the military, you know, I wasn't the best at uh, at push-ups. But um, I, I I won in sit-ups, I won in uh, standing long jump, I won in the mile, I think three categories. So my name was up there. The track team actually came to me and asked me to join the team, but uh, and I went for like the first like three or four practices. But after that, I would skip and I would just go back to Jay's car. And smoke cigarettes and like suck on Werther's originals that he had in the car <laughs> <laughs> until until school was out. Like it was like eighth period, and uh, I would just skip and fucking smoke cigarettes in Jay's car and like eat Werther's originals back there. <laughs> <laughs> Dude, <laughs> the school I went to was so strict. There was there was no skipping. Really, it just wasn't I possible. Never... Like they wouldn't even let if you were like I left my homework out in my car. Like they, they would send a chaperone out to your car with you wow yeah they were dude we couldn't wear billabong shirts because it said bong on oh it. so wow. you'd have to turn it inside out like there was no coat like you'd try to wear a co-ed naked shirt you remember those from back in the day yeah yeah you'd try to wear those uh-uh like at this school i went to was so strict and at the time i hated it but now i open and roll my kids into it because it's like haha you're not getting away with shit yeah exactly <laughs> now it's like you're screwed because yeah, yeah. Yeah. See, I was in uh, for my eighth period before I joined um, track. I was actually in German class. So like track thought I was in German and German thought I was in track. <laughs> but I was actually in the back of fucking Jay's Ford Fiesta smoking cigarettes and eating more than originals. <laughs> Fiesta? Holy shit. <laughs> yeah, dude. He had a 1991 Ford Fiesta. White. I remember those. That was like the, yeah. the Ford's answer to the Geo Metro. Yeah, it was a three fucking cylinder car. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Was That's still, what metros were. It was like a one liter engine. It was still better than my 1985 Dodge Omni. So oh, I, yeah, like, <laughs> I, I was like, oh man, Jay's got a dope fucking car. <laughs> <laughs> the the guy who at the time was just one of my best friends, but now he's my brother-in-law because after a while, like his motives for coming over to my house, it was like, like, hey, Steve, what's up? He's like, uh, I'm here to see Jamie. It's like, what? You're here to hang out with my little sister? <laughs> now they're married. Oh, wow. <laughs> but, but yeah, his, his first car was a little Geo Metro. And yeah. like, he didn't have the patience to like learn how to drive the stick uh, from his stepdad. Right. Or his, his adopted dad. And so he came over one day, and I was just watching him pull in the driveway. And I was like, dude, you got to learn how to drive a stick. And so I just took him around town, and I actually taught him how to drive that. And so I drove it like a bit and that thing was so fucking fun to drive like i never would have imagined a geo metro was fun to drive but i took a geo metro out on a uh, test drive when i was mm, 18 or 19 and just like this really small lot you know and i took it it was a black geo metro i don't even remember what year i think like i can't remember but i took it out for a drive and 
I'd say I I barely got around the block and all the this black smoke started billowing out of the back of it and it just stunk to high hell. And I took it back to the dealership and I was like I was like, there's no way I'm taking this. I go, there's black smoke coming out of this thing. It's awful. So I think I got a nineteen eighty eight Chevy Cavalier, which I did not have long. Because me and my friend Donnie went out to go see the movie Seven with Brad Pitt and Morgan Freeman. Mm -hmm. And it was actually my buddy Donnie. It was so weird. He was going out on on a first date with this girl. Me and Donnie worked at um, uh, McDonald's. And uh, we worked with this girl, Corey. And so Donnie asked out Corey. Donnie told me, he's like, yeah, I asked out Corey. We're going to go out. And so, like, me and Donnie are going to go out to see a movie. And at the last minute, Donnie tells me that Corey's coming with us. I find out, like, this is their first date. I'm like, I'm like, what? I, yeah, dude, I, I was like, are you sure you want me to go? Yeah. And I think it's because Donnie didn't have a car, and I had a car. <laughs> so I could take Donnie and Corey out on the first date. So you were cooler than his mom driving them on the date. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> and I, I knew Corey, so it was all cool. And Corey was a cool chick. And so, like, we uh, we got, you know, uh, we all got in the car. We piled in, and, like, we drove out to the theater, and we saw Seven. And it all it blew our fucking minds, dude. Blew our fucking minds. I was like, oh, my God, this movie's amazing. Yeah. And, um, you know, I, like, I thank Donnie for, like, even let, you know, like, because I wouldn't, I, that's one of those movies I don't think I would have seen in the theater had it not been for Donnie making me go. And I absolutely loved it. And so I thanked him and shit. As we're leaving the theater, as we're, as we're leaving the theater, dude, um, my lights are on in my car. It's dark and shit. And all of a sudden, like, this girl, boom, plows into my fucking uh, uh, passenger side door. I go flying into a tree. And um, I'm, we're, play, we're, we're playing white zombie in the car. And it's just blaring. Nice. And, um, and uh, I remember, like, we got out of the car. And my car is just fucking totaled. And, um, you know, the girl was eating a baked potato. This is like before <laughs> cell phones were like a big what thing. This is like, yeah, this is like, like a plate and a fork and everything. Dude, she had like just gone to fucking Wendy's and you know how like Wendy's, oh, yeah, you know, yeah. yeah, oh God, Wendy's and their fucking baked potatoes. Am I right? And, uh, <laughs> yeah, she's chilly fu- with it. Exactly. She's <laughs> fucking eating her sour cream and chives bullshit and not paying attention and hits my fucking car and I go flying to a tree and so, and you know, it's like one of those things where, uh, I remember, uh, the lights were, she, she later on claimed that my, the lights were not on in my car. And, uh, that's why she hit me because she couldn't see me. And so I had to have Don, Donnie call in and tell like the other insurance company that yes, my lights were on. I even made a joke like after it happened, like after it happened, like, uh, I remember just getting like a headlight replaced or something like that on it. And so I, you know, I had told, you know, Donnie and Corey about this story and I was like, Oh, I better turn my lights off. I bet, you know, and, and, um, so I turned the lights off on the car and this girl tried to make up this story that I didn't have my headlights on and all that stuff. It's crazy. What try to people try to get away with yeah, when they don't want the insurance up. rates to go up. So I, uh, yeah, I, I've, uh, I've had, I had bad luck with vehicles in the past, man. I had another guy hit me. He was going like 45 miles an hour, and I was stopped at an intersection, and uh, 
He just just uh, a guy in a truck. That's how. Yeah, that's how he lost the fucking Omni. Some guy just like destroyed it <laughs> and pushed me like out into the middle of the intersection and shit when I was like 17. And that's how the Omni got destroyed. Then I got that Cavalier and then that girl eating the potato destroyed that fucking thing. So I can tell you yeah. I've never heard that sentence before in my life. What's that? <laughs> the, the, my Omni or my Cavalier was destroyed by the girl eating the potato. <laughs> I know that's the first time those, those that, that sentence ever it's ever been muttered on a podcast. <laughs> that's awesome. Uh, yeah, I've had one car that got pretty much. I mean, it it was totaled like insurance wise, but it was still drivable. But I mean, yeah. it was it was it was sad to drive after that. But the the car that I got in high school was a 1983 Mustang with uh, T tops, and man, I just loved that car. It was so good, and then. Around the time I got out of high school, I was at a, an intersection, and I was in the right lane, and there was a semi in the left lane, and he made a right turn on the red light and a raked semi. the yeah, and raked the the whole side of the the Mustang from like the just before the drivers or kind of right in the middle of the driver's door all the way up to the front bumper, just drug yeah. his tires across it, and it just totally crushed in that whole side of the car. Oh wow! And there was nowhere I could go because there was people behind me. Yeah, and then I just pulled up next to a semi, and then all of a sudden he starts going. And I turn to my buddy Matt, and I'm like, "This guy's running the red light." And then all of a sudden he just turns, and I'm like, "Oh fuck!" Oh my god! Yeah, it, it sucked, man. It that 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 brought tears to my eyes because I loved that Mustang so much. I had had all these plans. Yeah, I was like, "Oh man, when I get out of high school, and I'm gonna be able to get a, a more fuel efficient car to actually drive." And I had already had made plans with like a friend's dad to store it in his garage. And and he had a fuel injected um, uh, 5.0 engine that I was going to buy from him and put in. It. How old were you at this fucking Mustang? Uh, I was 17. I bought it from you the town of dentist. Bitch. Dude, it was a, it was an 83, and I bought it in 97. And uh, I, who I got gives it from, a shit? It was a fucking Mustang. <laughs> well, yeah, yeah. It, but I mean, it looked cool. But it had a 3.8 yeah, V6 cool. that would barely turn the tires over on sand. Dude, I'm trying. No, I'm trying. I, I'm fucking. No, no. You son of a bitch. You had a fucking Mustang. I know. Like, hold cool. on. Like, I didn't get my first. I didn't get my fucking first sports car start until I was fucking. Uh, I was 32. 30, 32. 32 or 33 until I got my first sports car. Like, I've been. I've been driving around fucking like Ford probes and fucking like. <laughs> Nobody Fucking should drive a Ford Probe. Oh my off. god, ain't Probe. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> oh my god, I've tried to run. Fucking yeah, okay. man. I gotta Chevy admit though, Cavalier. when those first came like, out, I like honestly, I'm surprised that fucking Chevy Cavaliers, they they didn't have me as a spokesperson. <laughs> In the mid '90s, because that's the only fucking car I ever got. Oh, you had like, more than one Cavalier. Oh my! Oh fuck yeah! I've had like three Cavaliers. Holy shit! Yeah, fuck my life, right? <laughs> oh my god! Yeah, I had. Uh, yeah, what did I have? I had a, a 1986 Chevy Cavalier. I had an. Hold on, hold. This is fucked up. I had an '88 Cavalier. Baked potato girl destroyed that. So <laughs> the next car I get, I downgrade to an '86 Cavalier. <laughs> no How better payments, you know. <laughs> and so I think that, and after that I had a, uh, what was it? I had a 19, 1999 Chevy Cavalier. Yeah, I had a cab. So I've had three and then I had a Ford probe. 
but it was it didn't say for it didn't say probe on it it said x2 <laughs> so it was like it, it, so it had like it had like a little spoiler on the back like 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 <laughs> the tiniest little spoiler you've ever seen like this is like the micro penis of all spoilers like it was so pathetic <laughs> It's like the weird spoilers that were on those. Um, oh fuck! It was like a, it was like a Dodge three thousand or. Oh Pontiac, the, the 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 fucking. Uh, the, oh, I know exactly. I used to love those fucking cars. Yeah, it's super sporty looking car. Yeah, there was two. There was two different manufacturers that that made Mitsubishi. them. It was yes. a Mitsubishi. Yes, it was the Mitsubishi. Uh, Fucking 3000, uh, yep. Power Man 5000. I don't know what the fuck it was called. But it had that weird little half moon spoiler. Yes, just right behind yes. the back window. And he's like, what the fuck is that thing? That's gross. That's like yeah. the, the, the gnarly fucking tutu of spoilers. Yeah. <laughs> oh, my God. Oh, yeah. What were they called? It was a it was a Mitsubishi something. Yeah. I One of my best friends in high they school had, the, had the Dodge version of it that was just fucking dope. But it looked just yeah. like that. Yeah. Yeah, I can't remember. <laughs> this is fantastic. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, car talk. Like I, you know, I don't know a ton about cars. I'm not a car guy. I drive a Camaro now. I had the after my divorce. That was one of those things. Like uh, when I was married, the ex-wife, I was driving that fucking Ford Probe. And so while we were married, I was like, uh, you know, yeah, we need a new car. And she drove this. Uh, what was this? This Hyundai Sonata that fucking went out on her. And so bought like a. What was it? A 2008. Uh, it was a. Uh, what did we get? A Chrysler Sebring. It was one of those. Uh, it was a Chrysler Sebring and it was uh, convertible. So you like hit the little okay, button yeah. and shit and it like retracted, you know, the top. And uh, it was a nice little car. And so here I am. I'm working two fucking jobs. I'm letting her drive around the nice car. I'm driving around the fucking anal probe and shit. <laughs> and uh, and uh, so, like, after we got divorced, like, I had, and I still have it on my fridge right now. I loved, like, the Camaros, the new Camaros that came out. I loved them. I thought they were just awesome. I was like, so I cut out a picture of one on the, on the, in the newspaper, and I put it on the fridge, and I said, ah, that's going to be the car I'm going to get one day. And uh, after we got divorced, um, that was like the gift to myself. I went out and bought like a uh, the green 2010 Chevy Camaro, and uh, so like I'd never driven it. I said before I turned 40, I gotta have a fucking sports car. You know, I never had a sports car and dreamt about having one since I was a teenager, and I finally got it. And that's awesome. Yeah, so you know, I'm glad I did it. It's cool. Um, it's got like a on the interior. It's on the panels on the inside. After the sun goes down, there's like a neon green light that glows on the inside. And like when I I, I actually drove out of state to go pick this one up because for the same price anywhere near me, it didn't have the uh, sunroof. So I was like, fuck it, you know what? I'll drive the fucking Ohio to get this one because it'll be a nice drive on the way home. I'll get to enjoy this car and drive it on the way home. The guy tells me this guy's name was Petey, and he was like. Yeah, he's like, this car is awesome. I love this car. You know, he'd done the detailing on it and shit like that. He's like, I love this car. You know, it's like when it turns dark, there's like this green light that comes on on the car. And like, I blew him off. Like, what the fuck are you talking about? Whatever. <laughs> I'm driving. Give me the so keys, Petey. Yeah. Like, fuck. Fuck. <laughs> <laughs> Shut the fuck up, Petey. 
green lights. <laughs> Give me the fucking keys, Petey. You... <laughs> So put down your dust buster and give me the fucking keys, baby. And uh, so then I, I'm driving on the way home. You know, the sun goes down. And uh, all of a sudden, dude, like there's this fucking little on both sides on the interior of the door, like this neat green neon light starts fucking glowing. And I was just like, holy shit, this car's badass. And so, of course, <laughs> I got to, you know, I've got to play some like some fucking like metal music in the car or whatever. I probably to be honest with you, I probably played Billy Joel. But, uh, you know, nice. Yeah. That I, isn't that fucked up? Like I have like this, I'm, I'm, I, I love like fucking like dark edgy music and shit, but I do have like a soft spot for like the shit that I grew up with when I was a kid. Like, uh, I grew up with like a lot of Billy Joel, a lot of, uh, Gloria Estefan and the Miami sound machine <laughs> and, and Whitney Houston. Like, Come on, everybody. Won't you do that Congo? Yes. Oh my God. Oh my God. <laughs> and Rick Astley. Rick Astley. Tons oh, of Rick Astley. Like we were kind of like forced to listen to it in the car as a kid. Oh You know, yeah. like that's the shit my parents listened to. You know, like I've listened to like I hate the movie Dirty Dancing. I love the soundtrack. It, it's fucked up. I hate the movie. Love the soundtrack. It's because like that's all we listen to in the fucking car on vacations. You know, we're driving to Florida driving to fucking Brown County, Indiana, wherever the fuck we're going on vacation. And, uh, you know, mom's got uh, Billy Joel playing or Gloria Estefan, uh, you know, Whitney Houston. Oh, my God. I want to dance with somebody. <laughs> I want to feel the heat with somebody. You know, like, that's, that's it. There's, dude, that. There's something about that, that though. Awesome. <laughs> yeah, it just takes me back to like when I was a kid, and like I love that fucking music. Like I, I hear that shit, and it's just like you know, yeah, I start you know, I start tapping my foot. It is but nostalgic. Then, like, yeah, but then like you know, like I do like that dark, edgy fucking shit. You know, like give me some fucking typo negative. Give me you know, like uh, I, I don't know, Static X, some old school Metallica. You know, I don't know. So it's weird. It's my my taste in music is all over the fucking place. I just don't like any of the new shit coming out. Yeah, no, I totally agree with that statement, man. Um, my playlist is so weird. It is the weirdest mix of music. And like today, when I was in the truck, I was listening to. Well, I started off with Wheeler Walker Jr. Have you ever heard of him? No, I saw you post about that. I I, I think I've heard about him, but I've never like had the initiative to go and listen. Okay, so a long time ago, he was on Joe Rogan's podcast, and my yeah. dad sent me a text message. He's like, did you listen to that country singer guy on Jerry? <laughs> and I'm like, no, I, I generally Do you like country skip. music? Are you a country music fan? With the modern stuff, definitely not. It grosses okay. me out, with the exception of Sturgill Simpson, but Sturgill really doesn't sound like modern country at all. He has his own sound, and it, okay. it really almost sounds... It's got like an older feel to it, and like there's no... like fucking fiddle and steel guitar and stuff which is you know whatever yeah but i like like the older honky-tonk country like waylon jennings johnny cash okay you know that sort of stuff i'll listen to but yeah. it also reminds me of being a little kid and riding around in my grandpa's truck right and listening to waylon jennings and stuff so you know it, it's nostalgic for me in that way but like the newer country music it, to me it just sounds like really shitty twangy pop music it's yeah, really it's just changed, it's just it? yeah, it's just made to make money. It's it's yeah. not made to really do what music is supposed to do, which is, you know, move you on a certain level. 
And for whatever reason, I'm sure there's plenty of people who get moved by modern country music, but I don't. You take yeah. like Rascal Flats, who's basically a failed boy band that then then starts doing country music, uh-huh. and they're going to redo Life as a Highway, and it's like, fuck, yeah. gag me with a fucking spoon. My ex-wife made me go to the Rascal Flats uh, concert. Oh, I'd suck start a pistol. I like, I called them rancid farts. And it, <laughs> <laughs> that's beautiful. It drove her crazy. She hated it how much uh, I hated Rascal Flats. I had to go see uh, Rascal Flats and... Uh, it was uh, Taylor Swift open for him. Oh, wow. So this was way before she, like, lost her fucking mind, right? Mm-hmm. And I was thinking, like, oh, this is, you know, I couldn't stand her music or anything. But I thought, you know, like, the country music, uh, the people in country, I'm going to let you get back to your story, Stark. I know it's your podcast. <laughs> it's all good, dude. Uh, but, I, you know, like, the country music people. I always thought, like, uh, you know, like, uh, in all of music, they seem like the most level-headed, like the most good, I guess. I don't know. Yeah. Like, not the, like they don't seem as fucked up as some of the other people. Like, uh, she had, uh, what was it, Taylor Swift, she's singing this fucking song, and at the end of her little fucking thing, she, like, had this, like, little girl from, like, uh, uh, some little cancer girl come up on stage with her, and they danced a little bit, and she walked the, the little girl off stage. I know that sounded bad, me saying little cancer girl, but that's what she was. She was a little I, girl with cancer. I checked myself against laughing at it. It's like, dude, don't laugh at that. And it's like, well, I do laugh at everything. The more I'd be laughing at the sentence. No, it's like, how am I supposed to delicately say that? She's a girl that has cancer, so I'm going to call her cancer girl. She's okay. a little girl that had cancer. She brought the little cancer girl on stage, and she strutted her around. That, no, that's on, on, no. I'm I'm not like the little girl. If I were to just talk to the little girl, I would not call her cancer girl. But the way that you know, <laughs> but the way, but the way that no, it's just the I know way what you that, mean. I know what you mean, dude. I'm sorry. The way that Taylor Swift was like, you know, like she could have brought anybody on stage, right? No, but she decides to bring little cancer girl on stage, right? I think that it was more of like, hey, look at me. Look what I'm doing. I'm bringing a little girl with cancer on stage. Yeah. Back then, I thought it was a really sweet thing to do. Like, oh, my gosh. Do you look at it more cynically now? (laughs) Way more cynical. Now that I know who she is, you know what I mean? Uh Uh-huh. Now that I know what kind of person she is and how crazy she fucking is. Fucking trademarking little blurbs from her songs and shit. It's fucking insane. Exactly. And then like buying up all these different websites so that people won't make fun of her. You know, like she buys that all these, Yeah, she buys up all these different website names so people can't make make up websites to 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 kind of like make fun of her. She's she's crazy. But like, you know, back then I didn't know all this about her. I just thought like this was a girl that has, you know, shitty luck in relationships and <laughs> yeah, for you know, real. write songs about them, you know, She's not talented, and you know my ex-wife loves her, but whatever. Um, but yeah, I was forced to see Rascal Flatts and Taylor Swift, and and um, you know I was I've never I've never been a huge fan of country music. Um, I, I but but I do, I don't hate it. There's some of it that I can like. I get I I actually kind of like appreciate some of the humor. Like what was that song? That was that song. Uh, I'm getting drunk on a plane that came out a few years ago. Okay, I'm not familiar with that one. Yeah, it's a new song that came out. I'm getting drunk on a plane, and there's like, uh, what is it? Tractors are sexy. I don't know. Oh, she they thinks all... my tractor's sexy? Yeah. yeah. Yeah, that makes me want to barf. Yeah, I mean, I, you know, I get it. <laughs> I get it. I, I know why you people like this stuff. 
You know, I know why the I know why like the, the people like it. They get a good kick out of it. But you were you were talking about something, man. I cut I totally cut you off. Oh, you that's talk- that's okay, dude. I bet I do that a million times oh, a day Jack to people. And- <laughs> What's that? I bet I do it a million times a day to people. It's karma. Uh, you're talking about Waylon Jennings and uh Yeah, so we were uh I was talking about Wheeler Walker. Wheeler Walker Jr. Yeah, Wheeler Walker. So I heard him on or my dad specifically heard him on Joe Rogan's podcast. He's like, You yeah. gotta listen to this guy. And so I'm listening to it right at the beginning of the episode, Rogan's talking to him and he just lists out all the names of the songs that are on that album. And it's like the album's called Redneck Shit. And there's songs like Family Tree, Beer, Weed, and Cooches, uh, Sit on My Face, Drop Them Out. And I'm just like, what in the fuck is this? And so I then they play a little bit of a song called uh, Eatin' Pussy, Kickin' Ass. <laughs> <laughs> and it's like like legit sounds like old school good country. Like before it was just, you yeah. know, like so many beats per minute. And it just Who did that? Less, Who did that? Was it Nashville? Dixie? It was just was it Na- it's just Nashville in general. It, it's it's all a big money music scene there with with modern country music. I, I my parents took me uh, when I was uh, when I was a kid, and I didn't appreciate it at all because I, I grew up not being a country fan. And I don't know I don't know where my mom like was a country fan because like we didn't listen to country in the car. And my mom loved Kenny Rogers though. My mom was a big fan of Kenny Rogers. I I think like. If my, you know, like, you know, like, uh, everybody's got like a hall pass, you know, like, uh, what, what do they call that? Like when, uh, like a wife and like like bang on the three, there's like a, like a, yeah. I know there's an episode of friends where they had like a a list of three celebrities or something like that. Yeah. Like my parents never talked about it out loud, but I I guarantee you that like the guy that would have been (laughs) the hall pass for my mom was Kenny Rogers back in the day. And I think my dad, I think it would have been Jamie Lee Curtis. Not bad. Yeah, my dad didn't really talk about like the women in Hollywood that he thought was hot. But I remember, I remember my dad one time like slipping. I think my dad had a thing for Jamie Lee Curtis. You just watched Trading <laughs> Places over and over again. Trading Places. I think it was. I think it was that show he did with uh, what was it? Jerry Lewis. He did that. Sh- she did that show with Jerry Lewis. Um, Anything but love. Was that it? I'm not familiar with that one. Oh, it was a good show. It was a good show. Jerry Lewis and Jamie Lee Curtis did a fucking show, and they had great fucking chemistry in it. Great fucking chemistry. Some of the best fucking chemistry in a TV show since, like, uh, Diane Chambers and Sam Malone and fucking, like, Bruce Willis and Sybil Shepard and Moonlighting. Wow. Yeah, they, like, nobody gives them enough credit. I think Jerry Lewis and fucking, uh, uh, what, Jamie Lee Curtis had great chemistry in this fucking show. I'm going to have to look it up. It's driving me fucking crazy right now. But I'll look it up later. Whatever. So I'll get crushed on Tuesday. Whatever. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> I think my dad had a thing for Jamie Lee Curtis. My mom loved Kenny Rogers. We used to give my mom so much shit about Kenny Rogers. That's funny. So, yeah. I think my, my, yeah. Yeah, my mom loved Have you seen the way he looks now after he got all that plastic surgery? Are you fucking serious? No. Dude, no, he looks like a fucking you. alien. No shit. No shit. It's like one of those plastic surgery jobs where, like, do you remember like a few specials ago on Bill Burr where he's talking about white people and plastic surgery? And it's yeah. Like, <laughs> he's like, quit fucking doing that. Oh, my yeah. God. Yeah. Oh, yeah. He's a victim of that. He looks oh, fucked up. <laughs> that's fu- that's crazy. Yeah. I know. It's like, dude, just just get old. Just get old. What? Get wrinkly. What? Yeah. I mean, on some level, people are still going to want to fuck. I mean, it happens with old people with dementia in, in nursing homes, and it's very sad. I'm told. Are you gonna Are you gonna grow old gracefully, Stark? Are you doing that? 
I mean, I, I feel old right now, but I think it's mostly just because I've got so many small nagging injuries that I'm not being able to work out at the level that my, I had been. My mind doesn't feel old, but I feel like I, I look older, which I, scares me. I agree with that. My mind does. I mean, I'm still as immature as I ever was. I still feel like I have like the brain of like a 20 year old. Yes. <laughs> um, but like, but like I, you know, yeah, my body, my body's fucked up. Like I've yeah. never, I've, I never had those problems. Like I never had back, back problems or neck problems. I like, I woke up one day and I, I got like a lump in my hand now. That's weird. Yeah. Like in your palm yeah. or. So yeah. Hold, yeah. My palm. I was, uh, hold on. See this. Is, fuck WebMD, Right. WebMD, uh-huh. uh, I know, WebMD, great resource, right? Yeah, you want to do some self-diagnosis, go to WebMD. <laughs> yeah. You also you also want to think that you have fucking cancer. <laughs> That's or, what I was just going to say. <laughs> you wanna, you, like, do you also want to read about how your hand may fucking like, uh, be paralyzed <laughs> shortly? Go to WebMD. Like, That's the thing. Like, I woke up one day, had like a little lump in my palm, okay? So I'm like, oh, what the fuck is going on here? Got a Got a bump in my palm. That ain't there. Like you know your body. Mm-hmm. And, you know you know your body. You know you touch your body enough to where like if something seems like out of place, you're like, oh man, what the fuck is that? That ain't there. What what the fuck? That wasn't there yesterday. What's going on? So like, I wake up one day and a little little bump here. Okay, whatever. Tender, a little bit tender. Then it gets bigger. This fucking thing starts getting real big. Like I'm worried like. Like maybe I've got like a fucking unborn Siamese twin popping out of my goddamn palm. Like I don't know what the fuck's going on, you know? <laughs> like all of a sudden this thing's gonna have fucking like teeth and shit, you know? Like I'm gonna start having to fucking bite like a little, little start flossing my hand. I don't know what the fuck's going on. It speaks, but you're the only one who can hear it. Nobody believes you. <laughs> it's like, hey, uh, give me a Colgate commercial where I can brush my hand. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Yeah. So anyway, like I got this little bump like on my fucking hand. I'm freaking the fuck out. Right. Like what the fuck is going on here? So like I get online and I uh, type in uh, a bump in my palm, you know, or (laughs) (laughs) I don't have to see what the Google search is for that. Yeah. Like uh, growth, growth in my palm or whatever. I don't know. I don't know. Like. You know, thank God this didn't happen when I was a kid and I told another kid, they were like, oh, it's because you masturbate. <laughs> it's like, you do too, you stupid fuck. Anyway, um, that's the thing. Like, nobody wanted to admit that they masturbated when they were kids, right? I know. Oh, my God. I jacked that thing. I'll, I think my record for jacking it, I think my, my record for jacking it one day was like nine times. No fucking way. <laughs> nine times. Your poor raw dick afterwards, Jesus. Um, yeah. <laughs> I think I, I, think, I think it had scabs on it. <laughs> I couldn't stop myself. Oh my god, my libido was like through the roof. Oh, <laughs> oh you're in your prime back then, you yeah, know? Yeah, just ready to go over and over. <laughs> I was one of the. It was one of those things where, like, it was like a, a girl that I had been seeing. And uh, we were, we, we, hold on, I'm going off the rim. We were, we were talking about, we were talking about like, we're going to do it. We're going to do it. We're going to do it. You know, like there'd been, like we had gotten together and, you know, we'd have some heavy petting and shit like that. And like, we're going to do it. We're going to do it. So like, I was like really excited. So I was like uh, thinking about it and uh, boom, 
nine times in one night so I can, so I can make sure that I was settled down for like <laughs> when we actually got together. <laughs> and it was like, wow, it was like one right after the other too. It was like I, it was like there was like zero refractory time. Like it was just like, boom, ready to go again, you know? Oh my god. Oh my god, if I could go back and have that fucking young penis again. Jesus. Can oh you, my god. Can you imagine how fucked up and dark and vile the porn would have to be to get to number 9 at this day, at this age? Oh, I, oh god. Just, That'd be just like, like each like, one would be like you just descending another level into hell. It'd be like a saw movie, you know. <laughs> <laughs> By the end you're watching like German grandma origin, you're like, this is horrible, but for some reason it's working. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god oh my it's god just a, it's just a bunch of yeah yeah <laughs> it's like these days i'm like i'm like one and done you know it's like, it's, it's like you know it's like i'm like i'm like the guy that like makes the appearance at the party hey hey everybody i'm here and then i slip out at the end of the night you know but at least I can say, like, the next day I showed up, you know? <laughs> that's, a, that's a really good analogy. <laughs> yeah. Like, but, oh, my God. It's, yeah, it's crazy. <laughs> well, I can definitely tell you that when we were planning this episode, I didn't think we'd cover this ground, but I'm glad we no, have. <laughs> I don't give a shit. We can go anywhere we want to. That's what I love about this show, Stark. I know. It's fun, isn't it? it? It's good. It's good. It doesn't help that I've been drinking tonight. Oh, yeah, me too. (laughs) Yeah. So, you know, and I I don't drink a lot. Like, I stopped drinking on the episodes. Like, when we record PCL, I don't drink anymore. I used to drink, and I think, like, the episode suffered because of it. So. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you could definitely hit that point where where if you get too loopy, and especially, you know, on something like PCL, it's it's a ship, and you got to keep it on course. Exactly. You know, and I, like, I spend all week, like, looking up these stories and, like, and like you know, you get so drunk, and you're just like, uh, by the end of it, you're. I'm, like the, I remember the early episodes, like when I used to like, at the end of the episode, like I would get so drunk that you know, like you know that guy, at the party that like gets so drunk, and they're like, oh man, I love you, man, I love you, you're awesome. <laughs> I would become that guy on the podcast. You go back and listen to some of the old episodes, like, like some of the listeners that would like interact with the show. Like at the end of the episode, I'd be drunk and I'd be like, I want to thank all the listeners that listen to this show and support it. And blah, 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 blah. And like, <laughs> oh my God, it was so embarrassing. You did do that a lot in the earlier episodes. <laughs> I did. I did. I did. I absolutely did. Darth Bryan turns into a teddy bear with a few drinks into it. It's crazy. It's crazy. Yeah, isn't that weird? I'm isn't that way weird? too. I'm a happy drunk. Like, I, like I will. I'm much more likely to give you a really yeah. big hug. If yeah. I've got a few beers in me, that's just the way. Yeah, I'm yeah. Like especially if like something like hits me like in the feels, you know, like when I'm drunk, like man, it all just comes like pouring out, you know. Yeah. So. But hey, I, you know, I gotta. Hey. <laughs> <laughs> Go for it, dude. You, no, what are you gonna say, dude? I was just gonna. I was gonna say that I think most of the time I just have my guard up around people a lot, and if I'm yeah. drinking, like that's dissolved, and like I lose a lot of my filter. And yeah. but what's unfortunate about that is like it seems like my social anxiety filter is also the same with my don't say inappropriate shit filter, and they right. both go away at the same time. I got a question for you. Do you watch Black Mirror? 
I've not watched it yet. I want you to watch one episode, okay? As soon as we're done uh, with this episode, like the next time you can like hop on Netflix. I want you to watch one episode. I want you to watch uh, San Junipero. San Junipero? Yes. I it, Trust me, just I want you to watch it. That's your gateway into Black Mirror, okay? That is your gateway. Like, that's your starting point. I, but I'm also going to tell you, like, it's not going to get any better than that. Because, like, that's the best episode. Like, Black Mirror is fantastic. I think, like, this show is made for Joe Stark. I think you would love this fucking show. Awesome. I'll check it out. No, no, I... No, I mean, no. like, I, I know a lot of people say that, but I will seriously yeah. check it out. <laughs> like, I wrote it down, I circled it. <laughs> Just, like, that one episode, I want you to start out on that one. Basically, like, this show is... It, it's really cool. Like, you know, like, a lot of people have been talking about... Uh, what is this? Uh, this new Duplass Brothers show. I watched, like, the first five episodes. This uh, Room... Room 104. Is that what it's called? I think so. Something like that. Room something. Room something. I don't know. I, I kind of dropped off. I, I enjoyed, like, uh, the first two episodes. I think, like, the fifth or fourth or fifth episode was okay. Um, that I really liked, but black mirror, it, it's like a, uh, they take, they take, uh, one piece of technology that, uh, could actually, I don't know. I don't know how to say this. Like in the future, like one piece of technology that could exist or, you know, and, and, and they take, they can take it down a dark road. Like they can take virtual reality. They can take social media. They can take all these things. Um, you know, like, uh, and then turn and, and then focus it on an alternate future where that society is dominated by that one piece of technology. Well, San Junipero is such a fantastic episode. Um, I was just going to ask you, like, um, like, I don't know, like, would you would you want to go back and like relive like your 20s, like your, you know, like your early 20s and do things different again or like. Would you want, I don't know, like, like, like I, what were your twenties? Like I loved my twenties. Like I hated my high school years, but man, I, I loved my twenties and like meeting people in my twenties and figuring out who I was and shit. See, I think I hated high school, but if I could yeah, go too. back and redo a time in my life, it would actually be probably starting in middle school and four. But the only way that I would ever do that is if I could still retain everything I know now. Retain your knowledge because yeah. I would go back and like I would seriously take a lot less shit from people. Like I've always been, like anybody who's listened to a lot of Starcast or me on other episodes, you know I'm a, mostly a very affable person, and I'm very much a go with the flow type person, even when it's to my own detriment. Yeah, and I wouldn't have been so much like that if I could go over and do it again. And yeah, you know, but but at the same time, it's like that's a a weird double edged sword because. You know, there's definitely things about my life right now that could be improved, but the most important things in my life, like the relationship I have with my wife and my kids and stuff, like the the thought of if something were to go differently and then I couldn't have that, like it, it that would be a deal breaker for me. Yeah, yeah, like the butterfly effect. You never know, like yeah. what different choices you make in your life to where you wouldn't end up to where you are now, which is like the most important thing. Yeah, but, oh, God, it'd be great to go back in time in high school and be like, you know what? I didn't have to take shit from that person. Right. You punch them right in the fucking chin and just watch them crumple to the floor. 
Yeah. It's like, hey, I didn't do that sort of stuff. I was I was not the guy that did that stuff. I was and and even today, like I I very much exist on a philosophy <laughs> of I, I try and not have negative impacts on people because it, it just seems like the world would be a better place if more people focused on being positive. But yeah. I take that to an extreme where I will put myself into a shitty position if it means that, you know, on some level or another, I'm pleasing somebody else. And so on, in some ways, I'm way too much of a people pleaser. And it's something that I really fucking hate about myself. Now, see, I wish I was more of that. Like, I wish I could do that more. Like, I love to make, uh, see, that's a, I don't know. I love to make people laugh. But on the flip side, like sometimes, sometimes people will say shit that just pisses me off and I got to call them out on it. You know? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I've never been a call somebody out on something person. And yeah. there's been lots of times in my life where I've wanted to do that. Yeah. And, and like, I, I, I generally shy away from it. Yeah. I don't. Does that bother you? Yes. Do, Very okay. Much so because Th- it's like, that makes sense. Because to me. If somebody's doing something fucking stupid. Yeah. They need to be told they're doing something. Yeah. Stupid. And right. Like, well, in the place that I got to in my life where I found that I really started doing that was mm-hmm. when I got into climbing and then the group that I was climbing with is um, the guy who's kind of my climbing mentor. Like he goes out and develops his own. He's like the Mr. Miyagi of climbing. Yeah. Well, and, and eventually at some point I'll have Troy on the podcast so you guys can all hear him. He's pretty unique. The guy's a fucking machine. How long has he been doing it? Uh, since like the early 2000s. But the thing that's crazy about Troy is that he can go out and bolt like four routes in a day and yeah. then still go and climb really hard. Like I'll bolt one route and I'm fucking destroyed. I mean, right. that means that you just hiked clear out in the middle of fucking nowhere with like a 70 pound pack. Yeah. You were hanging in a harness for however long it took you to fucking drill all the bolts and, and drill all the holes and knock all the bolts in the wall, take all the dead rock off the wall, all that shit. The whole time yeah. your harness is squeezing your kidneys. You're using your core because, I mean, you're just hanging on a rope and you're trying to get leverage to put a half-inch hole in the wall that's, like, five inches deep. Right. You know, it's just, it's fucking, it's really, it's the hardest work I've ever done for free. And then, but then this guy will go and still then climb really hard after that. And I'm just, like, taking a nap on the side of the trail. <laughs> but, <laughs> but, like, so I got this ethic from him that, you know, it's... Yeah. um you know, these crags aren't going to take care of themselves. And like the public crag in picture in Iowa is called pictured rocks. And when I first got into climbing, it was a shithole. Right. And it's slowly getting better. But, and so I'd see people out there doing stupid behavior. Like, like, I don't know why people will bring their dog out. Like I love dogs. I, I have a little Shih Tzu. I grew up with yeah. dogs. I'm, yeah. I'm very much an animal lover, but if you bring your dog out climbing and you just have it tied to a tree while you're off having fun the whole time and then that dog's just barking at everybody walking by, that's not a good time for your dog. Right. You know? And so, like, yeah. I got to the point where I started calling people out on that. Yeah. <laughs> to where if I'd walk by or if, like, somebody had a hammock strung across the trail, I'd be like, is, do you realize you're... this is a trail? Do you realize <laughs> if somebody wanted to get past you, they'd either have to go through all the fucking stinging nettles, you know, oh, trampling a new trail. All I'm thinking about right now is uh, Jason Lee as uh, Brody from Mallrats. Get your fucking kid yes. off the escalator. Yes, that is that that was me. Like I've literally stood on the main trail and yelled at people that were like 50 yards away on a wall, being like, "I hope you brought a bag to clean up after that fucking dog that you got tied up underneath that warm up over there." And they just stare at me stupidly. And it's like, and number one, why are you bringing a toy poodle out in the woods? You're a fucking asshole. Fucking Iowa City climbers. 
Go back and climb on your plastic wall, you fucks. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> I will get fired up about fucking like land management shit <laughs> when it comes to that kind of stuff. Because I've had conversations with the DNR. I know what pisses them off. And so when I see I people think it's doing very, it, I, I, honestly, like I have to talk to them. And, yeah. <laughs> I think it's very uh, therapeutic to get your feelings out there when you're feeling them. I really do. And I don't care who it hurts. Um, I, you that's got a the very fuck good up. point there. Because they say that's one of the reasons that so many men die of fucking heart disease is because they bottle yeah. up their feelings. I remember uh, in uh, high school, I had a uh, teacher who, uh, who said something about me and another girl in class that uh, I still think about to this day. And it, it fucking destroys me to this day. Like it still like bothers me that I didn't fucking sit, stand up and say something. And um, he said something very hurtful and uh, he said it about her. And like, I, I never talked to her about how she felt about it when he said it. He like called us out in class and said this thing. And, uh, you know, like this is a fucking teacher. So like listening to Paul Hart on your previous episode and what a great teacher he is. And like I, I, I've been on the other end of that where there's like some shitty teachers that like oh, yeah. make fucking hate teachers. And um he said something like really shitty, something really embarrassing about me and another girl in class. And I didn't say anything. And to this fucking, this very day, it still bothers me. And so, like, I kind of, like, vowed. Like, you know, like how Batman, you know, like his parents got killed? <laughs> you know? You know how Batman's parents got killed in the fucking alley? And he vowed to stop all criminals in Gotham and shit? Yeah. Yeah. This teacher was an asshole to me, and I kind of like vowed to myself, like, I'm not going to let anybody ever talk to me like that again. I will never take the high road. I will never turn the other cheek. And if somebody pisses me off, I'm going to let them know about it. <laughs> because, like, I can't sleep well at night knowing that I did not say something to defend myself. Right? Yeah. Somebody said, that's the thing, especially in friendships. In friendships, if, 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 if somebody that calls themselves your friend at the same time is kind of like destroying you, like tearing you apart and you don't stand up for yourself. I mean, you know, like some of the the strongest relationships that I've formed to this very day are because of the fact that like either myself or that person, we called each other out on our bullshit and we talked it out. Yeah. You know, and um, I, I think I, – I don't know. I think it's one of those things where like you'll hear a lot of people say like, ah, take the high road. Don't um, – you know, don't resort down – don't go – don't go – don't, go, don't uh, stoop to their level. I honestly feel like sometimes you need to stand up for yourself. Like when we watch like all these comic book movies <coughs> – excuse me – and these heroes stand up, <coughs> stand up for themselves physically – you know, uh, using their powers or whatever it may be, we, we root them on. But like, what about like when somebody says something shitty to you? Um, are we oh, not I totally so- know what you mean? Yeah. Are we supposed to just fucking take it and just take the high road and just and just leave that situation and just be like, well, at least I didn't stoop down to their level. But no, <laughs> it bothers you that this person got that jab in on you. Yeah, so I, yeah. you know. I mean, I don't know. It's one of those things where, like, for me, 
I feel like I need to get it all out there, especially if it's like a close friend. And I've had close friends say some fucked up shit and I got to call them out on their shit. And I would hope that they would do the same for me so that we could kind of like just get it out there and then like then like go, f- you know, forward and be stronger and have a stronger relationship because of it. So, no, I totally no. know what you mean. That's very valid. Yeah. You, you know how it usually it'll usually go one of two ways for me. If I get to the point where I have to call somebody out, it's either because I've been silently taking it for so long that I blow up and then I yeah. react to it far more harshly than I should. Yeah. Which like that happened to me not too long ago <coughs> where this guy was like and and it was at work and I have a like a vendor type job. So like, yeah. I go in and work with people that like I'm not technically their coworker. Like I don't answer to their bosses, but you know, I kind of do in a way, but not in the same way that they do. Right. But, and I'm very aware of the fact of who the people are in these places that I have to answer to and everybody else. It's, it's my job to be nice to because I'm representing a company, but I don't have to be nice to somebody if they're being abusive to me or shit like that. Then I just need to politically kind of get out of it. Yeah. Well, this fucking guy just kept telling me what to do. And it's like, dude, you just work on a fucking line. It's it's your job to just build a fucking machine of some sort, to just build some little part and then send it down to the next guy. And the fact that yeah. you work next to this area that I have to visit, it doesn't mean that you're in charge of it. Oh, uh, are so, you gonna let him know about that? Oh, dude, it, it um it like everybody on the lines heard me talking to this guy. Yeah. Because I eventually got to the point where I was just like, Look, dude. I don't tell you how to build whatever the fuck you build. You don't tell me how to do this over here. Just fucking go away. Right. Like, I'm sure right. they're fast-tracking you to management. And when you're there, you can tell me what to do. And until that day, you don't fucking talk to me. Right. And so then I go in the office and I tell the people in the office, like, as I'm dropping off the paperwork, I explain to them what happened. They literally high-fived me. Oh, that's awesome. They're like, we fucking hate that guy. That's awesome. <laughs> and I'm like... Like, this guy's a total scumball. He looks like he's in fucking Duck Dynasty. He looks like he hasn't operated a toothbrush since the mid-90s. You don't tell me what to do if you're that much of a fucking idiot. Like, yeah. I'm sorry, I have standards, okay? <laughs> if you're that much of a scuzzball, I'm not going to fucking listen to you. Right. <laughs> so, yeah. <laughs> but uh, then the other way it'll go is that, yeah. like, I remember a long time ago, um, so, um, kind of going back to climbing... Um, being that I hung out with Troy and went to all these different like private crags that he was building, I learned how to build hiking trails like really, right. really good. Yeah. Out of like finding like uh, dead cedar trees up on top of the bluff because you know cedar doesn't dry rot. Okay. Yeah. So yeah, cedar trees don't dry rot. Um, they, you know, they give off a chemical smell. That's why you can store clothing in like cedar chests and like moths and yeah. stuff won't get to yeah. it because it's got yeah. this naturally occurring chemical in the right. wood that's awesome and it smells really good too. You know. Yeah, it's crazy how different woods do different things. I know, right? It's pretty like, awesome. Like, I used to be, like, a big audiophile. Like, I used to sell, like, stereo equipment and shit like that. And, like, uh-huh. you know, like, I always wanted to get, like, a uh, stereo rack made of maple wood. Oh, because, nice. like, maple wood was, like, the best as far as, like, uh, not, uh, you know, like, when you have, like, uh, when you, as far as, like, your equipment, it doesn't vibrate. It, like, yeah. um. And it gives off like it's the best sound, especially if you're like uh, making like a spe- uh, speakers that are made of wood and things like that that have like a wood housing. Maple is the best, and so it's like 
it's crazy. We're like, diff- <laughs> we're talking about woods. <laughs> Let's talk about that oak. All right, Elm. Uh, yeah, no, it, you're, you're absolutely right. Different woods have like different uh, different abilities. Like, like the uh, wood is like the X Men. Like, you know, like. <laughs> no, I each totally has, know like, what you mean. Yeah, like <laughs> they each has their own power. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> So, uh, all right. right. You were talking about, about, uh, Oh, trail work. Yeah. (laughs) Okay. And so I eventually got put in charge of all the trail day events at this park. Like the, the, the guy who was the conservation director from that County called me at home and asked if I would be in charge of what the climbers coalition was doing on these trail days, because the, the section of trail I had built out of cedar was what the DNR wanted because it was using, you know, locally sourced materials and it looked natural and all that shit. Yeah. And so I was in charge of it. And then the next year, one of the guys who's like, he's like a math professor or something at the university of Iowa. He refused to come to the trail day because I was in charge because I'm friends with Troy and it, he didn't, he was mad at Troy about something Oh, he was putting these anchors up in the park, so like basically carib- like fixed carabiners that had a little pin in them, so nobody could steal them. And they were yeah. at the tops of the routes, so that instead of having to untie your rope and thread them through like lengths of chain, you just clip your rope through the carabiners and lower off. Well, okay. he didn't. This guy didn't go through the proper channels to like put these things up. He just started putting them up willy nilly, and he wasn't doing them correctly. Yeah. And so. So he got called out online on this forum, and, and and Troy was like, you know, hey, you need to contact me or Joe Stark and get approval before you do this. Well, apparently he got super butt hurt over that, and said that he was not going to participate in the trail day because I was in charge. And so then my buddy Alan fucked up and told me that. And so I'm working my ass off on this trail day, doing volunteer work all day on a day that I could have been out climbing and having fun. And instead, right. I'm building trail at a fucking park that I don't go to because there's fucking people there. And I can go on private property <laughs> and climb by myself on routes that not that aren't fucking polished like a bowling ball. Right. You know, I can stand on things that my feet aren't just going to spontaneously fall off of and shit. And um, so he sends me a fucking email that night at home wanting to know because I had went and pulled all of his fucking carabiners off that were not put up correctly. Yeah. He's like... He was like, if you're not going to get those put up, you need to get those back to me right away. And like, I had had them with me in that trail day, that, that particular day we got rained out early. And so I didn't get a chance to repel in and fucking install his hardware. And then he writes me this fucking passive aggressive email. And so I totally blew up (laughs) and I sent him an email and I signed it off with, uh, the next time you see me at the crag, don't fucking talk to me. I got nothing to say to you. Enjoy being a crotchety, butthurt, old fucking man. Go fuck yourself. <laughs> wow. Damn. And send on it. And then, like, I also CC'd the guy who's, like, the, the head of the Climbers Coalition. So there's nobody yeah. for him to rat me out to that I was being an asshole. <laughs> and so that yeah. guy emails me back and he's like, well, you're not going to get any friends points for making friends there. And so, yeah, yeah, that guy and his friends that he climbs with, they won't even look at me at the crag anymore, which is great because I don't want to talk to any of them because they're a bunch of fucking idiots. There you go. You made... You made but I you felt made, guilty. Yeah. That's, no, that's yeah, what I was getting at. I felt awful. Like, once I was not full of rage and anger, I felt awful that I said sure. that stuff to that guy. Because yes. it's like, in the moment, yes. And even now when I'm laughing about it, it's like, mm-hmm. yeah, I mean, I felt all those emotions, but... 
it, it probably really hurt his feelings when he read that. And then I was bummed out that I hurt his feelings. And it's like, God damn it. You are fucking righteous in your anger there, Joe. You do not need to feel bad. Well, hold you on, told Joe. Him, you told a cocksucker to go fuck himself. You don't need to feel bad about that. But I do. Why didn't he feel bad? Why didn't he feel bad after he sent what he sent to you? Maybe he did, but, you know, fuck him. <laughs> exactly. That's the thing. It's like, you know, um, oh, I can't tell you how many times, you know, like you've listened to PCL. You've listened to me flip out mm-hmm. and yell at people and stuff like that. I can't tell you how many times, like after we hit stop on record where I'm, I've told like Jake or Frank Dude, dude, I'm sorry. Like, oh my god, dude, are you okay? Like, I'm sorry. I didn't mean to flip out. Like, I, I remember, like, oh my god, there would be like, especially in the early days, like, you know, when we were first starting out, like, I'd yell at those guys and scream and act like, you know, and uh, that's I, I'm just like that. I am. I. It's easy to work me up. I have a very short fuse. Um, no. Yeah. Yeah. I have a very short fuse. It's easy to work me up and I, I can, I can yell and scream. I'm very passionate and, um, I can yell and scream. And like, there's been times so many times where I like, I have like yelled and screamed and flipped out at Frank or, or, uh, Jake. And after we've gotten done, like I've, I've apologized profusely and those guys are so good about it. Like, don't worry about it. Don't worry about it. You know, especially Jake, like Jake gets it. I think Jake gets it like in the, in the heat of the moment, it's like, it's real, it's there. But like once we hit stop and like, once we like walk away from it, it's like me and Jake just like verbally have like, we hug it out and that's it. That's like, awesome. There, there's like nothing like, I don't give a fuck if Jake loves Man of Steel or not. Like I don't give a shit. You know, when it comes down to it, like because and the, and the like I love I think I love Man of Steel. I think it's a great movie. Jake hates it. And yes, when he fucking dogs it and says he hates it, sometimes it bothers me. But if anybody, anybody hurt Jake in front of me and d- said something or physically did anything to hurt Jake in front of me, I would be on their ass. And the same thing goes for Frank and the same thing goes for like anybody in the leftover army that like cares about me in any way. Like I don't care what kind of argument we get into about anything in pop culture. If anybody fucked with you, they've got me to worry about, you know, like I remember (laughs) this is a fucked up story. I was uh, I think I was like 20, 21. Me and my me and my buddy. Uh, Jared, um, not, not, not Jared Gafford from Joe Schmo comic show. This is my buddy that, uh, I grew up with and shit. We're playing pool together. And, um, all of a sudden he starts playing pool. <laughs> this is a fucked up story. <laughs> Good. Me, we're playing pool. We, we all, I used to go out and play pool a lot back in the day. We're going out and we're playing pool and he's playing pool against this girl. And like, of course, like it's no, there are some excellent female pool players out there, but uh, just play the game. Uh, you don't have to, you know, fucking talk shit if you beat my buddy. Um, <laughs> she's talking shit like she's beating my buddy and she's talking shit. And my buddy doesn't fucking stand up for himself. That's just the kind of guy he is. Uh, you know, he's kind of 
meek and shy at times. And um, she beats him at pool, and she's laughing at him and making fun of him and, um, and all this shit. And, man, it's bothering me. It's bothering me because, like, this is my friend. Like, like, just be – just, you know, just be like, you know, just be happy that you beat him and let's – Let's go on on about a business. You don't have to like make fun of him as a person because you're a better pool player than him, and you happen to have a vagina, and he has a penis. Like I get it. <laughs> like whatever. So she beats him, but she's like really kind of like making fun of him and calling him like a shitty player and taunting him the whole time and and just trash talking during this entire game. And I've listened and I've listened and I've listened and I've listened. And I've listened to my buddy Jared not say anything mean to her this entire time. And it's really starting to fucking piss me off. And uh, she beats him again. And I'm like, she says something shitty. And I, I look at her and I go, man, I go, there goes his pool playing career. He's fucking finished, right? And she's like, yeah. She starts laughing. I go, yeah. But I go, he's at the top of his game when it comes to his bitch slapping career. So I'd watch out. <laughs> And she, <laughs> she, that's clever. She, yeah, she, well, I was 20 at the time. <laughs> so like I, my humor is, I think better now, but, um, she like looked at her friend and she goes, who is that? <laughs> <laughs> that's the guy who's keeping it real. <laughs> but it's like, it's like one of those things like, well, like, like I, I will, I will, I will give my friend shit. Like I give Jared shit to this very fucking day. I give him so much shit. But, like, if anybody fucking gave him shit, I am on their ass, and I'm there to protect him. And, you know, the same thing goes for, like, Jake and Frank when we record. Like, I will, you know, we'll, we'll fucking, we'll, we'll attack each other. But, like, if anybody were to attack Frank or Jake maliciously, then I'm, I'm there. I'm there to, I'm there to, like, stand up for them. And I would hope they would do the same, so... Oh yeah, dude. I've I've heard that when people have been stupid enough to email in and talk shit on somebody who's on the show. Like, number one, what a fucking asshole email. How are you supposed to respond to that? Be like, you know what, listener, you're right. Hey, so and so, you're fired. <laughs> hey, thanks for that heads up there, you know, so and so in butt fuck Egypt. <laughs> yeah. God, what a fucking stupid mm. Yeah. So yeah, dude, I've heard you go off like that. And and rightly so, you know? You yeah. Stick up for your friends, you know. What the fuck? Yeah. You gotta, you got to. Yeah. Yeah. I, you know, like when we first started like podcasting, it was like, you want everybody to like you. And then you realize not everybody's going to like you. <laughs> um, it's just, you know, you can try. I mean, but if you just, I mean, you gotta, sometimes you just gotta put yourself out there and, uh, be who you are. And if people don't like you, they don't like you. And you can either like tuck your tail between your legs or you can just continue to do what you've always done and just be yourself. And like that's that's one of those things where like uh, I, I have just gotten to the point where it's like uh, I'm not going to bend. I'm not going to bend for people. I'm not going to. You can't please everybody. And uh, our show is not going to be the show that tries to please everybody. I want us to find our audience. I want people. I want to find people that. I want to find people that I can really connect with because I think if you try to please everybody all the time, that you're not gonna you're not gonna make connections. Yeah. It, it's just it's all superficial bullshit. It's like uh, 
and I don't mean to like correlate this with like religion, but like going to church and putting on your church face or, uh, you know what I mean? Or going to like a business meeting and just like everybody's acting professional. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's like, no, man, this is who I am. This is me. This is how, this is how I talk. And this is what we do. If you like it, then you're one of us. If you don't, see ya. Yeah. Do and I think the world would be a better place if more people could just be fucking real and not have to be like, oh, I'm business person or I am, you know, professional this or professional that. Do you think yeah. we're held back a little bit, at least socially? Yeah, I don't know. It's I don't know, man. I don't know what it is about people. I think I think sometimes. Man, that's a tough one, Joe. That's a tough right? one. It It is. It's a it is. I don't know how to answer that. Like, I think we should all be real. But like sometimes, you know, like now we're seeing like uh, between U.S. and North Korea. Are you following this shit, man? A, a little bit in like yeah. what what I was saying there, I think would work great on the small level. But I think when you're dealing with world leaders talking to other world leaders, like are you specifically talking about Trump saying that he's going to destroy <laughs> North Korea? Like, <laughs> fuck it. Uh, number one, how how we get into this position where we have a formal reality star that now has his finger on – no matter what your politics are, you got to admit it's pretty fucked up. The, yeah, the guy yeah, that no, no, used no. to fire people on Channel 7 yeah. now has his finger on the fucking nuclear button and he's threatening – No, no, no. It's fucked up because it's like, it's like all of a sudden like uh, we got Japan. You know, they're like, they're like yeah, you know, like – like you know, shit's 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 fucked up. North Korea is not supposed to be doing that, right? Don't don't be flying missiles over our country. Yeah, definitely protest. don't do that. Yeah, and then all of a sudden, like you know, Trump's like, we will destroy you, and Japan's like, whoa, 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 whoa. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, did, did was the Korean War a rousing success? There's a reason. There's a fucking demilitarized zone. Right. right. You know, right. it was like. So, uh, and did we learn nothing about jungle warfare on those people's turf? And at yeah. this point, like the the chink in America's military armor is kind of there. If yeah. you're just willing to fucking make your people bleed a lot and fight a war with insurgents that just kind of going to look like the people who live there, that's fucked up. But it's it's hard to fight that. No matter how sophisticated our military and technology is, it's hard to fight an enemy that can blend in with civilians and doesn't give a fuck about civilian casualties because in the end they know that they're waging a PR war that that war is really unpopular in that part of the you know back in the in America and shit like that and you know in I'm just fucking guy who loves comic books living in Iowa I don't know the answers to these but why? it feels why? Why? fucking hey, wrong well, I, don't, I don't have anything against North Korea <laughs> I really don't Rodman seems to love them I know I, did you watch the Big Bang and Pong Yang no, I've I've watched some Vice news pieces on okay. on North Korea where Shane right. Smith went over there and it was pretty fucking creepy. Yeah, it is. No, it totally is. Like I've I've seen some shit. I've watched some fucking. Uh, you know, it's different. It's a totally different world. Like I, I get it. Like Kim Jong Un, Kim Jong Il, when Kim Jong Il was alive, like they treat them like they're gods. That's the thing. Kim Jong Il walked into a uh, a uh, bowling alley in North Korea. Okay, check this out. He walked into a bowling alley and then uh, walked out of the bowling alley. There was, like, no video footage. But, like, after he, like, left the bowling alley, uh, within a couple of weeks, they had made a, uh, a uh, trophy 
that said Kim Jong-il was here and bowled a perfect 300, <laughs> which is 100% fabricated bullshit. Yeah. But right – you know, they wanted they, – they, they want their people to think that these uh, – that their leaders are, are perfect, that they're infallible. And, um, you know, so uh, Kim Jong-il <clears throat> and Kim Jong-un, when Kim Jong-un was a child when he was younger, they used to watch Chicago Bulls games. And uh, the media over there is totally restricted. But Kim Jong-il and Kim Jong-un could watch whatever the fuck they wanted to. And they watched they watched a lot of Chicago Bulls games back when Michael Jordan and, uh, you know, Scottie Pippen and Dennis Rodman in that uh, second, uh, you know, three-peat where they were winning championships, Kim Jong-un watched Dennis Rodman in these games. Now, he was a Bulls fan. Like, you know, he, he enjoyed watching uh, the Chicago Bulls. It's kind of fucked up that uh, Dennis Rodman is pretty much like the best uh, as far as like uh, negotiations and, um, <laughs> and uh, you know what I mean? Our, oh, our, yeah. our number one... The he's our one. man. He's our in man. It, it's really fucked up. I think we should keep an eye on Dennis Rodman and his travel plans. Like if Dennis Rodman like leaves the country, I think we, I think I think that's like that's a good chance that they're like like North Korea might be sending like a uh, I don't know a missile our way. <laughs> I mean, wouldn't they have to send it on like a sea kayak or something like yeah. that? Yeah. <laughs> I shouldn't That's, make jokes. I shouldn't no. make jokes about that shit because who knows? Who knows if they have the capability for a, a, a missile to reach the West Coast or something like that? I, th- see, that's it's scary. I, that's what I worry about. That's what I worry about. It's because like I, I'm I'm really worried about like if it's not now, when is it? When is it going to happen? When are we going to? When when is another country going to have enough with us? Yeah, you know, like we are in debt right now. As a country, yeah, it it, it scares me, um, and uh, I don't know, man. It's like, yeah, I don't know. It, fucking, I don't. There's people that live in North Korea, and these people don't know any better. They're just ruled by like some guy that is just out of his fucking mind, and <laughs> we are too. But you know. <laughs> I don't know. It's fucking politics, man. Fucking politics. Did you hear about the North Korean prison camps that are in Siberia? No, I didn't hear about that. Yeah, they're there like harvesting lumber and like making shit out of wood and and shipping it all over the place. And Russia kind of keeps it on the down low. But Vice News broke it open that there's these towns that are in Siberia that are full of North Korean prisoners and the towns are made to look exactly like North Korea, that these prisoners, they think they're still in North Korea. They think they're in a prison camp in North Korea. Are you fucking shitting me? Dude, you can look it up. Shane Smith actually <clears throat> went there. And um, uh, I first heard about this. He was on an episode of Rogan's podcast, and he was talking about what he went through to get there and then to get back out. And his, it'd make a movie unto itself. Wow. And he had some Russian contacts that were basically in the Russian mob that took him there he walked around he was talking to people there that were like 
you know, American dog, what are you doing in North Korea? And he's like, you don't even know you're in, you don't even know you're in Russia. And Russia doesn't want the world to know that they're using slave labor. So they do everything they can to hide it. What the fuck? Dude, Shane Smith almost didn't make it out of there. They got him like just basically staying one step ahead of the Russian KGB. Oh my God. And they took him to a border town that was on the border of Russia and China. And there was like this big like shopping center thing where there's doors on either country and his contacts in the mob basically got in the face of the KGB people like saying, you don't know who you're talking to. We we're paid off to do this. And while they were doing that, Shane Smith was able to slip away and come out the other side in China. Oh my God. Dude, it was fucking riveting. Oh my God. But yeah, you can probably look it up. <laughs> On, on YouTube or something like that, or on Vice News or whatever, and and, and see the stuff about it. It's pretty crazy. I got to see that. You need to watch Big Bang and Pong Yang. It's on Netflix. It's uh, Dennis Rodman going over to North Korea and uh, putting on a uh, basketball game for um, Kim Jong Un. It's uh, it's crazy because like he'll he'll he Dennis Rodman who like I grew up being a big fan of because I was I'm a big I'm a big time Bulls fan yeah I read his uh, autobiography yeah when I was in high school and you know he's over there he's bowing to Kim Jong-un and calling him the great leader and all oh these God. things I'll check that out, dude. I, I wrote it down with San Junipero, Black Mirror. It's crazy. It's it's uh it's one of those things where like you know you got Dennis Rodman who was on like Celebrity Apprentice, which happened to be a Donald Trump TV show, and then he's good friends with Kim Jong Un. Kim Jong Un is a Chicago Bulls fan. Like you know he he grew up watching the Chicago Bulls with his dad, Kim Jong Il. It's one of the. It, North Korea, it's crazy because, like, I remember watching, like, uh, Diane Sawyer reporting about North Korea one time. And and uh, the people over there really don't know anything. They are uh-uh. – the media is kind of it, – it, not kind of. It, it's 100 percent controlled by the government and Kim Jong-un. They uh, – the movie Shrek, when that movie came out, they play it over there in North Korea – but North Koreans think that it's a Korean North Korean movie. They have no idea that Shrek is an American movie. No clue. Wow. Like it dubbed as, you know, a North Korean movie. They have no clue that Shrek was an American movie. Um, Wouldn't you know, it be hilarious and, if there was a Korean guy that was trying to sound like Eddie Murphy doing Donkey? <laughs> well, how would that sound? I have no idea, <laughs> but it'd be awesome. <laughs> yeah, it would. <laughs> I would like to hear that. But yeah, man. I don't know. Like singing I've... the little songs parts that he has to sing in it and stuff. <laughs> That's a fucked up thing, you know. Like when when Trump is saying like uh, fire and fury, you know, we're gonna hit him with fire and fury. We're gonna destroy North Korea, like. That's the thing. It's like, do you realize that there are other there are people like in in South Korea? Like, how can you can't you can't destroy a nation without hurting other people, and and you can't destroy North Korea without hurting good North Koreans. Yeah, I mean, there's plenty of people there that I mean, they just had the misfortune of being born exactly in North Korea. I mean, exactly. and nobody nobody has a choice over that, and that's. 
I don't know. I, I think a lot of my politics border more on the liberal side, but it, that's also just comes from my, you know, personal feelings of, I really feel like the world could be a perfect place if just humans and most specifically those in power would just get over their fucking bullshit egos yeah, and just get along. I mean, is, is it yeah. that hard? And, and you know, in, but, but then it still comes down to it because it's like, okay, you, you got to put on a strong face. If somebody's like threatening you militarily, it's not going to do you any good to be like, hey, now, come on, don't do that. Well, someone's right. shooting at you. You don't do that. But then it's like, well, that other person's being a bigger asshole. And, you know, well, and with you the know, standing that America has right now in the world, it's like we were forced into this position to kind of be the world police. Well, what's everybody think of the police? Even though you need the police there, everybody's going to say how much they fucking hate them. Uh, see, that's the thing. I don't know. It's like the, the, this thing with North Korea. It's like it's been there. Like this, this has been there since it's not like it's not been here. Since uh, fucking, uh, you know, George, George Bush. It's not like it's not been there since Obama. And it's still, you know, this North Korea problem has been kind of looming for a long time now. And now we've kind of come to a head. But of course, we've got Trump in the, you know, in the seat right now. It's and now it's his fucking problem. And, you know, God, (laughs) I know, and I thought it was scary when W was our leader when we had 9-11 happen. <laughs> right. But it's like, right. who'd, who'd have thought we'd look back longingly to those days and go, you know what, him and Cheney, they weren't that bad. God, I miss it. No, I'll tell you, man. I I don't care. Cigars and, and uh, I miss the Clinton administration. <laughs> Jesus, I miss those Clinton years. I do. I, miss I didn't the Cl- have a problem with Bill Clinton. <laughs> no, I miss, the, I miss the Clinton economy. Oh, my God. Right. Things are internet and everybody's making money we're not in debt i mean it was just fucking things are great yeah there's too much sneaky shit going on in america right now where it's like the rich people are like and and i don't want to make it sound like i hate all rich people let's just call it the one percent people that are in charge that just sit around and come up with ways to amass more wealth like oh, i need the bigger yacht i need the bigger yacht i must compare dick sizes with with so and so at the country club can we welcome the zombie apocalypse already? Can we, can you know, some days it? it seems nice. You know, yeah. <laughs> Fuck yeah. It's you like, know? Oh, if I didn't have young kids, they'd slow me down in the woods. Those fucking kids would slow me oh down my, in the woods. Hey, if <laughs> the I'd have to be concerned about them. <laughs> yeah, if the zombie apocalypse started today, I would be living in some fucking rich asshole's house in Malibu like two weeks from now. I promise you. I <laughs> Oh my god! Yeah, you know, seriously, it's like I would I would feed Charlie Sheen to the zombies and live in his house. <laughs> <laughs> I'd immediately go out in the woods somewhere and be like, "I'm going full Swiss Family Robinson." I would be I'm like, "Hey, zombies! You want to eat two and a half men? Here you go." <laughs> God, God knows what pathogens they'd find in his fucking blood. And he'd, oh, like, no shit. A race, oh, my God. A race of sentient super zombies <laughs> that just want to fucking do coke and fuck everything. It, no, honestly, it'd be, it would probably kill them. Um, <laughs> that would be the cure. They yeah, had Charlie the Sheen cure. and fucking died. Oh, we found the cure. It's fucking Charlie Sheen blood. <laughs> it's tiger found blood. Who more knows? fucked up. We found something more fucked. <laughs> we found something more fucked up than the zombie virus. 
<laughs> Charlie Sheen blood. That's fucking amazing. Uh, it's a mix of uh, heroin, herpes, AIDS, whatever. I mean, Jesus. Do you remember? Oh my God! Did you? Uh, did, did you have the Dare program when you were growing up? Yeah. Fucking. Isn't it a little insane? Like what they tried to make you believe, though, about like marijuana. Yeah, it's that's a fucking. Hey, can I just say this like right now? Like I, uh, I, I don't smoke marijuana. It's because like I'm like my body is like I, I, I I've smoked marijuana in the past. I uh, if I smoke marijuana, I puke. It's fucked up, dude. I wish. I could. Yeah, if I smoke marijuana, it like literally makes me sick. Like I wish I could. Like uh, I would love to calm my nerves. Trust me. But uh, if I smoke it, like I vomit, it makes me it makes me like ill. Um, otherwise, I would. I don't know if I'm allergic to it. I don't think I'm allergic to it, but like it makes me ill. Um, but um, but like like when you fucking like uh, we're in the dare program back in like the Reagan administration, like they made it seem like if you smoke marijuana, you would just like fucking like do it like like you're doing anything to like yeah. get. Well, like yeah. Reefer Madness shit. Yeah, exa- yeah. Like, have you ever seen Reefer Madness? Oh, oh yeah, it's hysterical. Oh my god, it is hysterical. But then you got um, people like Jeff Sessions who thought it was like a real documentary. Right. It's exactly. Like, fucking son of a bitch. Right. Yeah. See that? I don't know. It's like, I think, uh, I think the reason it was illegal for so long is like, I think as if, if the United States could find out like a legitimate way to make a profit off of it. Which I think they will. Yeah, they have been. And they have been. I mean, we they, they basically test marketed it in Colorado. Yeah. Um, That's been going pretty know, well. Exactly. I think it'll get legalized. I think it, it will, too. And yeah. I think we're going to see a lot of the, the very – the states that are the most conservative and the most religious will be the ones that drag their heels the hardest. When, yeah. When you got lots of states that have, like, dry counties and stuff like that. And people are yeah. looking yeah. at it with – you know, through their – you know they're looking at it through their own prism, or you yeah. know, however you'd want to say that. Um, but you know, for me, it's it's like yeah, I've I've done plenty of both of both marijuana <laughs> and alcohol, and the yeah. fact that alcohol is legal, and it's like it is a debilitating buzz. Yeah, but it's like I in my life had never smoked to the point where I was like I didn't feel in control. I, I like it's not something that makes you black out. There's no right. sorts of of cancer things that have have been shown with it like if you want to compare it to cigarettes or something which is also legal yeah and, and really when you when you go back on the history on it it was more that you know that dude that did the uh the newspapers way back during like the the age of like the robber barons and stuff i can never remember which one it was was it hearst was hearst the newspaper guy ah uh, you're not talking yeah i have no clue yeah right <laughs> so <laughs> but like he didn't want to switch all of his uh, newspaper factories over to hemp paper. Mm-hmm. And he also owned lots of tracts of land with forests that was being cut into paper and being sent to paper mills and shit. And so he started having pa- uh, articles written that there was marijuana. And at that time, it wasn't even being called that. That was like a, a wild strain of like tobacco, like Mexican tobacco. Right. And he was saying that, uh, blacks and Mexicans are smoking this marijuana and they're raping white women. And that was like the start of the uh, propaganda smear. And then Nixon used it even more because he wanted to bust uh, Vietnam War protesters and, mm. and um, you know, minorities and shit. 
Right. And so it's it's really fucked up how bad it's been demonized when you look at... I mean, it's even shown to have fucking effects with uh, helping epilepsy and curing cancer and shit like sure. that. Sure. Yeah. yeah I, you know, I get it. I get it. One of the things... <laughs> I don't know. Like, what, uh, for the longest time, it was like... Uh, People were just trying to like prop it up, like uh, look at what hemp does. Uh, hemp, uh, you know, you can make, uh, you can do this with it. What other thing? Like you can make paper out of it. You can do the fuck like a biodegradable plastic out of it. Ah, eh, shut the fuck up. You want to get high with it? Shut the fuck up. Well, that's like the number one thing. I mean, come on. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> let's not. Hey, let's a, a bus that's, that's zero calorie that. with no hangover. Are you kidding me? Exactly. Let's highlight that though. Like, let's not let's not talk about how you want to make rope with it. All right. Let's not, you know, I love it. You just cut all the bullshit out of that argument. (laughs) Come on. Come on. You know, all the people that were talking about, oh, let's make rope with it. and Let's fucking make paper out of it. And hemp is this and happens. Fuck off. You want to smoke it. Shut the fuck up. Let's get real. The earliest drafts of the Constitution were written on hemp paper, bro. Yeah, and you would smoke our fucking nation's constitution right now. Shut the fuck up. That high so of THC content. Why not? Exactly. So that's the thing. It's like I get it. I get it. You know, like, um, and I have nothing against. I, you know, I would rather have people fucking uh, smoke weed and drive than fucking uh, you know drink alcohol and uh, drive. Yeah. Okay. So absolutely, one hundred percent. All right. So I don't know. You know, and like that's all I can really talk about. Like I've gotten high before, I've I've drank, and I've gotten extremely blackout drunk before. I've done acid before. I haven't done anything else. You know, so it's like uh, that's I don't know. It's uh, it's one of those things where is that are you know people like driving? You know, like uh, driving high. Is that are we gonna have to get fucking tested, you know, for THC when we're driving? I don't know. Well, first they'd have to come up with a test because right now their most sophisticated test just shows if you've had it within what the last thirty days. Exactly. Depending you know, because it's you know it more or less just hangs out in the fat cells of your body is where it hangs out right. the most. Yeah. And they just don't have an accurate enough test like they do with like you know the BAC meter. Right. And and shit like that. But quite honestly, I mean, you just you don't have the the severe loss of motor function like you do with alcohol. Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah, this it, it's, it's just silly to me that the, and also I think the most damning thing with alcohol is that alcohol reinforces your ego. And so it's going to, you know, your ego is that part in your mind that says, fuck yeah, me where it's maybe a little bit important, especially in America these days to have that ego dissolved a little bit and to maybe check yourself and say, you know, oh, maybe maybe I shouldn't be super loud at three o'clock in the morning when I'm getting home. And my neighbors are trying to sleep, or you know, maybe I shouldn't go up and just grab that girl's ass in the bar. You know, maybe I should think <laughs> about that a little bit more. Right. You know, I mean, alcohol just alcohol is your buddy that says, "Fuck yeah, do it, do it, do it." <laughs> Whereas like alcohol or like weed is like your friend that's like, "You should really think about that, man." And um, yeah. and uh, do these people here really like you? <laughs> you know? <laughs> like that's yeah, what you fuck? know it's good to be a little scared maybe where hey, yeah exactly like where did like who the fuck gets to decide like what i put in my body or not you know right i don't know yeah it's fucked up who the fuck gets to decide like what you choose to do i don't know 
it's crazy. It's weird. Well, that's where laws start to overstep their bounds. It's like there's certain laws that are good. Like yeah. I I can I can pretty much get behind all the Ten Commandments, you know. So if you want to make laws based off some sort of religious doctrine, like that's fine. We've got the the bad ones covered, right? Right. We don't want to kill yeah. people. You know, don't be stealing stuff. But yeah. if you're gonna start being like, well, it says in the Bible that you know homosexuality is a sin, so we need to, you know, basically make it so all these people in the land of the free are deprived of what should be an essential human right. You should be able to choose who you love. And yeah. furthermore than that, there's a lot of re- legal ramifications that go into marriage. You know, like if your loved one's in the hospital and you want to be able to visit them beyond visiting hours, you know, there's special rules that apply. If it's a spouse, um, insurance benefits, that sort of shit. Yeah. They should be afforded that stuff. And, and when your only reason is, well, it says you shouldn't in the Bible. It's like, hey, dude, the Bible says lots of weird shit. And you're talking about a passage that's from the Old Testament. There's a lot yeah. of fucking wacky shit in the Old yeah, Testament. So let's like, not cherry pick it and and pretend that you're not a fucking bigot that just wants to hate on somebody. That's like it's like you know what? I think women are beautiful. Right. And and I fundamentally do not understand how one guy can look at another guy and be like, I want to get in that. But yeah. it's like, if you are into that, hey, more power to you, dude. Because when it comes down to it, I don't give a fuck what you're into sexually. You know, Same. Don't, likewise. Yeah, don't. Yes. And, and it's like, it, and then some guys will say that, well, I don't want some guy hitting on me. It's like, well, I don't want sexual advances from, you know, some fucking nasty Walmart oh, chick either. Fuck up. Hold on. Hold on. <laughs> not, not, I'm not saying that to you, but I'm no, saying that to that guy. I'm saying that to that guy. I, uh, I am 100% heterosexual. I have nothing to hide. Like if I was, if I was homosexual, I would let the world know. I, I love women. I love vagina. I love breasts. I love it all. That's awesome. I love women. But I have, um, ever since I was 19, 19, 20, I've had gay friends, homosexual friends. Um, the first homosexual friend that I ever had, his name was Michael. And um, I was uh, out at a coffee shop in Peoria. And um, Michael is one of the most flamboyant gay men that you would, you would ever meet back then. I love Michael to this day, um, but um, Michael came up to me and started to talk to me at this coffee shop and started to like hit on me and blah, blah, blah. And like, hey, you know, you can sit at my table, blah, 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 blah. We can talk, whatever. I don't know. And I went back to my friends. I was like, oh, my gosh, that guy was like totally hitting on me. Like I'd never I had never met a gay person before in my entire life. Um, I had never been hit on by a man in my entire life. And I, I didn't, I, I didn't know what to think, you know, I mean, like I'm, I think I was 17 or I think I was 17 or 18 at the time. I'd never been hit on by a guy in my entire life. Well, I told my friends like, oh my gosh, I think that guy just hit on me. You know, he was like talking to me and whatever. And so like, I think it was like a year later, I was out at a restaurant and Michael happened to be there. And I recognized him. I was like, oh, my God, that's the guy that hit on me. And the people that I was friends with, they knew him. And he ended up coming over to the table and he sat down and he started to talk to me. And he was like, you know what? When I first met you, he's like, I totally hit on you. And I was like, I remember. (laughs) And he said, he said, "Um, 
I thought that you were a gay guy that went to the college here in town. And then when I found out that you weren't that guy, I was so embarrassed. And um, we kind of talked about that. And I said, oh, don't worry about it, whatever. You know, it's fine. Michael is, he became like one of my best friends after that. Like we, we talked all the time. We talked all the time. And um, I remember he introduced me to like a ton of like his like homosexual friends. And I, and I got introduced to like a whole new group of people um, that uh, I never would have known. And he got to talk to me about like the guys that he was seeing. He got to talk to me about like, you know, like, uh, yeah, I got to hear about like gay sex and like what they did. But like it didn't. And I got to talk to him about like the women that I was seeing. But it like it didn't make me angry. Like, oh, my God, like you're you're doing that with a guy. Yeah. Like. Like, it, why would you care? Like, who, who why would I care? Shit? I would rather have people like love people for like love, love someone, <laughs> love someone and be happy than love someone and be hated for it and then pull out a gun and then like kill a bunch of other people because of it. Right. I, I want people to be happy. I, um, I actually, um, after I became friends with like Michael, I was introduced to a ton of different gay people. I, um, I, uh, I would hang out with them. I went to, I used to go to gay clubs and stuff like, uh, like dance clubs and stuff like that with Michael and like some of my other friends that were girls and things like that. And we used to go out to like different gay clubs and there's one that we went to in particular. Um, I was still, I was 20 years old, but you can go into the clubs back then when you were 19, as long as they put a stamp on your hand saying that you were underage. And, um, I ran the lights for the drag shows at some of the clubs. Like I would put the spotlights on the drag Queens for the drag shows. And Oh my God, have you ever been to a drag show before? Huh? It is some of the most fun I've ever had in my entire life. <laughs> like guys, like, you know, like, homosexual guys dressed up as like iconic women throughout like, you know, music and film, you know, like men dressed as Tina Turner and like, you know, like men dressed as Cher and, and, and performing as these women. It is so much fun. That's and like I, gay cosplay. I, yes, exactly. That's exactly what it is, dude. <laughs> and I used to run the shows. I used to run the lights and I used to put the spotlight on them. And, um, it was so much fun. I had a blast, man. Um, you know, and like to this day, like if I were to talk to Michael, Michael would hit on me, Michael, like, and I would tell Michael, like, Michael, listen, like, I love you. And if I was gay, if I was attracted to men, you would be the first man I would date. And I've told him that I have told him (laughs) that to this day, like, I love Michael. And, um, you know, it, it, we would, we would, I remember we, me and him would talk for hours and hours and hours. And like, I was raised in the Baptist church where it was like, yeah, if you're gay, you're going to hell. And, um, I, I started to talk to Michael and then I started to question religion. And then I asked, like, I, like I've gotten in arguments with my dad, like me and my dad have gotten, uh, gone on the, like, I've talked to my dad on the phone. I'm like, dad, Hey, uh, Hey, could you pull up the scripture where it tells me if you're gay, you're going to hell? Could you do that for me? All right. Until then, shut the fuck up. Yeah. 
Or what cool. about like the multiple other references to how divorce is so awful? But they're right. okay. Or maybe they're not okay, but they accept the fact that half of marriages end in dissolution. Yeah. You're not stoning them out in the street like it says to do in the yeah. Old Testament. Exactly. So it, it's it's cherry picking. It's just cherry picking. I, you're using your religion to fuel bigotry. I, or, or maybe, you know, I mean, like, I had a talk with my grandma about it. My grandma is very religious. And, mm-hmm. and she said that she was having a hard time squaring it with her faith because God had said to go forth and multiply. And there's no way that you can multiply with each other in a gay marriage. And I said, well, grandma, there's there's over 7 billion people in the world. Right. I said, I think we've multiplied enough. <laughs> they, <laughs> it, it, they're, they're actually helping. Yeah. And, yeah. And, and then the, I said, and furthermore, I said, there's no such thing as an unwanted child in a, in a, in a gay union because yeah. they have to adopt. And if, yeah. if a gay couple is married and they're in love and they want to raise a child in a loving household, then who cares if it's two daddies or oh, two mommies? Oh, it oh, it, oh, it doesn't Joe, fucking matter. Joe, they're going to raise their kid to be gay. <laughs> Good. Fuck off. <laughs> I, I, Fuck number one, that's silly. You can't raise... If, if no. you, because there'd be religious people all over this country that'd be like, I'm going to... There'd be no such thing as a pray away the gay camp. If you could just raise your kid to be straight, raise them to be the sexual preference you want them to. They're going to raise their kid to accept... And that's what they're really worried about is social acceptance. And it's like, well, at yes. that point, you're being a fucking cunt. You're raising somebody that, that you're raising somebody trying to put hate in their heart, and that's not right. That's not right. It's you're not. a bigot. You're, yeah, you're, a you're bigot. raising a little person, a person that's a mental, mentally small, and that's right. not okay. It's it's yeah. in America in 2017, we should expect better of e- of yeah. each other. And I think there's a right. lot of people who do. I mean, we're we're seeing the the turnaround happen, and you know, but then we're also seeing lots of people fight up against it. Those people who who I think are acting out of fear. You know, you got those people that were marching with the torches and shit, yeah. and then they're crying at the public backlash they received. And it's like, yeah, that's what happens when you go on social media and tell the world that you're a fucking Nazi. Like, what the hell do you expect? Right. Yeah. I don't know, man. It's uh. I have, uh, you know, I was raised in the Baptist church. I never, I never fell into it though. Like, um, I, I, I watched a lot of people that I grew up with kind of like get involved with it and, and fall into it. And, uh, you know, I, I've seen people grow up to be like, you know, Baptist preachers and all these, and, and these things. I never, it never sat right with me on certain levels. And, um, but it still fucks with me to this day, you know, cause like, that's what I was, that's what I was raised, you know, as I, I was raised Baptist. And so like, uh, it, you know, religion still kind of like fucks with me. Yeah. Well, you got programming that started happening at a very young it's, age. Exactly. 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 But I never, I never was like, uh, I never like committed to like, uh, yeah, that's, that's, uh, yeah, that's what I believe. I'm going to. You know, a hundred percent. I'm gung ho, like about all of what you're saying, because like I've I've I um when I was uh when I was uh 14, my parents, my parents, I don't know, like I love my mom and I love my dad, but like they have, they um, my mom was not always the best mom. Um, she and me and her butt heads because we were so 
alike in personality. Um, my mom, I don't know. My mom, I don't, I'm just going to get, my mom sent me away to a boarding academy that was a religious based boarding academy because she thought that I needed that kind of like structure in my life. How old were you when she sent you to that? I was 14. I had, uh, they, they, I was going to public school and, um, I started to rebel against my parents. I started to like do things that they didn't like. Like I was getting in trouble with, you know, like school and I got in trouble with uh, the law a little bit. And then, um, I started like, I started smoking cigarettes and they were like, you know, they were like, ah, you know, we can't have this in our home. So they sent me away to live with my aunt who lived in another state. I lived with her for like three months she was very religious and they were like, all right, we'll send her, we'll send him away there. And so, um, I lived with my aunt in Washington state for like three months, three, four months. And then when the school year was about ready to start, I could either stay and live with my aunt or I could go back with my parents. And so I chose to go back home, um, which was the biggest mistake I ever made in my entire life. Because when I got back home, Um, my parents after I'd say they sent me, I didn't go to public school again. They sent me to a Christian school, which I fucking hated. And I started to rebel even harder because they did that. Then they, then one day after I got off home from school, we're driving home, me and my dad, my dad picked me up from school and all of a sudden, like my dad took a, a weird turn. I'm like, where are we going? My dad's like, um, well, me and your mom have been talking and we're sending you to a boarding academy um, um, in Oklahoma and it's a Christian boarding home. Ugh. And I was like, I started freaking out, Joe. Like my dad had like put like there's a, a brand new issue of electron. I will never forget this. My dad had put like a brand new issue of electronic gaming monthly in the car for me to read. And it was, um, a star Wars issue, like a new star Wars video game was coming out for the super Nintendo. And, um, it was sitting on the floor of the car and I just started kicking and screaming and flipping out. And I just destroyed the fucking book that was on the floor because I didn't want to go away. It felt like I was going away to jail yeah. And I told my dad, I said, I said, I don't want, I don't want to go. Like, I don't want to go there. I don't want to go. I don't want to, I don't want you guys to send me away. And I'm freaking out, man. Um, I'm just like literally freaking out, dude. And, um, he's like, you know, just go there for a few months and then, um, you know, if everything works out, okay, well, you know, you'll come back, come back home. And I remember we stopped at one place at like Hardee's and like, I was like thinking to myself like, oh my God, I just should have fucking ran. I just should have ran like the wind when we, when we stopped at Hardee's. But like they ended up sending me to a uh, boarding academy, uh, Christian boarding academy in uh, Eufaula, Oklahoma. This was back in 1992, back when they could still, um, um, perform capital punishment on boys like spank them and shit uh-huh. and uh 
I went to I went to a place where I mean it was like uh, old school Southern Baptist preaching where they would where they would get up at the pulpit and uh, like the pastor would yell and scream about how you know I don't know man it was just fucked up like gay people were going all all gay people were going to hell um, all of us were uh, troubled youths. And basically it was a business, you know, he was, uh, trying to use us to turn us into positive stories so that we could tour around, you know, the United States and we'd go to different churches and I would stand up in front of different churches and say, Oh, this place has changed my life. And they've done this no and, fucking way. Yeah, dude. I, uh, Oh man, I spent a year of my life there. Um, I hated every fucking day of it. And, um, we, I, you know, I mean, every day was church and, uh, they treated you like shit. They treated you like shit. Like you were, um, like you were nothing, but I had to play the game. I had to play along. I had to play along to get along to get out of there. And, um, you know, like the only escape I had was my fucking mind. I, uh, it was, it was, it was, uh, you know, I've been in the military and the military was tough. Like I was in the army reserves and I've been to boot camp. This was harder than that. Um, you know, like, uh, during church services, there was like times where like the, the, the preacher would get up and like yell at us and, uh, fucked up shit, dude. Check this out. Like he wouldn't let anybody that went to his church have a beard. Whoa. Facial hair. Yeah. And he's like, I know Jesus in the Bible had a beard, but like nobody in my church is going to have a beard. He associated it with like bikers and stuff. That's fucked up. Dude, it was. Yeah, it was fucked up. It was really fucked up. Like I. um, (laughs) We uh, we had to. What was it? When I was there, we had to. um, I. uh, Our parents would pay like a certain amount monthly for us to stay there. And my parents thought that they were doing the right thing because they thought that I was like a troubled child and that I needed this. When in all honesty, I think like my mom would rather not. <laughs> Let's just be honest here, Brian. I thought that, that my I, I yeah, I was a I was uh, I was a very rebellious child, but I thought that my mom just needed a break from parenting. OK, there we go. So um, I'm there and. Um, like our parents would pay like a certain amount for us to be there and to, uh, for them to fix us, uh, while our parents, like when all I needed was like for my mom to like hug me and hold me and tell them, tell me that she loved me. That's all I really needed Stark. Mm-hmm. Um, I didn't get that though. Instead I got like my parents sending me away to some place where people didn't give a fuck about me anyway. So, uh, I'm there and, uh, like our parents would pay like a certain amount of money a month for us to be there, but like whatever they couldn't cover, it costs like a thousand dollars a month for us to be there is what they said. And for whatever amount that we couldn't cover, we had to pay back to them. So they would, this is fucked up, dude. They would send us out either door to door business to business, or we would sit in front of a fucking Walmart and I would sell literally, dude, this is fucked up. Like I would go to school for half a day and then there was days they would call them selling days where we would go out and sell. I would sell peanuts. 
I'm not I'm not joking. Bags of peanuts. Whoa. For two dollars a bag. Two dollars a bag of peanuts to like help the boys home that I was staying at. And so I know this is fucking weird. I know this is fucking this is like, cr- you know, I mean, that's a horrible experience that they put you through. But I'd imagine that you came out of there a lot more sure of yourself and a lot stronger. But fuck, man, to have to go through that at that age. Yeah. 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 I met I met a lot of different people from all over the country, like a lot of different kids from all over the country. And it's fucked up, like, because, like, they would all get on stage, dude. They would all get on stage in front of all these different churches and say, like, oh, yeah. And it was called Calvary Boys Ranch. Calvary Boys Ranch has saved our life. Like, I used to be this, and I used to be that, and I used to do this, and I used to do that. And now Calvary's Boys Ranch has, like, saved our life. Because, like, it was, it was, like, this place was, um, it was a, it, they called it a boys ranch. It was in Oklahoma. And um, it was, uh it was a, uh, the place that we lived was an actual set for an old Western movie. Like Hollywood, like a Hollywood Western in Oklahoma built like a movie set back in like the 1950s. And then they just kept the set up and like left. And like this Christian church bought it years later, like in the seventies and like turned it into a, uh, Christian boys home. A boys academy is what they called it. And uh, they would take troubled youths and uh, the troubled youths would stay there and live there. And then then they would like instill them with the word of God and then send them out into the world to be, you know, upstanding Christians and changed. And I uh, it did nothing for me. It actually made me hate um, a lot of um and distrust a lot of Christianity. Like I, I, I don't, I don't hate Christians, but I hate, I hate like what I went through when I was there. I don't know. I, just the way I was treated. Well, they were essentially uh, fundamentalists. Yeah. To impose that sort of rule on you and do that sort of stuff. And mm-hmm. so, yeah, I mean, you learned that at a much younger age than, I mean, a lot of people don't, gain that sort of perspective on religion until they're probably much older right yeah it was it was it was hard it was hard it was very hard um and seeing like you know i saw i saw kids coming in there that were like 12 years old like i i I met a guy michael that had been there since he was like 13 and he was like you know 17 or 18 at the time oh my god you know, and I like, were just there mostly 24 <laughs> seven, like were there home visits or anything like that or dude, dude, it was fucked up, dude. This whole place was fucked up. Like Michael didn't like have any family that would come visit him. He would, he told us a story about like the one time he ran away from the place and he tried, he made it back home. He made it like his buddy made it back home and got to stay home, but he made it back home and he had to come back because like no other school would take him. He had gotten kicked out of too many schools and they wouldn't take him. So he had to go back there to graduate. So he had to do it for schooling. But, um, man, it was fucked up, man. It's like, um, our shower time, we were limited to five minutes in the shower because they didn't want us to masturbate in the shower. Wow. Yeah, dude, 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 dude. It was fucked up. Like so much shit was fucked up there. Um, you know, it's like, uh, 
five minute five minute showers. We had like the there was no stalls when you took a shit. There were no just a row of toilets. Yes. Open toilets oh. for literally a year. When I took a shit, it was open fucking toilets, man. Open fucking someone right next to you taking a shit. They you had no privacy the entire time you were there because they did not want you to be alone by yourself to do anything. Nothing. Wow. Yeah. Nothing like that's fucking uh, wild, dude. It sucked. It sucked. And you had to like you had to pretend you had to put on this face that you were you were happy to be there that this place changed your life and um, and I mean I mean like you know I'm 14 years old and like I'd go to school for like half a day and then they'd uh, we'd uh, all um, we'd all you know what was his name Jerry Jerry he would come around and he would be like all right who wants to go selling today who wants to go selling. And we'd all pile, uh, like we'd all be happy to get out of fucking school and go selling. We we would go, we would go. They like prop us out in front of a Walmart, or we'd walk a strip, and we'd go to different businesses and sell bags of peanuts. Man, we would carry a bag, we carried a box of peanuts and sell them for two dollars a bag, and sell uh, and try to promote this place. And um, I mean, I don't know. It was. You know, I don't know. Yeah, it's wow. fucked up. Thinking, thinking back on it. Right. I mean, man, how did you end up get? How did? What was the story that led out of it, or whatever? You know. It was. Uh, I'll never forget it. Like I left. Um, I got there in like um, fall of 1992. I ended up leaving there close to. I think I was there close to a year. I ended up leaving. Sometime in 1993, but um, I had to. I had to play the game, man. I just had to play the game and pretend like that place like changed my life. And came down to like my parents like saying, "Yeah, we're ready to have you come back home." Um, and so like you know, my dad picked me up sometime in 1993 after I'd been there for like a whole year. It's one of those things that stick with you though, that like, um, even when you get older, it's like, um, it fucks with you. Like, like when times are tough, like I, you know, like your parents just like kind of like dropped you off somewhere. It's, it's one of those things where when the people in your life that are supposed to love and protect you the most are the ones that. Yeah. In a very real way, they they didn't do that for you right there. Yeah, it so, is. Fun. So, as as a child, how do you get past that when the people that you just, you know, you're supposed to just understand that your parents are there for you and they're not gonna do something like that. And then when they that's, do, it's it's reality shattering. That's and, not and how happened. I was. That's not how I was raised, though, Joe. Like I like like when I went out and I like went on like went out with my friends riding bikes and let's say like I fell down and I like uh I hurt myself and I like skinned my knee up and I ripped my jeans and I bled all over I didn't want to go back home because I thought I'd be in trouble because I fucking ruined my new pair of jeans yeah like like I knew like like I knew I had friends though that if they like they fell down and then like they they um they ripped their jeans and they had blood all over their jeans 
that they would run back to their moms and their moms would be like, oh, my God, my poor baby, and take care of that wound and give their kid hugs and kisses as to where like where I was. If I went back home, my mom would yell at me because I ruined my new jeans. Yeah. Wow, man. So I was, I I was in like, I don't know. Uh, Yeah. Me and my mom, we've, we've had issues over the years. There was a time where I like, I didn't talk to my mom for like five years. My mom was not in my life for five years because I pushed her out of my life. I had pushed her out of my life for a couple years at one time. Then I brought her back in and then I pushed her out for like five. I said, I'm done. Like it felt like my mom was like a cancer in my life. Um, after I got my divorce, um, I called my mom and my, this was my, my ex-wife was like taking shit out of my house, you know, like the rest of her shit. And I called my mom and I was like, Oh my gosh, you know, she's here. She's taking the rest of her stuff. This is like killing me. My mom said something like, you guys, you guys haven't been together in a few months. I don't know why it's like affecting you this way. Oh, and it was, it, it was because my mom was going through like something. She felt like my mom was going through something on her end that she felt like was more important. And so she didn't care what was going on in my life. But like, even though me and my ex-wife had been separated for a while, when she came back in the house and took like the last of her stuff, it still like was devastating. You know what I mean? Yeah, that was the finality to it. Right. There's exactly. really not another reason for her to come back in there. Right. And I mean, that was really the that was the 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 final bits of that marriage yeah. dissolving away. Dude, yeah. I mean, I remember, dude, this is fucked up. And I found it like what I was surprised about when I found this out. I was surprised when I found this out because I thought like, whoa, this doesn't happen very often. Me and my uh, ex-wife before the day that we actually signed the divorce papers, we, um, we paid the courts a little bit more so that we wouldn't have to be in court together to sign them. Um, so we could sign them separately. I don't know how it is, how it works out state by state, but, um, I signed the papers, the divorce papers at the courthouse that day. And I text her and I said, yeah, I signed the papers. And then she texted me and said, yeah, I signed the papers. And I was like, man, that was hard, wasn't it? And she was like, she was like, it was, I think it was harder on her. It was harder on her to sign the divorce papers that day. She was like, that was really hard. And then we're, we're texting back and forth the same day that we signed the divorce papers and um, over the course of a couple hours of texting each other all of a sudden like I think it's like 8 o'clock at night and she's like where are you and I'm like I'm I'm at home and I'm like where are you and she's like oh I'm, I'm here and she was at a bar and I don't know who brought it up maybe it was me maybe it was her I don't know but she's like, you know, do you want to, do you want to see each other or something like that? And uh, dude, we had just literally signed our divorce papers, Joe. 
Yeah, and paid extra so you wouldn't have to see each other that day. Yes, exactly. Like, we paid extra so we wouldn't have to see each other that day. Like, we had just signed our divorce papers. And um, she's like, where are you? I'm like, I'm at home. And I'm like, where are you? And she's like, I'm at a bar. And, like, literally, like, this bar is, like, literally, like, less than five minutes away from, like, my house. And... I ended up driving, I ended up getting dressed, going out to the bar and seeing her. And it was because it was, it was so emotional, dude. It was such an emotional fucking day because it's like, you know, like when we first met each other, you know, like, you know, you know, you think about like how a relationship forms and like how you get to talk to each other and then like you fall in love and then, then you see it die. And then it, then that, I don't know. It, there's something about like even just signing the divorce papers that brings up all those old feelings up again. And we ended up, I dude, it's the most fucked up thing. On the same day that we got divorced, we ended up fucking sleeping together. Like it ends up to where like she's like back at the house and we end up sleeping together that night. And like, I thought that like, oh my God, like who, who does that? It's not as rare as I thought. Like this happens. I'd imagine. I mean, relationships are complicated. Yeah. All those emotions come back again. Like it didn't save the relationship. It's not like uh, me and her got back together again and got married again. It's not like it saved anything. Yeah, it doesn't you know, change like, the reality of the, the reasons right. that were there for the split in the first place. Right. Exactly. My ex-wife was 10 years younger than me. Um, and, uh, you know, she had, she turned 21 while we were, while we were married and I'm not perfect. I was not the perfect husband. I was not like the best husband ever. Like, um, but she turned 21 while we were married and she started to, to drink and drink heavily. She became an alcoholic, got a DUI and, um, she knew all the drink specials at every bar in town, um, and, um, I paid for, when she got the DUI, I paid for her lawyer and I paid for her to get out of, you know, trouble. She, they put like a, one of those bait systems in her car where she had to blow into her car before it would start uh-huh. and all that stuff. And, and, uh, you know, I paid for, I paid for her lawyer. I paid for everything, but, um, you know, it's one of those things where, man, it, it, it it's, till death do you part you try to make it work but when you find out like your ex-wife you know when she you find out that she'd been cheating on you but didn't want to admit to admit it there's like all this it's still it's still in the back of your brain you know like this person did this to you and it it's not gonna work and I, i found that out the hard way and so yeah it's rough it's one of those things where like i if I ever got married again, it'd be a fucking miracle. <laughs> I did it once. I did it once. I did it the way my parents wanted me to do it because the whole, you know I met this girl in church and I was like, okay, I, hey, mom, dad, I'll do it the way you want it. I've been doing it the way I've been wanting to do it for the longest time. I'll get back into church like you guys have been saying. I met this girl in church and she she turned out to be like the worst girlfriend and then the worst. <laughs> wife ever but um you know you gotta you, you live and you learn right yeah i mean that in 
that's all it really is, you know? Yeah. I mean, it's got to be the worst for the people that just keep making the same mistakes over and over again. You know, like you were saying, it'd have to be a fucking miracle for you to get married again. But what about those people who just keep doing the same shit over and over again? It's like, dude, do you get tired of bashing your head against that wall? Yeah. Yeah, you know, and I hope the best. I honestly, I hope the best for her. Like, I know she's she's with somebody else now, and I, I she's had a kid since then. And I wish I wish the best for. Her. Yeah, I don't wish, I don't wish any. You know, she was young and and all those things. So I hope everything works out for her. But uh, you know, I don't know. Yeah, yeah, a lot of. Uh, I, <laughs> For as much as like religion, some people will claim religion has done some great things in their life. Like I've seen it in my life to where it's like forced upon you. I think it's great. Like I guess if somebody can come to that realization, like this is what I need in my life. This is what this is what completes me. But like when it's forced on you, um, I think it's a, it's a completely different uh, it's a different experience. So. See, my my big take on religion is that it was something that was very, very necessary when we were surrounded by savages, because we needed to get everybody on the same page morally. Right. But now, with so... And there's plenty of instances where religion is beautiful, and people's faith allows them to do really generous, awesome things, helping out people in need. But then you see the people like the Westboro Baptist church or, you know, like the, the, the religious zealots that, you know, like we were talking about with, you know, anti-gay marriage people and stuff like that. It's like, you're not using your religion in a good way. If your religion doesn't have a positive impact, if your religion is having a negative impact on people around you, then you're not doing it right. And you're perverting, the message of Christ, because in the end, Christ was saying that love is more important than anything. Right. Well, if you're doing shit that's negatively affecting people, that's not coming from a place of love. And, and what, who the fuck are they to, to say you must do this to get into here? And it's like, well, how is that your job? I mean, are you worried that gay people are going to get into heaven? I mean, don't you think that they're going to get stopped at the pearly gates? (laughs) You know, it's, so it's just, the the fact that some people feel the need to take it onto themselves and and they're going to be the warrior that that spreads this word throughout the land mm-hmm. that's that's not right to me i remember um you know when i was when i was at the uh, the the boys home the christian boys home there was a uh, they made us uh, go to different um events about things that we didn't even believe in you know, and, uh, stand up for these things, you know, like different, uh, there was a, uh, there was a, um, um, uh, a gentleman's club that was being put up near us. And, um, it was, so, uh, the gentleman's club was, uh, they were, they were, uh, in operation and they had just, uh, started up. And so like, uh, they're like, all right, um, we're going to go out uh, to this gentleman's club. They had bought a piece of land right across the street from the gentleman's club where they had erected this. Uh, it was this gigantic uh, cross. The steel beam cross that they had planted into the ground, uh, painted it white. And uh, I forget the scripture that they had put on it. Um God damn it. 
what did they put on that thing? Um, Lust of the eyes and of the flesh is not of the father. Something like that. It, it was. It's a scripture in the in, in the Bible. Um, Lust of the eyes and of the flesh is not of the father. They had put it on this on this on this white beam steel cross, and this thing was huge, Joe. Like right across the street from this uh, gentleman's club, and here we are. These like you know uh, you know twelve. Age range of twelve to seventeen year old boys, um, on the other side of the road with this uh, cross, and we're supposedly like in favor of, uh, you know, uh, not having this gentleman's club in operation. And this gentleman's club, they're putting up their own like hand drawn signs, you know, and we're we're, we're and I was just. I'm just thinking to myself, like, I'll be honest with you, Joe. I would rather have been in the gentleman's club looking at tits than um, fucking standing up there. <laughs> I would have rather been in the fucking titty bar looking at breasts as a fucking, you know, 14 year old boy than standing out there and protesting boobies. Yeah, like, right. Like, no, I don't like now. Now I don't agree with like I. I, I feel like if a woman – that's her decision. It's her body. She can do whatever she wants to with it. Like I don't want to see men exploit women. Like I don't want to see like women feel like they're like you know in slavery to like they have to do these things in order to make money. But if, a, if, if that's what a woman wants to do with her body, if that's, if that's what she wants to do, then I want her to do whatever she wants to be able to do. But like I don't feel like I should have had to have been like on the other side of that fucking street protesting this thing when I when I'm fucking 14 and I don't even know what I what I believe in yet right yeah I'm fucking I'm fucking 14 years old I don't know anything like why the fuck am I like part of me wants to be in that fucking club yeah well you're 14 <laughs> you know tits are awesome exactly <laughs> you know? Like, why? exactly like and how that, often did that... you get to see them that was like pre dial yeah. you know like that was like dial up internet days if that Dude, so I had like, to, like hoping to maybe find a magazine out in the woods, and they're making you stand outside t- this place. Exactly on my TV, I had to like turn the dial in between channels five and six to even get a like a tit. To see, <laughs> you know, like on Cinemax, you know. So like I had to, I I really had to work that TV dial to try to see like if I could see a, like a flash of a boob. So um, yeah, it was one of the I don't know, it was just, God. Yeah, dude, I I love TNA, but there's no place you can put me that would make me more uncomfortable than a strip club. Really? I've I've never been able to be comfortable in them, but almost... See, I was never a drinker in high school. I really never started drinking beer until I was, like, in my 30s. Oh, wow. And so... Like I was just always the sober driver for my friends because they knew that even if they offered to buy me drinks, I'd be like, I don't like beer. And I I don't like hard alcohol because it tastes like rubbing alcohol smells. And so it was hard for me to swallow it because then I'd be like, oh, God, that's not that's not good at all. Yeah. But, um, yeah, it wasn't until I got into craft beers and then realized, oh, it's not that I don't dislike beer. It's I don't like light beer. Right. It's like you get me like an amber ale or something like that. And oh, yum, yum, yum. But um, so I all my first times going into strip clubs dead sober have you ever been in a strip club sober 
Yeah, I just have. Just sit around and watch the way everybody acts and everything, and then co- yeah. and then with me, I'm so introspective that like I came to all these like <laughs> these philosophical points and stuff. Is that? It oh, just, go ahead. It just it just grossed me out. Like on the one level, it's like I don't want to talk shit on on what people do, but it's like it's like okay, you're so you're so just open with with your body and your nakedness that you're willing to rub your tits in a complete stranger's sweaty face for for twenty nickels. Thank God for those girls. <laughs> but you know, it's like it's like it's like yeah, tits are great, but like for some reason, I'd sit there and I'd be stone sober and I'd just be thinking these thoughts. And I'd be yeah. like, this is this is really kind of gross. And then I'd look at the way that like even some of my friends and stuff would act, and they just act so much differently when we we're in there. And I'm like, wow, I could never see myself being the guy that's like in the strip club, being like, woo, yeah, I want to see all of them. Like I just, <laughs> <laughs> you're a better man than I than I am. I just yeah. Like oh god, I remember my one friend. We were walking yeah. out, and um, and what was funny too is that I worked in a convenience store at the time. And so I'm there, and I'm fucking bored, and I'm in between Josh and Andy, and all of a sudden this girl comes out on the stage, and I'm like, why does she look familiar? I'm like, she's one of my regulars at the convenience store. Oh, wow. (laughs) And that was a convenience store that was like a 40-minute drive away from the strip club. Yeah, yeah. And so at one point, she just comes up and sits in my lap, and she's like, where do I know you from? Yeah. Uh... You come into my convenience store almost every day. <laughs> I've been there. She check quit coming out. in after that. Yeah. I, that never, I never saw her again. I used to go, uh, me and my uh, me and my buddy Nick used to go to Deja Vu. Um, it's, it's kind of a chain, but they have one in Springfield, Illinois. And uh, you can go in when you're 19. So 18 or 19. So anyway, we, would used, we used to go to Deja Vu back in the day. And, uh, so we, you know, I have to be quite honest with you. I think the last time I was ever in a strip club was probably when I was hold on, wait, hold the presses. The last time I willingly went into a strip club on my own was when I was 25. The last time I was actually in a strip club was when I was 32 and that was on a fucking first date. She took me there. I had no clue that we were going there. Uh, what? Yes, I went out with this girl named Kelly, and uh, she was like, yeah, we went to this bar. Kelly was like, "Uh, we're going to go to this bar at the Silver Silver Bullet. And I was like, okay, let's go to the Silver Bullet. Sounds like a bar. Silver Bullet is a fucking strip club. I ended up uh, at a a strip club with this girl named Kelly. Anyway, but um, we went to – me and my buddy Nick, we used to go to uh, Deja Vu when – like 19 i had never been to a strip club before and went there and uh you know I, I i don't know i had a good time i had a good time it was just like one of those things where like uh yeah here we are you couldn't drink there it was a uh it was it was uh no alcohol but we used to like uh take uh bottles of alcohol like into the parking lot and chug them and then like toss them and then go in drunk. <laughs> so, but anyway, I remember my first time going into one. I thought it was a magical wonderland. I was like, oh yeah. I was like, there's fucking boobies everywhere. It it took me about a half dozen trips yeah. of being the sober driver before I came to the conclusion of this makes me feel icky being in here. Dude, in the Quad Cities, uh, there was a strip club. I can't remember the name of it, 
but I remember th- stories of a Quad City strip club. <laughs> yes, the, the one where you could touch and all that shit. Do you know what I'm talking about? Um, there was a place. There was a place in the Quad Cities where so everybody. You go ahead, then I'll tell you what I heard. So. <laughs> okay, so there's a place in the Quad Cities where like you could go to a strip club and like you could touch and all this other shit. All right, so there. Uh, but like they had like made a law or something like that. There was like you know like uh, that. Um, you that they couldn't have any strip clubs in that area. And so what they did to get around that law around that community was they said it was it, they said it was art. They said it was art. They, they said it was like an artistic kind of thing. So they would give like the guys, the patrons as they came into the club, a pencil and a piece of pa- like a um, like a notebook, like notebook paper to get around dicks were drawn over the years there right exactly like it was like you knew what they were doing like they were just like here's here's like here's a piece of paper and here's a pencil and now you're going to see naked women and that's basically what it came down to and so um but yeah there was uh i heard there was a lot of touching and shit that went on there but anyway like i used to go we used to go to deja vu me and this guy and went there, had a great time, had a lot of fun. And so we went back and we continued to go back there. Like, you know, every few weeks we'd be like, uh, what do you want to do? Oh, let's go to the view. So we go to the view. So like, I ended up going there one night and they had like what was called like a switch dance. And it was like out of nowhere, like out of nowhere, like, you know, usually like the girls would dance on you. Like, all of a sudden, like, you're doing this thing, and, like, the girls would, like, they'd give you a lap dance or whatever. And, like, they were, like, tonight, it's a switch dance. And so, like, we had to dance on the girls. So, I ended up, like, me with my personality, I started dancing on this girl, and it was a joke. And I was, like, laughing around, laughing, having fun, and she was just rolling. And by the end of the dance, like, all of a sudden, like, this girl was really attractive, Joe. Like really attractive, and she's like, um, she's like, you're really funny. She's like, uh, would you want to hang out sometime? Would you want to go out? And dude, like, hold on, here I am. I'm fucking like nineteen, twenty, and I've got like this amazing looking exotic dancer asking me if I want to go out on a date. I'm like, holy shit! <laughs> oh my god! What was the thing she could teach you? Right, right, <laughs> right. So I'm like, oh my god, yeah, okay. I was like, yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's do this. Let's do this. So she's like, all right. She's like, I'm gonna give you my number. I'm like, okay. She's like, I don't have a pen. I was like, okay. She's like, do you have a pen? I'm like, no, I don't have a pen. She's like. I don't have a pen either. They don't let us have pens. Did you know that, Joe? Oh, but so that they can't give their number out or something? Or? Yes. Yes. Like, I don't I don't know how it works at every strip club, but like Deja Vu is a chain. There's like Deja Vu's all over the, all over the country. In Deja Vu strip clubs, they don't let the girls have pens because they don't want the girls to give out their numbers to guys. So she told me, she's like, She's like, I know a girl that has a pen. (laughs) (laughs) She's like, I'm 
I know. She's like, I'm going to get the pen from the girl. I'm like, okay. All right. So she like, all of a sudden she like gets a pen. She gets a pen and she comes back and she gives me her number. And like, she writes her name. She writes her name and she writes that number. And you know how like you you know that you know that bubbly girl writing. You know like you know how girls like writing when they write in cursive. Yeah, it's all it looks all bubbly and cute and shit. Oh my god, I got that bubbly, beautiful girl writing from a fucking gorgeous dancer. And this is the first time. This is the first time I've ever been asked out by a woman that I've already seen naked, Joe. Yeah, I've already seen her naked. I know. Like if we go out and if things like go the way I would hope that it would go, like when I'm 19, like I already know what she looks like naked. So this is this is great news, right? <laughs> All right. So anyway, anyway, <laughs> I get I get I get her number. I get her name. I get her number. Like her uh, I, her stage name and her real name completely different. So like I'm like blown away. Wow, you really. <laughs> that's not your real name this is your real name wow cool all right so i feel like you know the, the the curtain's been pulled back a little bit for me so i go back to my buddy i'm like dude oh my god she asked me out she gave me her number oh my god what am i gonna do and he's like dude find out if she has any friends <laughs> <laughs> so of course i do because I'm, I'm a cool guy like that so i'm actually like so me and her this is before the day of cell phones. I think this was like back in, uh, this would be 1998. And uh, we're supposed to go out. We're supposed to go out. I'm actually supposed to meet her downtown. No, this is 1999. We're supposed to go downtown and meet at a bar. And so I'm like, oh, my God. Like, dude, like this, I feel like this is just like way out of my element. Like, I'm not used, like, this is not something that's supposed to happen to me. Like, I'm not an unattractive guy, but in no way am I the guy that's supposed to be going out with an exotic dancer. Right? Yeah. So, <laughs> so like, all of a sudden, like, uh, I'm supposed to be meeting her downtown that night. It's like Friday night, we're supposed to be meeting. She's got, she's got to bring one of her fucking uh, exotic dancer friends. It's crazy. So I'm like all excited. Oh, my God. So I get a call. Uh, uh, I come home from work and I get a call on my answering machine. And my answering machine. Yeah, this is back in the day of answering machines. So I check my answering machine, my answering machine. I play it. And it's like, hey, Brian, this is uh, so-and-so. Her name started with a C. Her real name started with a C. I'm not going to say her name. It's weird. Hey, Brian, this is, uh, you know, this is C. And uh, somebody broke into my car tonight. Somebody broke into my car. They stole my stereo system. They broke my they broke my windshield. They stole my stereo system. And um, I don't think I'm going to be able to meet you downtown tonight. So here I am. I'm like, fuck. She's, she's lying to me. She just wants to break our date. She doesn't want to go out with me. Fuck this shit. Whatever. All right, fine. Whatever. It's it's too good to be true. Too good to be true. 19-year-old getting to go out with an exotic dancer. Too good to be true, right? I'm young, dumb, full of cum. Of course I want to go out with an exotic dancer. Come on, give me a break. <laughs> too, too good to be true. So I'm like, fuck. She's just blowing off our fucking night together. 
whatever. So I call I call my friend and he's like, ah, let's just let's just all hang out. We'll play uh, we'll play Resident Evil Two. No, it was Resident Evil Three. Resident Evil Three just came out or something. So like we fucking meet over at his fucking apartment and we play Resident Evil Three all night. It's like fucking three o'clock. It's like two thirty in the morning, two forty five in the morning. And we're playing Resident Evil Three. So I'm like, cool. All right, man. I'll see you later, dude. Go back home. Get back home. Open up my door. Two messages on the answering machine. What's up? Let's hit the play button. Hey, Brian. Um, I'm out at such and such club. Uh, me and my friend are here. Hope to see you tonight. Um, yeah, yeah. Uh, Somebody broke into my car, but I have AAA. They came out, replaced my windshield. Car's good to go. <laughs> uh, I'll see you here, blah, blah, blah. Message two. Hey, Brian. Now they sound really drunk. She sounds really drunk, Stark. <laughs> like, really drunk. Like, having a good time, too. Hey, Brian. Wish you were here. Having a great time. Me and my friend, uh, meet us here. We'll be here. Blah, blah, blah. Dude, I get home at like 3.30 in the morning. Clubs are open till 4 in Peoria at that time. Uh-huh. So it's like one of those things where it was like, oh, my God. What's the f- – there's no point in going to the fucking club now. It's like they're going to close in 30 minutes. You spent all night fucking <laughs> playing, playing Resident Evil. <laughs> Resident Evil 3, when you could have been out with, like, this gorgeous exotic dancer, you know, like, doing, like, what, who knows what by the end of the night. Yeah. Oh, the possibilities. (laughs) Oh, the possibilities, right? (laughs) So, it was, like, one of those things where, you know, uh, and I never called her back. I never called her back because it was like, uh, how do you, how do you explain that? I don't know. But, um. I think it was like I think it was like two or three years later, I ended up going to a completely different strip club, and I was talking to another dancer, and we're just kind of like talking or whatever. And I like turn over and look over to I, we're at a table, and I turn over and look at another dancer, and she's like just staring at me, and I just start staring at her, and I'm like oh my god you look familiar and she's like you look familiar and i was like oh my god where do i know you from it was that girl dude no no way yeah it was that girl that i was supposed to fucking go out with that one night and uh i don't know she started uh what did she do she's like uh she said so i i i she started like uh, like tapping herself or something. I'm like, what are you doing? She's like, I'm kicking myself because we didn't go out that one night. And I was like, ah, I got a girlfriend now anyway. And she's like, ah, I got a boyfriend now anyway. And I was like, all right, cool. But um, yeah, that was like one of those – like now, like, like back then, that was like such a big deal like that I didn't go out with an exotic dancer. And now I look back on it and it was like, it's not the kind of woman you would want to date anyway, Brian. Like what's wrong with you? What are you thinking? Like, that's not the kind of woman you settle down with. You don't settle down with an exact dancer. No. Back then, that was, like, such a cool thing, right? Were you thinking about, oh, I want to have a long-lasting relationship with this? 
with this girl or were you more thinking let's go see where this like ends up you know i mean we forgive yeah right? you're 19 it was definitely the latter it was definitely the latter <laughs> because yeah because yeah you know like uh that was like uh, it was one of those things uh where you know you hear about the stories about those guys that hook up with the exotic dancers but you never expect to be one of those guys and i was like oh my god i could be one of those guys but um could have been could have, would have, should have. But uh, never happened. Never happened. Actually, uh, I don't know. I, uh, I think that I think now she's like she's all settled down and got like you know like couple two or three kids and all this stuff. It's weird. It's weird how we all grow up and shit, dude. Right? Yeah. I had this idea <laughs> once that, um, like, what if? Like, if you were to look at your life and everybody else's lives around you and, like, look at it as a metaphor of yeah. it's a path that's going through, you know, like some sort of dense woods or something mm-hmm. like that. And there are times when the path, when your path is going to run parallel to other people's and then there's, through different circumstances and whatnot, those paths will diverge out through the woods again. And you'll go through periods where you don't see these people again. And then your paths will be brought back together again. Mm-hmm. And... I know it's just always kind of tripped me out that metaphor. I mean, the first time I thought that, I think I was probably tripping on acid. No, <laughs> you know, well, like one of those times where you have those deep introspective thoughts where it made a lot of sense at the time, but I've always gone back to it. Yeah, and, I remember uh, the first time I ever tripped on acid. I was uh, 17 years old, and I was out with this girl Kelly. Me and Kelly, uh, I I I'd known Kelly since I was. Uh, Kelly came to our school. I think when she was in the fifth grade and oh my God, I had the biggest crush on Kelly back in the day. But anyway, me and Kelly became friends and she was the first person I ever dropped acid with. And, uh, we went out and we dropped acid. I think we went to like Goodwill and bought like a couple of t-shirts and shit. <laughs> That's what we used to do. But <clears throat> me and Kelly, um, I remember we like, we were, we were frying fucking balls and we went to my friend Kyle's house and Kyle had like, um, you know, like when you go into somebody's room and, you know, like if they have like a like a, on the ceiling, he had like a frame that was like it was like a wooden frame, but it like led to his attic. It was yeah, I, like know, a, I know what you're talking yeah, about. Yeah. And like I was like uh, I was frying balls and I looked at Kelly and I go, oh, my God, Kyle. I go, Kelly, Kyle likes the ceiling so much he framed it. <laughs> And, and like it was like the funniest thing at the time. Like I'm 17 years old, and it was like the funniest thing at the time. And then like uh, we were, uh, and so we left Kyle's house and we're driving around and we're playing that. Uh, she was playing that song, uh, "Keep on Rocking in the Free World." And I looked at her and I go, Kelly, I go, you realize some people listen to this song in other countries, and they're not rocking in the free world. I go, but me and you. We're rocking in the free world. <laughs> I go and and like our minds are blown, you know. And I go, I go, Kelly. I go, I go. We need to drop acid. Like we're dropping acid right now. I'm frying balls. I go. We need to write a book called The Book of Trips. She's like, Oh my god, yeah, we can write a book called The Book of Trips where we talk about like all of our trips. 
and like how much we like you know fried on acid and like all this shit and i was like yeah and i go and then like in 20 years from now we can write another book called the trip of books looking back at the book of trips (laughs) 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 it was was just like the most hilarious thing at the time I'm like 17 saying this shit. That's so profound. It was so profound at the time. That I look back on it and how ridiculous it was. But yeah, dude, I I don't know. Have you dropped? Have you ever? You've dropped, right? Yeah. Yep. Okay. Like I've dropped and like, did you have visuals and shit? Uh, yes. Um, yeah. So the, the best visuals I ever had was um, I took six blotter hits at once. Okay. One time, and it was fucking crazy. The amount of colors and patterns, yeah, and just everything moving around me like it was made out of water or something like that. Right. Yeah. But I remember uh, it was. Uh, I think it was seventeen. I would have been. That would have been nineteen ninety five. It's the first time I took it, and it was more. It wasn't. It wasn't a visual trip. It was more of a physical trip. Like where I touch things and t- things felt weird. Okay. Uh, you know, you can either drop acid and it can be like physical or it can be like visual or both, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, I remember I've had physical trips where like things felt weird. Like I remember going to like McDonald's and buying like fries and like some French fries and like I put my hand in the fucking bag and it felt like fucking fingers and shit. Yeah. No, I know what you mean, dude. Yeah, and so like there was like one night where me and my friends were like frying on balls, and I was like, "Oh my god, it feels like there's fingers in this bag!" And like he's frying too, and he puts his hand in there. He's like, "Oh my god, fingers!" And like that was like a whole thing. But then like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, like I could talk to my friend Kurt to this very day, and I could be like, "Dude, do you remember like McDonald's frying balls and fingers in the bag?" And he'd be like, "Yeah, I know exactly what you're talking about." <laughs> So, aren't those funny stories? Aren't those yeah. stories funny that you can do that yeah. with somebody that you had that with a long time ago? Absolutely. But like, I've had visual <laughs> trips too. I've had visual trips too. Like, I remember there was a uh, batch of what was uh, Timothy Leary's. Timothy Leary acid came into Peoria, Illinois, back in like I think 1990. It would have been 98, and there were three batches. And the first batch was good. The second batch was amazing. And like that's where I've got like the most visual experience I ever had on like acid before was with that second batch. I remember like I remember fucking like being in like the living room. Like uh you'd see like uh texture on the wall and shit and it would breathe. You know, yeah. it would move. Yep. And I, I remember exactly what you mean. Yes. I remember looking at the ceiling and the ceiling Looked like there were like there were neon green, blue, purple, orange, like little spermies like swimming on the fucking ceiling and shit. And then it looked like my buddy was smoking a cigarette and he blew like some smoke into the air. And then all of a sudden, like it looked like water was coming, was flooding from the ceiling down. Wow. And I all of a sudden, like, I was in the water at that moment when he blew the smoke. Like, there was water coming from the ceiling down, but when he blew, like, cigarette smoke, like, now, for some reason, like, I was in the water. It was, and that was, like, when I was peeking and shit. And I remember seeing, like, uh, 
on the wall, like we had wooden walls one time when I was frying acid, like there was like knots in the wall and shit. And it looked like some dude's eyeballs, right? On the wall. He's not. But it looked like fingers, like this dude had took his fingers and he was pulling down on his uh, eyeballs, like like underneath the skin, underneath his eyeballs. Okay. Mm-hmm. So it looked like the guy was taking like his index finger and his middle finger and he was pulling down on his eyeballs underneath them with his fingers, these knots on the walls and the wood on the wall, if that makes any sense. Yeah. But yeah, the fingers... The fingers, when I'm watching them on the wall, they turned into people. So the index finger turned into a person, and the middle finger turned into a person. And instead of fingers being pu- pulling down the eyes, they were people with hands pulling down the eyes. And I'm watching this with my fucking eyeballs. <laughs> And it it was so fucking weird. I'm like, oh, my God, I can't believe I'm fucking seeing this. You know, like you'd see shit breathe when you were fucking frying balls. Like I remember go like me and my buddy Jared, like we went outside and we'd like look at trees and we'd look at like flowers and you could see like tree like flowers bloom like right, right in front of your face. And mm-hmm. like I remember seeing like uh like fucking like, uh, you know, like um, uh, I'm trying to think like uh, like like evergreen trees, like pine trees. Mm-hmm. They look like like the little pricklies and shit. Like they look like caterpillars, like moving. Oh, wow. And I remember seeing like branches on trees moving like snakes. Like, right. You know, like that, like that's when like when, when you're frying and it's like all cool. Like, wow, that's amazing. But like, I think the last time I ever did acid was a bad trip. And that, yeah. And that's when I was like, I'm done. But like every time before that, it was like a great experience. Like it was either like a really cool experience to where like, I'm feeling like something very physical. Like, like I'm feeling like, oh my God, this table feels amazing. I want to fuck it. Or like, (laughs) or like, you know, like, oh my God, I'm looking at this wall and I can't believe like what it's doing right now. Like, oh, my God, I can't believe, like, what this fucking wall is doing right now. That's absolutely amazing. That um, was the way I looked at it, too. Is yeah. That I, I liked the visuals. I didn't like the way yes. my body felt the next day. Yeah. Um, did you ever notice that at the beginning of the night you'd be laughing at everything? And then by yeah. the end of the night you did so much laughing that it sounded like an evil cackle? Yeah. Just yeah. Like, <laughs> by the end of the night. <laughs> I agree. Like, like I, I loved it when I peaked, man. And it felt yeah. like when you peaked, like it didn't last too long, but it was amazing when you did peak. Like I remember, Oh my God. I remember like one time, like I was with like, uh, my ex-girlfriend at the time and I'm looking, I'm looking at the ceiling. I was frying and she wasn't, but I like, I was seeing gingerbread men on the ceiling and I was telling her about it. <laughs> and I was like, got oh, visuals like that. Really? No, well, it, it, hold on. It wasn't like, let me explain. Let like me it didn't look like cartoon gingerbread crawling around on the ceiling or something like that. Exactly. No, it was not like that. It was like the texture on the wall would turn into that. Okay. okay. It Kinda wasn't like, like shapes all... and clouds. Exactly, dude. That's exactly what I'm saying. Like when I saw like the 
like when I saw like the like the fingers on the wall turn into like people pulling somebody's eyeballs down, that was knots in the wall. There were knots in the like knots in the wood on the wall that turned into that. This was not like like all of a sudden like you know like oh my god there's gummy bears and like oh my god there's the Thundercats you know like <laughs> you know like oh my god wow look at all this shit fucking just coming out of nowhere like no it was like things that I was actually looking at like. Like I would, I would love, like my favorite thing to look at was like the texture on the wall, um, and, uh, different things like, um, like in the real world that would actually turn into things like, yeah, like blinds always looked cool. Yeah. Like you're talking about like wider and taller and stuff. Yeah. Like you're talking about like clouds and shit like that, like how they look like things like that's, that's exactly what I'm talking about. Like, so I'd like be looking at the ceiling and all of a sudden like the ceiling would look like take the shape of like a gingerbread man and he would start dancing and like my, my imagination would start going crazy and I would see that. Um, but, uh, I don't know, like the last time I ever dropped acid, I had a really bad trip and like I started to like freak out and it wasn't, it didn't feel like all the other times where like, you know, I was either having visuals or having like, I was actually really paranoid and it fucked with me chemically. And like for I'd say for like the next two years, like it really fucked with like my serotonin levels and my happiness and things like that. So I never touched that shit again. Yeah. When when I had my bad trip, I did a huge handful of mushrooms. Like it was probably around like nine or ten grams. Yeah. And it was just way too much. Every time previously I'd done maybe as much as two grams, if that, it was usually always just half an eighth. Mm-hmm. And I just got way too cocky because me and my one friend that was super into it, like we had just been on this tear where we'd been doing it like every weekend. And this was, I had just gotten out of college and I was still just working at a convenience store and was just, you know, having a lot of fun. And I was out at my mom and dad's cabin and it was just like any of the other dozens of times that we'd been out there tripping. And only that time I just took way too much and yeah. it, was, it, it was like it completely unmoored me from reality, like mm-hmm. where I was having a really hard time distinguishing what was just thoughts going on in my head and what was the actual facts of what my real life reality was. Yeah. And yeah. it was, it scared the fuck out of me, dude. Like I, I honestly thought. I was going to die. I mean, I didn't have the information that I have now. Like you'd literally have to eat like a whole table's worth of mushrooms to, to reach the lethal dosage from the research I've done. But at the time I thought I was going to die. And so then I got wrapped up in all these feelings of guilt that it's like, what, what, what are people going to, what are my parents going to think that, you know, their, their oldest kid fucking died of a drug overdose. Like, Oh my God, I'm going to die. And I'm going to be, remembered as this fucking loser in a story that's like told to other kids around town like don't don't ever do mushrooms you saw what happened to that start kid you know he went fucking nuts and he was running around in the woods in his underwear yeah but you know that part was true but but i eventually came down and then i just felt silly and then i was like i i've gotten all i i'm gonna get out of this substance and so i had like a whole shitload left and i just gave it away see that's like i'm never gonna do this again I had never had any bad experiences on it. And then I took like I'd done like there was three batches of Timothy Leary's that came into town. I took all three, never had any bad like experiences. And then I just took like some regular white blotter one night. And um, all of a sudden, like 
I started to get all paranoid, paranoid and freak out. And I, that was when I was 21. And I'll be honest with you. Um, there was two years where it chemically fucked me up so bad that I would not, I would not leave the house. Like I was scared to leave the fucking house. Like I was scared of like all social interaction, which like for me is not normal. Cause I, I can be a pretty social guy when I want to, like I can be like, there are times where I can be like the life of the fucking party. Like if I know everybody and I'm having a good time, like I can be the fucking life of the party. But this was like to the point where like I was scared of my friends. Like if the phone would ring, I would not answer it. I would like turn, like I would not answer the phone. If my doorbell would ring, I would not answer my fucking door. I was scared to fucking hang out with my friends. That's how badly like, like this fucked with me chemically. So like I never touched anything like that ever again after that moment yeah it it had a little bit of an effect like that on me too like i was um i definitely became much more introspective afterwards and i think it was just because while it was happening i retreated so far into my head and i really had to face a lot of the bullshit because like up to that like i'd always had like a super loud like thumping bass stereo system in my car And so I like very much indulged in like a a look at me type lifestyle. And I'm like the complete opposite of that now. Yeah. And, and I can really credit that that was really kind of a life changing experience to me. It was, it was almost like it, like it took everything in my life that I wasn't willing to fully look at. And it just put it all out in the open. It was like, dude, this is, this is the way you're living. This is what you're doing with your life. Is this what you want to do? And I made big changes after that. Like, um, I had, at that time I had been just dating, uh, Lindsay, um, who I'm married to now. And I remember having a conversation with my friend Nick as the night was wearing on and I was like becoming a little bit more lucid and I wasn't, you know, I, I had a firmer grasp on what was going on and I wasn't so terrified and shit anymore that I could actually think clearly. And I remember having a long conversation with him about how I was just fucking things up. Cause Lindsay is like four years younger than me. And yeah. I was really afraid to move forward in a, with a relationship. Like I was just out of high school and she still had like a year or two of high school left. And so I was like, well, what am I going to do? I'm going to commit to a relationship with this girl. I'm going to fall in love with her more. And then by the time she's done with high school, she's gonna be like, okay, well I'm ready to go on and meet somebody else. And so, like, I just kept pushing her away out of this fear of that if I don't push her away now, she's going to push me away later where it's much safer for my heart if if I protect my heart by breaking hers right now. And so at the beginning of me and Lindsay's relationship, there was lots of just starting and stopping. And it was always with me pushing her away. And that night I really came to that realization that's like, this is like a person who really loves me and really cares about me, whom I treat like shit. And she's not willing to give up on me. I shouldn't be willing to give up on her. Wow. And I remember telling Nick, I was like, I was like, I need to call her. I'm gonna call her right now. And holy shit, out, man. out at mom and dad's cabin, like the cell service out there sucks, and so you gotta walk down to the river. Yeah. <laughs> to like use your phone. So I grab my phone. And I start walking. He grabs me. He's like, dude, it's three thirty in the morning. You're tripping balls. Her parents are gonna answer the phone. You're gonna freak them the fuck out. <laughs> and I'm like, I'm like, good point, dude. <laughs> <laughs> so he talked me out of it, <laughs> but I was all set on it. But and then that next day, like when I was fully back to sober, and it it does, dude. It it 
it wrecks the chemical levels in your brain. It does. And so that next morning, like everybody else left, I didn't have anything going on. And so I, w- I went out and I sat on the dock and I caught a catfish and I cleaned the fish and I went out in the woods and I built a little hut out of sticks and grass and I built a fire in it and I just sat in there and just smoked pot and ate my fish and yeah. just thought about everything the night before and then like came to all <laughs> these like, like, like basically like made like a mental checklist of the changes that I was going to make. <coughs> Like it was, it was pretty wild. <laughs> That's crazy, man. Yeah, I remember the first time I told that story to my mom. We were at dinner. <laughs> she's looking at me, just horrified. Oh she's my like, god! You're not supposed to tell these stories to your mother. <laughs> uh, and then, like, but... I just kept going. And then by the end of the dinner, she's like, "You really need to write all these things down." <laughs> so I won her over with it anyway. But, but yeah, I mean. That was a scary, it was one of the scariest nights of my life, but yeah. I, I credit it as a, like a, a real growing point for me as a person. Like I, I felt like I went from being a very immature person to being much more understanding of the realities of the world around me after that. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. It's great. I mean, I, uh, can I ask you this? This is crazy. Like I, I need to ask somebody this. Sure. Um, I've always wondered, like, did I always see tracers? <laughs> Do you know what I'm talking about? Oh, I know what you're talking about. Yeah. Did Does that I happen al- to you if you look at a pegboard that doesn't have anything in it and it's just all the holes? Yeah. I mean, it's like, it's like <laughs> it, even just like moving my hand in front of my face. Like, did I always see tracers or was like, this was like, is this something that like only because I've like dropped that I've seen tracers? Like, oh my God. I what think it's got to be normal. <laughs> You think so? I think so. Dude, I, yeah, we need to ask somebody that, that's never dropped acid, like if they see tracers, man. <laughs> or if they even understand what we're talking about. Exactly. Like, dude, what the fuck? You're like, you know how you can set that one setting on your mouse on your computer where you move it? And it's like, yeah. it's got this weird trail going after it. Just, does that right. just happen to you with other things? I know. <laughs> I know. Oh, my God. No, the, it happens to me all the time. If I look at like a defined pattern, it'll start to move almost every time. Same thing. Oh my God! You're absolutely that's what right. I meant about the pegboard thing. Is that? Yeah. Yes. Yes. It's, it's. It's like. It's like. Do you still have like a little bit of? Like I'm always like wondering myself. Like, okay, do I have like a little trace of it left in my <laughs> spinal cord? You know. No. Yeah. Yeah. I, I'd always heard the thing that it stays in your in your spinal fluid for seven years or whatever. Well, it's at this point it's been. Oh God! Like, I haven't. I I haven't stopped so since that. Oh my God! See, uh, it, it would have been uh, eighteen, nineteen years for me then. Oh you know? wow! Yeah, so you got so, me beat. Let's see. So that night that I had that bad trip, that was April twenty seventh, two thousand two. Oh shit! And I, yeah, well, I remember that because I thought it was going to be fucking chiseled in my tombstone. Yeah, last time I dropped <laughs> was like nineteen ninety nine. You know, wow. I mean, but do, no. See, the thing you got to understand though, man, is like I, I, I had like. I had great experiences off of that. Like I, I had everything. Like I, I experienced what I needed to. Yeah. You know, like I've had great visuals. I had great nights, and um, and then I had that one bad trip that just like it changed. It, it changed everything. It changed absolutely everything. And uh, I never wanted to touch the shit again. Yeah. So all, all the fun that I had had on it, and all the good learning experiences and stuff. 
I, I didn't ever want to risk that feeling of the bad trip again. Yeah. And so yeah. it's like, it's like, I just, I can't do, yeah. I can't do in, in like, and really that was the only real foray into, into drugs that I ever did. Like I was, I was around some of the other stuff, but I was never a fan uh, of any, yeah. like I have enough nervous energy as it is that like, I, I didn't like being around the powders. I didn't even like seeing the way that my friends acted like oh, when, they were, when they were yeah. on it. Oh man, if I no, if I would have if I would ever had access to cocaine, I would have done it. I'm, I'm not gonna lie. I'm not gonna lie. I'm not gonna get on here and be like, ah, yeah, yeah, yeah I'm not gonna. No, I believe you. Like you, like you were, you had access to it or whatever, and you didn't do it. Like if I would have had access to do cocaine, I probably would have done it. Okay. Oh, I tried I, it. I just didn't like I, it. I've never done it. Oh my, I, I think that honestly, like if I would have done it, I would have loved it. I think I would have loved Coke. That would have been a problem for me. A lot of people like, do. Oh, I bet. Yeah. <laughs> Give me some booger sugar. Like, I honestly, I. That's a good I, one. No, dude. I, I think that I would, like, I'm pretty, like, you know, back in the day, I was pretty high energy anyway. And I think, like, this shit would have just, like, took me to the next level. And I would have just loved it. But, um. Yeah, yeah. I, I saw a lot of my friends get in over their heads with it. One of my friends spent all of his high school graduation money in like a weekend on <laughs> it. And it was like, whoa, dude. Wow. Like, holy fuck. But yeah, that, that, <laughs> he was a special character. He, he went balls deep on every substance he got into. <laughs> yeah i don't have i don't think that's a good thing thank god thank god i don't have like an addictive personality when it comes to certain i get addicted to certain things for like a certain period of time but not like like alcohol um thank god because like my uh my grandfather that i never met he passed away before i ever met him uh actually my mom only met him once um he left my grandmother uh, real young uh, when my mom was being when my mom was a child. But um, you know, he was an alcoholic. Thank God I don't have that gene in me to where I'm like uh, I have an addictive personality. Jeez, I can't imagine. I can't imagine. I'm j- I'm lucky. I'm lucky because it runs in the family. So yeah, same here. I I remember my my grandpa was an was an alcoholic and I remember the intervention they had on him when I was a little kid. Wow. And and so like I don't know if that went into part of the reason why I was never much of a drinker, but I think ultimately it was down to the taste. Yeah. I think with me taste is a lot <laughs> because like I would say that I probably have a little bit of a food addiction and that's why I struggle with my weight is mm-hmm. because there's just too many things that Tastes good. It, it is, yeah, and it's and ah. I tell myself too, it's silly. It's like, dude, you you just you're sacrificing your overall health for a little bit of mouth pleasure that's gonna last for fifteen seconds. Right. And it's it's silly. That that's actually one of the things I'm looking forward to with I'm I'm having a a, a, a career position change coming up here really soon. And I'm looking forward to not being on the road anymore where Isn't I don't it... have access to eating a fucking foot long sub for lunch every day. But isn't that the fucked up thing, though, that like you you like that, though, it tastes good, but like your body, like, you know that it's bad for you. OK, so like you got these people. All right. You got these people and they're like, all right. All right. I know it's good for me. 
you know, I'm uh, no, you know, like like uh, not a lot of carbs, so I'm not eating a lot of bread. I'm working out. I'm doing all this shit, and uh, I'm staying healthy, and I look great, and uh, body feels great, feel great. Then they get hit by a fucking car or a truck or a semi or some shit, <laughs> and then they're, you know, I don't know, man. It's fucked up, dude. It's like. Uh, why why are the things that, that, that feel and taste so great bad for you? But, you know, you got to – god damn it. In order to stay uh, healthy and fit, they can say like, oh, yeah, you can, you can season things a certain way and they taste great and, uh, you don't, and they're not high, high calorie. But like not everybody has a fucking personal chef, Joe. Like I don't have, you know what I mean? Like I don't have a personal chef like well, prepared. Yeah, and some of those things are just a lie. Like don't come to me with turkey bacon. Right. You know? Right. <laughs> right. I no, I get it. It's I totally a pale get substitute. It's Yeah. I get it, man. I you know, I don't know. It's fucked up, man. It's like uh I went I went 6 months, 6 7 months one time without eating any bread. Zero bread. Like zero <laughs> Like zero carbs. I like, remember you telling me that. Uh huh. Wow. And bread's I'll so honest, fucking good. I know, but like after like I'll be honest with you, like after three weeks of not doing it, it was easy. It was easy. It was so fucking easy. Like after you, you, you get to a certain point where it's like not hard anymore, and like even thinking about eating bread again kind of like makes you sick to your stomach. Um, but I, I took a trip up to Chicago and I didn't have access to like the, you know, I was eating a lot of chicken breast and a lot of vegetables and things like that. I didn't have access to those kind of things unless I went, I don't know, unless, you know, so I was eating salads and stuff like that. And then finally one night I was just like, fuck it. I'm in Chicago. I'm going to go to Portillo's and Portillo's they're known for like their Italian beef and their hot dogs. And so I bought like an Italian beef. And like they they dip the Italian beef in like the uh, the the juice like the au jus or whatever the fuck, and I just I fucking killed it. And then all of a sudden I got like like that taste for bread back again. And that's did what it fuck did with me. you at all that first time you had it like like it did. stomach or anything. It did well. Um, I remember there was one time when I was young. Uh, I think a few years before that I had gone a few months without eating anything. Um, like with carbs and, and like sugars and things like that. I had, uh, I had a really strict diet and I was like, Oh, you know what? I'm going to, I'm going to get a couple double cheeseburgers. You know, I've, I've gone this far. So I went to McDonald's and I got a couple double cheeseburgers and I ate them. And then I went out for a walk and my, like my body rejected it. Like I started to physically puke up this stuff. Oh no. I started to physically like puke up, like my body started to reject it because it was just like, it couldn't handle it. It wasn't, it, you know, and, uh, so you'd be given, you'd been giving yourself nutritious, real foods and right. all of a sudden you fill it with fucking garbage that it's just got so much grease and bullshit in it. Exactly. Exactly. That's exactly what happened. And, um, so that's what I, was, I, I need to, I need to get myself back. See, that's the thing. I, I need to get myself back into that place though, that mindset, um, that, um, that lifestyle change to where like I am eating just like, you know, vegetables and, uh, and proteins and not, and not eating that garbage. But, um, it's, it's, it's hard. You gotta, 
you got to mentally prepare yourself and get yourself back there. So I'm working on it now. I'm trying to get myself back there, but shit. I know. No. After I did that StartCast episode with Rod, I started doing really good on my diet. Yeah. And then um, I started doing the the keto one, and it flipped mm-hmm. my my personality. It like actually put me through like a short period of depression. Where wow. it was it was really bad. I I was like, because if if you go back and actually look at the Startcast episodes, there's like a month and a half break after that episode with Rod, and then to the next one, and it's because while I was doing that keto thing, like it spiraled me into depression. Wow, man! And it was fucking weird. I mean, like, because I was just like, who fucking cares? Who fucking cares about anything? This is all just fucking yeah. shit. Wow. And I'm like I'm like talking to my wife, and she's like, you just need to switch back to low calorie. <laughs> she's like you did fine she's like the last time that you you like did the best on your diet and everything she's like you were just counting your calories and just eating smart and you weren't you know eating like a bunch of just shit and she's like yeah you're you're eating keto right now she's like but you're still eating a lot of calories you're still eating a lot and peanuts and everything and it's like i had myself on this super strict diet that i dropped a lot of weight on the first week but then for like the next two to three weeks after i didn't drop anything like it just yeah. maintained right where it was at. And so it was this feeling of that, like I'm going through and I'm being real diligent with this and I'm trying real hard every day, but I'm not getting anywhere with it. And, and it was bad. And then it totally train wrecked after that. And I gained back the weight that I lost. And so now it's like, I just need to, I, I have like a tendon injury in my, my right pinky finger from climbing. So as soon as that's fully healed up, I'll be able to start climbing out in the garage again. Yeah, and maybe fuck, I gotta get myself more stoked to start doing cardio again. But yeah, fuck cardio, right? I, fuck, yes, yeah, fuck cardio. <laughs> it, it, fuck cardio. It, 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 you know, it's hard. I, I mean, I wish I was one of those people that loved cardio. Like I loved lifting. Like I'm a big. I was like, you know, I used to lift like back in the day, man. I and I'm not a big guy, you know. Like I'm five foot six, and you know, like I'm typically around you know, 150, 160 pounds. But I, I remember when I was like lifting, um, hardcore and, uh, I was, uh, for me, I was popping up. I was, I, I took a hundred pound dumbbells and I was popping up a hundred pound dumbbells, dude, you know, that's fucking awesome for like, that was back. Oh dude, that was back when I was lifting like hardcore, like big time, you know? So, um, and these aren't like, you know, I'm not talking about, uh, like bench press. I'm talking about like actual dumbbells, a hundred pounds in each, you know, and f- for me back then that was like, that was a lot. And, uh, um, hundred pound dumbbells heavy as fuck. Yeah. And I was, you know, I was popping those up, you know, and, um, I was impressed with myself back then. I don't know. It's just, God, I just, I, I need to get back in the gym. I need to, I need to start eating healthier again. And, uh, God, there was a time where I was, I was just so motivated and, uh, uh, I don't know. I don't know what happens. I don't know what happens. I know. I know. I can't, I can't go back and actually totally trace And you know what I think it is? I think it's lots of little things mm-hmm. that all add back together. Mm-hmm. And it's like in the end, you're going to slide back into the deepest groove. And the yeah. deepest groove is the one that you've been wearing away your whole life. And so if you have bad habits that have lasted a lifetime, it's really easy to fall back into them. Mm-hmm. And I've never had a healthy relationship with food, so it's super easy for me to fall back into that that trap. 
I don't know. I mean, I was really athletic growing up and like I, I never had a problem with like, you know, like if I was staying active, I was in great shape. But if I if I'm not, I just turn to shit. It's not like it's one or the other with me. You know what I mean? It's like yeah. it's either like it's either like I'm in the gym and I'm like active and I'm running and I'm doing shit and I look great and I feel great or I'm not doing anything and then I just turn into like a blob. And so it's like there's no in between. It's I can't maintain if I'm not in the gym and I'm not doing what I should be doing. And uh, I mean, you look at I, I've got pictures. If I showed you pictures of me from like seven years ago, you'd be like, what? The, oh, my God. Look at you. Look at your fucking arms. <laughs> oh, I you know, bet, I, dude. If you were fucking curling 100 pounders, holy shit. Yeah. I mean, you know, I was uh, well, I was uh, I was benching 100 pound dumbbells, but I was I was I was curling 55 to 65 pound dumbbells. That's like, tough, man. It, it it my best probably a couple of years ago. I was able to hammer curl fifties. I couldn't do a full bicep curl, yeah, with it, but I could do the hammer curls with it. And my one friend Ryan, who's a power lifter, like pointed out right away. He's like, "That doesn't count." I'm like, "Oh fuck yeah. you!" <laughs> but, yeah, I mean, it's, it's a fun feeling though to pick up something super heavy like that and be able to just freaking move it the way that you should, you know? But, yeah, I. Uh, I used to, no, nothing's easier than not doing it though and so yeah you know if you can start to burn out on the gym for a while it gets pretty the couch gets pretty seductive i've set a goal for myself again and i always do this but i set a goal for myself on october 1st that i'm going to get back in the gym so that's the goal for myself i'm hoping to hold myself accountable and do it again because I've done it in the past, set a date and gone back and, and, uh, made good on those things. So hopefully October 1st, I'll be back in the gym and doing these things. But, uh, I mean, I used to work out with like, uh, I used to go to a place called club fitness here. You can go online and you can look up. There's a guy, his name is Merle Hall, M E R L E H A L L Merle Hall. He's like uh, in his seventies now. But I used to work out with this guy. He's been in Iron Man magazine, and I've learned I learned so much from him years ago when we used to work out together. <clears throat> but um, you know, like that's the thing. It's like this guy's he's worked out for like you know over fifty years, and uh, I think like maybe after a competition, he'll like splurge and eat a pizza pizza. That's it. I mean, other other than that, like he's eating clean, like all the time, like all the time he eats clean all the time. It's like, how do you do that? How do you, how do you not like, at least like for me, it's like every once in a while I'm like, all right, dude, you know, like back when I was like lifting and eating clean, I'd be like, all right, it's a cheat day. Let's go out and get like a fucking like a medium fry from McDonald's or, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. Let's do that. Let's like treat ourselves like uh, Merle. Like that's like he I, I think he hadn't. I think like if you read the article in Iron Man magazine, like he hadn't had a like a I think it was like a, he hadn't had like a slice of pizza in like 20 years or some sh- crazy shit like that. Wow. Yeah. I mean, it's like, you know, how do you stay that fucking disciplined? I don't know, man. That's a really good question, though, man. How, how do you stay that disciplined? That's that's fucking. And you know, one of the things that makes it really tough for me is that my my wife's not on some super strict diet, 
Right. So she's right. going to have fun stuff around that she wants to eat. And you don't want to like the kids got kids. Yeah. yeah. And, you know, I get off work and right. there's a Culver's that's literally three blocks away from where I work. Yes. And so if she's been thinking about having a custard malt all day and she right. sends me a text, I seriously did. There was one or two times where I stopped and I, I remember I brought home gourmet cupcakes once and malts a couple times where I just brought home three malts. Yeah. And it was like, this is fucked up. Yeah. <laughs> I know. how to Like those things just sat next to me on the seat for the 15 minute drive home. You're right. You're absolutely right. No, that's the thing. It's like, it's like everybody has to be like, either everybody has to commit to that lifestyle or no, you know what I mean? It's, it's something you can't do as a family. You can't. Yeah. I don't know. It's, it's hard. It's hard because it's like, uh, you don't, you don't want to be like, okay, so, all right. So, uh, Hey, guess what kids? Uh, it's kind of like religion. It's like, guess what? Uh, daddy's, uh, daddy's Amish. So we're all Amish now. <laughs> it's the same thing. Yeah. With fucking, it's the same thing with fucking food. It's not, you know, it's not like, uh, all of a sudden, like, uh, you know, daddy's a vegan. So like now, you know, Johnny can't eat chicken nuggets, you know, I don't know. It's, no, no French fries for everybody. We can't have any anything cooked in trans fats. I apl- I applaud potato chips that are still cooked in trans fats. Do you? <laughs> <laughs> there's 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 one brand of potato chips around here in uh, Central Illinois. It's called it's uh, the brand. It's called Kitchen Cooked, and uh, it's got like on on the um, on the front of the on the front of the bag. It's got like a big kettle, right? And it's mm-hmm. This is the kettle where they cook the chips. If you look on the back of the bag, it shows you trans fats and it shows you exactly how many grams of trans fats are in this fucking bag. And like in a world of zero trans, zero trans, uh, trans fats, I respect the trans fats today. <laughs> like for, for, for something to have in trans fats, I want to, I want I want to like carry it up. Like I want to fucking like give it that, like, uh, Rudy Tomjanovich, not was it Rudy Ru- Rudovich or whatever the fuck that little football player fucking name kid was. <laughs> that from, little, the, from the Notre Dame movie? From the Notre, Notre Dame movie. I want to give it that treatment. Like, I want to like. Sean Astin. Yeah, Sean Astin. I want to throw that little fucking. I want to throw transgrams to trans fats on my shoulder. And, <laughs> and I want to like parade it around. Like, yeah, good for you. <laughs> fuck, fuck all you. Like zero trans fats, motherfuckers. That you like, you put zero trans fats on your fucking bag. You know, I'm, you know, like there's a, there, there, there's still, there's still some shit out there with trans fats on it. it makes me feel good that it's still out there. <laughs> it's still out there. <laughs> there's like, like, you tell me, you tell me what's got trans fats in it. What's got trans fats in it? Yeah, I Not- don't know. I know they were cracking down on that. Oh, fuck yeah, they were tr- cracking down on trans fats. <laughs> I think we should have the choice. Hey, do you want to eat trans fats? <laughs> you know what I mean? Well, I'd have to do some more study on it my- myself before I have like a real opinion on it because there's just too much shady shit. Like, because do you right? remember in the 90s it was all everybody was like, oh, it's got to be low fat, it's got to be low fat. Yeah. Well, now today we find out that like the fats that are in avocados and stuff, those are, are essential fats. Yeah, need, yeah. Like, if you want to lose belly fat, it's yeah. probably a good idea to incorporate a lot of avocados you in your need, diet. Hey, you need, avocado, hey, you need you need the fats in like yogurt, and you need uh, fish oil. 
fish oil's good. Yeah. The fish oil fats, yeah. But it, it's the sugar, right? Sugar. That, and that's what I was going to get to is that there was actually studies that were done that were paid for by the sugar industry that they knew sugar was bad. And they're like, hey, we need to put this on the fats. Right. And so sh- the sugar industry basically deflected that. And so yeah. ah, I'm a little – I need to do my own science or my own research on that, I guess. But, I I, I, from I, everything I've heard about trans fats is they're not good and they're not like the – what is it? Like the monosaturated fats or something like that. That's the one. They are not good. In. But I, I, I got I to gotta applaud them. <laughs> yeah. It is ballsy it, that they're still making no. them. Yeah. And you're, in a, you're in a non-trans fat world, right? <laughs> And you're 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 a potato chip company. And you're like fuck you, <laughs> fuck you. This makes fuck our kettle you. chips even crispier. Fuck yeah, kettle chips still taste good. You know, like they're like I no, I respect that for a fucking like a Midwest company that's just like uh, I honestly feel like I honestly feel like if they should put on their actual bag, like if you look at the front of the bag for kettle uh, for it's called Kitchen Cooked. If you if you looked on the front of the bag, they should actually be promoting that shit for like fucking like ignorant rednecks. <laughs> That'd be good. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. you think that they could be tapping into a market share of the oh, yeah. don't tell me what I can't eat crowd. Well, fucking throw a Confederate flag on this fucking bag of <laughs> chips for all you know, for all I care. <laughs> it's <laughs> the general Lee of potato chips. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Just be like, we still got trans fats, America, you know? <laughs> yeah. You know, do you remember the wow potato chips that would make yes. it cause anal yes. leakage? That, uh, no, it had Those the exact. It, 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 it had uh, what was called olein in it. Okay. Yeah, there was a uh, like they put what was called olein or whatever. It was uh, it was uh, the wow potato chips, and you ate those, and then it, yeah, it uh, that had that whatever like ingredient in it that gave you anal leakage. Like I remember, I rem- I ate those chips. Like I got the like. Oh, I the remember Dor- eating them when I was a kid too. Yeah, they had like the Doritos brand that came out. I totally remember that shit. Yeah. <laughs> Olean. Oh, uh, those and just don't trust a fart. Oh God! Yeah, you blow up your ass. That's crazy. <laughs> That's crazy. Oh my gosh! Yeah. Uh, yeah, I think I, I think I was like eighteen, nineteen, twenty when that shit came out. That was a that was a big deal. Um, then all of a sudden, like it just went away. It just went away. Yeah, yeah. They, I think they just got rid of them, didn't they? Yeah, I think so. I think I, it's just kind of like yeah. I mean, once the words anal leakage come out, and you you can't associate that with food, and expect to still sell a product. Yeah, unless it's like authentic Mexican food. <laughs> I don't know. Dude, there, I, there's uh, a Mediterranean place right by where I work, and I yeah. went and got what was the thing that Tony Stark was saying at the end, end of Avengers? Shawarma. Shawarma. I went and got shawarma, and it was yeah. on a Tuesday, and I could not climb in the gym that night because I could not trust myself to pull down hard. <laughs> <laughs> on a hold and exert myself i was like i might shit <laughs> was it did you like it did it taste good it was delicious while i was having it but yeah. like just the most wretched burps for like just hours afterwards and then it fucked with my stomach to the point where like yeah i'd, I'd go sit on the toilet and just paint the bowl like it was awful oh wow and, and then i was like well maybe that was just an off 
maybe that was just an off day, and so then I got it again like a month later, and uh, same result, and so I haven't gotten it since. That's the worst. I, I don't know, man. That's a, like sometimes I'll be honest with you. Sometimes when you take a shit, it's the most amazing experience ever. Right? Right. Don't yeah. lie to me. Don't lie to me. It's good. Sometimes, sometimes you take a shit, and you're just like, all right, oh. <laughs> Yeah. Same with a good piss too. Like if you've been holding it in for a long time, it's been there for a long time, and it's you know like you're just releasing it, you know, Um, and then release me, release (laughs) me. Come on, baby, come on, baby. Yeah, I'm doing some uh, fucking Wilson Phillips. (laughs) That's that's gonna get us like, (laughs) oh shit. But like, like you let go of it. But then, like, there's, like, oh, my God, like, uh, that, uh, like, feverish diarrhea. That's the worst. Oh, yeah. If you're breaking a sweat just by sitting still in the can, like. Yeah. That's fucking oh, bad. Oh, God. You ever had food poisoning? You ever had poisoning? Not definitively. I've had, like, just stomach bugs that lasted for, yeah. like, only six hours or so, and so I've just kind of assumed it was food poisoning. I'm ca- I'm talking about being an ignorant fuck and trying to cook a fucking uh, you know uh, a sausage on the grill and not cooking it all the way like a fucking like uh, bratwurst. There was uh, one time I uh, I was cooking a bratwurst on um, the grill and I thought I had cooked it all the way. So I thought, oh, I'm good. All right, let's eat this fucking bratwurst. I can't wait to eat. Ah, it smells so good. Mmm, bratwurst. Uh, I think it was like 3 o'clock, 4 o'clock in the morning. Like, I sprang up, like, in bed. Like, I was in bed. I just sprang up. And I was just like, oh, my God. My stomach is just, like, fucking turning. And just, like, ugh. Just that sickness in your head. And just, like, you're just blowing up the fucking toilet and shit. It was fucking hell. Like... Food poisoning is like one of the worst feelings ever in the fucking world. Not like cooking uh, a meat to its proper <laughs> temperature <laughs> and your body's just like, well, you fucked up. Fuck you. And it's horrible. Oh, my God. It's yeah. absolute hell. I, I've undercooked a brat before and taken one, took one bite into it. And I was like, this isn't right. <laughs> yeah. I wish I would have said that. Yeah, so I, I think I tend to, I tend to go for more well done than than rare, unless it's like a really nice cut of steak, and then I'm not so worried yeah. about it being pink oh, in the yeah, middle. Exactly. Yeah, I like uh, I like my steaks. Uh, I like my steaks medium rare. I'm I God, I like I like them juicy. You know, I like the nutrients still in them. You know. Oh yeah. Yeah. I I went to. Uh, a friend's wedding last Saturday and had filet mignon. Oh, oh. oh. Dude, it was so tender you could cut it with a fork. Yes, it was oh, incredible. <laughs> I love, I love, I love a great filet mignon. Um, and I also love like being. Uh, see, here in the Midwest, it's like we don't get great seafood. It's like you have to, you have to either, you know, you have to be near the ocean to get great seafood. Like. I've had like the best crab cakes I ever had. Like I've never been like out east, like uh, like you know, like Maine and all that shit. But like I've been down to Florida, 
and had some great crab cakes. You know, it's like you get, fucking here. It's like you get shrimp and like sometimes sometimes when you get shrimp here in the Midwest, it's like they're huge, like jumbo shrimp. And then like you go back to the same fucking restaurant, same seafood place a couple months later and you order the same shrimp. It's like fucking like popcorn shrimp. It's like, are you fucking kidding me? Like, what the fuck? I just, I was just here. I was literally just here a few months ago, and these are jumbo-sized shrimp. And now I order the exact same shrimp, and it's like popcorn shrimp. It's like, what the fuck? I don't know. I, yeah. I that, that's one thing I love about like uh, I got a buddy who lives down in Florida, and like when I'm down there, he's got like there's like fish markets and shit, and you'll just go to the fish market, and fucking you can just. Right there, you pick out like what you want. You, you just get what you want, and you go home, and you can like fucking throw it on the grill. And it's like it's 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 fresh. It's like literally almost as it's almost coming like right out of the ocean. Like by the time we get it here in the Midwest, like it's fucking been on a truck for who knows how the fuck how long. And it's 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 so different. And so it's like it's hard to eat fucking <laughs> seafood in the Midwest. <laughs> The best really? shrimp I ever had was at a, a Chinese restaurant in Chicago. Really? And it was like a legit Chinese restaurant, like where there was like a maitre d' that was dressed really nice. Yeah. The 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 wait the maitre d' actually translated your order into Mandarin, and the waiter was like writing it down in the Chinese script. Oh, nice. It was and yeah, it was awesome. And there was these huge round tables with the big lazy Susan in the middle and i remember i ordered country fried rice and it came out in like this just giant bowl and it had pork chicken and butterfly shrimp that was like the size of racquetballs it was so good i've yet to have fried rice that has come close to that uh see that's what sucks like when you hit the pinnacle yeah (laughs) yeah you like like you eat something so and you can't you can't erase it from your brain you're like ah it'll never live up to that It'll never live up to that. Oh my god! Like that's that's just as good as it gets. So yeah, I don't know. Like I I uh, I'm always chasing like the like the good uh, the good burger. I, I love. Uh, I don't. I, fuck McDonald's. McDonald's is garbage. Yeah, McDonald's is garbage. But like when I do go to a restaurant, it's hard for me not to order like the uh, the burger. I, I love a I love a good burger. Yeah. And, you know, and if I can find a good burger somewhere, because it's like, it's one of the I don't like to go to McDonald's in order like, oh, I'll take the dub, the double quarter pounder. Um, that's not a real burger. That's just not. It is. It's garbage. It's like, give me something that's like, you know, like maybe like an eighty-five fifteen beef or yeah. something like that, to where it's it's not going to be super greasy, but it's also not going to be dry. Like if you're having some lean, you know, like uh, ninety-three yeah. or something like that. Put and, it on. Uh, pretzel bun. That's what um, I was just gonna say. I was gonna say yes. we, um, uh, Lindsay always gets pretzel buns, and so yeah. then as the the burgers are almost done, um, I'll butter the buns and then throw those on the grill so the bottoms of them get a little bit toasted. And... Oh man, I like it. I like it when they give it to you to like, like you know like the the burgers just come off. It's come off the grill or whatever the fuck. But they, they they've got like uh, whatever kind of like uh, toppings, like whatever slaw, like a cold slaw or like lettuce or whatever, and it's still cold. It's still cold. So like you could, you bite into it, you you get hot and you get cold all at one time. Yeah, you get all that <sighs> crunch from the 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 iceberg lettuce that's on it. And... 
I'm not talking about your fucking <sighs> fuck you. I, I get it. Yeah, McDonald's with their McDLT. Do you remember that fucking bullshit? Do you remember that? I used to. I, I'll be honest with you. I used to love the McDLT. You remember the McDLT? What the hell is a DLT? McDLT. Uh, back in the day, McDonald's made a sandwich called the McDLT. And the McDLT. I'll, I'll tell you about another sandwich here in a second. But they made a McDLT. <laughs> McDLT came in a styrofoam. It came in like a styrofoam kind of like fucking uh, package or whatever the fuck. And you, on one side, you had the burger and the bun. And on the other side of the styrofoam package, the, enclo- the styrofoam enclosure, you had uh, the lettuce and the tomato. So you had on one side, the hot stays hot. <laughs> on the other side of the styrofoam, the cold stays cold, right? Uh-huh. That's, that, that, that's basically what styrofoam does. It keeps hot, hot. And it keeps cold, cold. So when you got the make DLT, you kind of put it together. You put it together. So you get you get you get the one side you pop it open you get the hot side you get the cold side you put them together so you get you put it together and then you eat it. I used to love the McDLT when I was a kid. Yeah, I don't remember that at all. Google it. Google it. It's a toy. <laughs> it's, a, it's it's a burger. This is back. This is way back in the fucking days. This is like eighties and shit. Like they had uh, McDonald's had the McDLT. Um, you remember the McLean? Nope. McDonald's used to have the McLean. It was a, a, a fucking low-fat burger. It was called the McLean. <laughs> I used to work at McDonald's. T- trust me. We used to, we used to make uh, we used to make the McLeans. <laughs> Check this shit out. <laughs> we used to make the McLeans. And nobody would fucking order these fucking things, right? And then, like, these things have been sitting in the fucking thing, like, in the... Uh, you have these little burger bins. Yeah. They'd stick them in, right? And they'd sit there and they'd stay warm or whatever. And uh, somebody, some asshole would come in and order McLean. And we didn't want to put down a fresh McLean. So we'd have an old McLean in there. So what do we do with the old McLean that's like dried and looks like a fucking like hockey puck? <laughs> we'd take the old dry McLean and we'd throw it back on the grill with like the uh, juices. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like the other burgers and we'd like fry it up a little bit get a little hot you know get it all piping hot again you know re-inject it with some fucking new juice <laughs> <laughs> and then we'd, then we'd send it back out on its way there you go asshole that's what you get for fucking ordering a McLean shit well I'm gonna eat healthy so I'm gonna go to McDonald's <laughs> Yeah. Can we, honey, let's get the McLeans. <laughs> <laughs> All right. We're, we're on our diet, honey. We're, let's get the McLeans. All right. Let's McLean it up. Oh, fuck you. It's still got bread. Jesus. People are you fucking f- weird. McLeans. Gosh, I didn't. McDonald's, you, you remember, McDonald's used to have a burger of the month. You remember that shit? A burger of the month? No. Yeah, dude. When I fr- I worked there, I worked at McDonald's from when I was like sixteen to like when I was nineteen. And they used to have burgers of the month. Every month there'd be a different burger. I used to love that shit, man. It's fucking awesome. What are we gonna eat this month? Oh man, <laughs> weird. They uh, they, like uh, they like 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 the Big Mac sauce, you know? You the Big Mac sauce? They put you know you know you like you know you don't like those caulking guns? Yeah. Like you, like you buy caulk. Like you go to the fucking like Lowe's and shit. Yeah. <laughs> and they get like the caulking guns, and you're like, ah, you know, I'm gonna, 
I'm going to make sure that my windows are uh, sealed for the winter by some caulk. And uh, that's basically that's what they give you for the, the Big Macs. It's a fucking caulking gun with that fucking like Thousand Island dressing sauce, <laughs> and you shoot that on top of the bun. <laughs> I remember that. I worked at Hardee's when I was in high school, and it was like it was like a big funnel that would hold the ketchup and the mustard. Yeah, it was oh, like it, yeah. it had like a, a handle off to the side that you could yeah. like pull the trigger on it, and it would just put it down in like five little dots. Yes, yes, it was so I weird. Totally... Oh, yeah, it was so horrific to watch that thing. That like ketchup smell. It would come up out of the sink when you were hitting that with the spray thing. Horrifying. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I uh, McDonald's had the exact same thing for like the uh, the ketchup and the mustard that they had there, but like for the sauce, like the Big Macs and uh, the, I think it was like mayo. They had like these fucking tubes and that fucking caulking gun. <laughs> <laughs> you can imagine mayo coming out of one of those. How would it look any different than freaking like window caulk? You know? Yeah, yeah. So Do you remember? Gross. Did you? Did you guys work with uh, real onions or dehydrated onions? We had both. Um, I think remember? we had real ones, but I don't know. I I was like 16 at the time or 17 uh, when I was like, working there. Quarter Pounders had like the, the real onions, but like the Big Macs and the cheeseburgers had the dehydrated onions. Yeah. So basically you would take like uh, – there was like a, uh, um, a bag of like dehydrated onions – and uh, you would uh, fill up this uh, steel, um, I don't know how to explain it, like this steel. It's like the, the stainless steel thing that could go in like a hot or a cold tray. Right, like yeah. one of those ex- things. Yeah. Exactly. And then you would you would pour water into it and then as well as the dehydrated onions and let it sit in the cooler and that that would hydrate the onions and that's what you would – Basically, like, grab with your hands and, you know, fling on top of your Big Macs and your cheeseburgers and hamburgers. And, um... That's so bizarre. It is bizarre. It's so fucking weird. And, but, like, it's, but what's also weird about that, Joe, is, like, like that's what, like, parents are raising their kids on. And, like, that's what I have a taste for. Yeah. Because, like, I was, I was fucking raised on Happy Meals. Same like, here. I, I remember going to fucking McDonald's. Mom and dad would go, you know, what do you want? Oh, yeah, cheeseburger Happy Meal. And we'd go there, and I'd get my cheeseburger Happy Meal, and I'd get my little toy. And uh, I'd eat my cheeseburger with the dehydrated onions. And as much as – and I worked there. I fucking worked there, dude. But I still have a taste for those fucking dehydrated onions. It doesn't matter. You can't. You can't. You can't, you can't stop that. Oh, like dude, I still, as I still, much as I know McDonald's is gross, like if I start thinking about that double cheeseburger that's on the dollar yeah. menu, my mouth will start to water. Oh, yeah, that double cheeseburger. That double cheeseburger. Got to make, you know, it, like I know, and like after working there, like I know if they've seasoned the meat or not. Like I'll, le- like I'll eat the burger and I'll be like, oh, somebody didn't season these, season the meat. <laughs> They didn't season the meat. This meat, uh, it, this meat needs seasoned. Like after, like after it, you know, after you, uh, after like the, you know, you got the clamp, you got the clamp, and you, you throw down the clamp, and it heats the meat. Mm-hmm. That you're supposed to season it. It's like a salt and pepper mix. Yep. Oh yeah, ground beef without salt and pepper is not right. Yeah. Well, sometimes they don't, they don't salt and pepper it. Mm-hmm. And like I know, I know because I've worked there. If they've, if they've seasoned it or not. 
And it's like, oh, my God. You know, like if they seasoned it, like, oh, man, I'm fucking done for. Because I, I love I, – I don't know. It's like it's – like, it's fucked up how fast food can also be comfort food because, like, you kind of grew up on it in a way, some of it, which is fucked up. Like, like uh, my mom, you know, she's had dishes that we grew up with when I was a kid, and that's way healthier. But, like, we also – I mean, there was also times where, like, mom didn't feel like cooking that night, so we'd stop at, you know, Hardee's or McDonald's or, you know, wherever and, and grab those things, so – Oh, yeah. Every trip into Cedar Rapids with my mom when I was a kid, we'd usually either get McDonald's on the way into town or the way mm. out of town, and it wouldn't be that uncommon to get Dairy Queen on the way home. And she'd always let me get the biggest blizzard. And it's like, geez, no wonder I was like fucking 270 pounds when I graduated high school. <laughs> Dude, it's, like, hey. it's like, I don't want to blame that on my on my mom, because I yeah. mean, obviously I had an issue with with saying no to food but it's mm. like i i really didn't grow up in in a in a household that taught me like correct portions and in all that shit that that you know is a good thing to know i mean that's what a healthy relationship with food is, is understanding that it's just a energy for your body and yeah you know do you want to be giving yourself high octane fuel or do you want to be giving yourself garbage right it fucked, but it's it is fucked up though when like uh, fast food restaurants like turn food into a game. Like, hear me out. Hey, come on, uh, come on down to Mc- you, you like Monopoly? You want to play Monopoly and eat some cheeseburgers? <laughs> <laughs> you want, maybe want a million, want a million dollars? That's fucked up, man. That's fucked up. Cause like, I remember when they did like the the first year they did the Monopoly game with mcdonald's dude that was fun it was addictive and it was fun like we were we were going on like vacation uh out of state to different like you know different states and shit so we would stop like like when you're on vacation you eat out a lot you know it's not like you know you don't you don't you don't uh you don't have your own kitchen so you're not making you're not you know mom's not cooking meals and shit you're you're going to restaurants and you're going to fast food places and uh, that first year that they un- they unveiled the Monopoly game at McDonald's, like we're stopping in every single state and getting those. We got like the little fucking Monopoly board and we're getting like the little stickers and we're slapping them up on the on the fucking Monopoly board, trying to trying to fucking win the you know five thousand dollars a week for the rest of your life or whatever the fuck you know what car they're trying to give away. And, um, it, oh man, it's like some of these contests, you know, even like the happy meals. Hey, yeah. You, you know, like, Hey kids, you want this new toy? You got to eat this garbage first. (laughs) (laughs) You know, it's like, I don't know, man. I don't know. Like even like, uh, what was it? Like the book it program. Did you have book it? Doesn't sound familiar. We had a book it program here. Uh, basically it was like, uh, Hey kids, read a fucking book. Um, and then you get like a star, uh, that you get to put on this little book it program page. Like, uh, you read so many books, uh, at the end of the day, you get a pizza party. You go, you go to, uh, take this, uh, take this sheet of paper with all these stars on it 
and take it to Pizza Hut, and they'll give you a free personal pan pizza. Okay, yeah, I remember that. Yeah, it was called the Book It Program, is what we called it. And it's like, uh, hey, kids, read a bunch of books, and uh, here's, a fucking, here's a fucking pizza. <laughs> <laughs> you know, like, hey, kids, you want to get fat? Here you go. <laughs> Educate your mind. Now, uh... Have you seen that meme that says, you are not a dog. Do not reward yourself with food. Right, exactly. Here's a treat. Here's your treat, you fat fuck. All right. There you go. Education. All right, I've learned something. I've been reading. Here you go, you fat fuck. Here you go. Here's your fucking pepperoni and sausage. And it's like, oh, man. It's just like, uh, I don't know. Fucking uh, same thing with yeah the book it program read read and feed and then uh, I don't know man it's crazy it's like I you know like I always thought to myself like if I ever had kids like I would just like I wouldn't introduce them to um, I wouldn't introduce them to McDonald's or Steak and Shake or you know these fast food places like my dog my dog I've never willingly fed my dog people food he's always eating dog food he doesn't know the taste of people food like one time he he ate a subway sandwich one time it was my ex-girlfriend's sandwich she left it out like a dumb bitch Uh, (laughs) i can say that because she was a (laughs) horrible relationship let me just say it ended horribly but um she left a she left a subway sandwich out and he like ate her cold cut combo uh, good boy. Yeah, you ate that bitch's sandwich, didn't you? <laughs> she was a cunt, right? Um, so anyway, he ate her sandwich, and that's the only time. But like, I've never fed him people food because I felt, you know, pe- people food is like high in sodium. It's not good for dogs, and so that's all he really knows is like. And so he doesn't like when I sit down and I eat like whatever the hell I'm eating. He doesn't sit there and beg and look at me the whole time like it's some it's like some asshole. Like my sister, like she's got. You know, she had a dog and like she fed him, you know, like little scraps of people food. They can't people can't resist. I wonder what he would think like pork chops would taste like. (laughs) Yeah. Do you want a dog that's going to stare at you every time you eat? (laughs) Exactly. I wonder what he would. I wonder what he would think ice cream would taste like. Let's give him some vanilla ice cream. (laughs) <laughs> he's eating vanilla ice cream that's cute and it's like the next thing you know it's like you, yeah you have a dog that's sitting there begging the entire time when you're eating like when I when, when I eat Benny is just like chilling he's like doing his thing you know and so um, I don't know so I always thought to myself like if I ever had kids like oh I'm never gonna like feed them like McDonald's or anything like that but yeah my boys <laughs> didn't have McDonald's until they were pretty old and it was actually my mom that started taking them yeah it's like, it's like a, they really like it i'm like yeah no shit <laughs> <laughs> that's that's what moms are for right that's what grandmothers are for and so now yeah they they always know what the happy meal prize is and they're super stoked to get that and it's like and they always just get like the the four-piece nugget and then they get you know like apple slices and like a chocolate yeah. milk with it so it's not near as bad as when i was a kid i get cheeseburger extra cheeseburger fries right you know and but um so we have a a shih tzu named emma she's 11 this year and we never fed her people food 
and my dad, he got a golden retriever lab mix puppy that mm. s- somebody had just found this little, this cute little yellow lab dog just on a slide at a playground. Like somebody had just abandoned her there. And so mom and dad took her in and dad started treating this dog like it was the, the child that he truly wanted. Oh, wow. <laughs> like me and Jamie were already moved out. Like dad would sit on the couch eating a bowl of cereal and he would yeah. get a bowl like cereal on the spoon and feed it to Lizzie and then go right back to eating with the same spoon. Oh, it's wow. Like, dad, that's fucked up. Don't don't be that good of friends with your dog. <laughs> For the sake of everybody in the fucking room with you. Smearing peanut butter on his lips. (laughs) Like having the dog lick it off. Who the fuck knows? I don't know. (laughs) It's like, Dad, if you're listening, I love you, but you know that was fucked up. That's funny. (laughs) And Uh, so, but Dad had, Lizzie was like so babied that she wouldn't go out and pee unless he went out in the yard with her. Yeah. And so... It was getting to be winter, and Dad noticed that every time that they watched Emma, and Emma would just run out to the backyard and pee, Lizzie would just follow her. And so Dad's like, oh, well, maybe, you know, if if, if Emma can just stay here for a couple months, and, she, and she'll help get Lizzie potty trained. And at the time, our youngest kid was starting to be way too rough with Emma. And so we're like, okay, this will probably be a win-win situation. No, he starts feeding my fucking dog people food, and now she's ruined. Uh uh-huh. See, yeah, it's uh, she stares at me when I eat now. It's so yeah. frustrating. No, no, you can't. Uh, yeah, it's you can't do that. Like my sister, uh, she had a dog. He, uh, he passed away, you know, a few years ago. But his name was Chewy, and Chewy would uh, like literally like uh, sit up, um, like a, like a, you ever see like a meerkat? You know, like a meerkat. Yeah, yeah I I had a friend who had a dog that would yeah. do that. Yeah, and that's what Chewy would do. I loved Chewy. Oh, Chewy was a uh, um, he was a Lhasa Apsa, and I loved Chewy. Oh yeah, but I hated Chewy when I was trying to fucking enjoy a meal. <laughs> would he I do mean, anything I, I, with his front paws when he stood up like that, or just hold him still? He'd hold him still, man. He'd hold him still, and he would snort. <laughs> you know, <laughs> like Jesus. All right, man. But you know, it's. My friend's dog would sit up like that to beg, but he would move his front paws up and down like he was waving oh, really? at you. It was so cute. <laughs> and it was like, <laughs> how do you not give Rascal food when he's doing that? <laughs> Me and my sister, we would always sit, we'd always look at each other like when we were younger and we would talk like, hey, what if we, what if we just like left out like so much food that it would never be enough for the dog? Cause like we'd never seen a dog like stop eating people food. Like we, like we, cause like we weren't like assholes. Like we wouldn't like give like a dog like just like a lot of people food. We just like you know here's a nibble, right? Yeah. Like when we were kids, we just here's a nibble. Hey, enjoy this. Like uh, here's bologna. Here's like a little slice of bologna. Enjoy it. Here's a little slice of uh, fucking craft uh, Velveeta or whatever fucking cheese. But like, like we we always wondered like. Like what? Like what if we left out like a big old fucking block of cheese, or a big old, like how much food is enough? Like when would this fucking asshole stop eating? They wouldn't. 
The, yeah, that's a the thing. They and we eat all until they under. barf, and then they'll they, eat the barf. Uh, yeah, would they eat until they barfed, or like their stomachs exploded? <laughs> like we always kind of wondered to ourselves, like, you know, like in an alternate universe where we could still, like sit back and like watch that scenario unfold. Like you know, here, here's like I, you know, like uh, fucking like. You know, what if I ordered like, you know, a hundred dollars worth of Arby's food and just like threw it on the floor <laughs> in the dog would town? Like what the fuck would happen? That dog would definitely eat it all. I know. And that's a f- <laughs> You know what it might do though? And after a while it maybe it'd be like, you know what, I'm getting very full on all this bread and it just starts nosing through the bread yes. and all the roast beef. I would love I would love to just see I w- see that's like that's the part that I wanted to see. I wanted to get to the part where the dog would just like just be like, you know, fuck Arby's, I'm done. <laughs> or like, just like stop. I just wanted this kind of like, like where's like the point where the dog would stop eating this shit? Like, I never our, really uh, thought of that before. Oh, me and my sister did. <laughs> I would, we, we, we would, I would bring it up to her all the time. I could probably, I could probably call her right now and be like, hey, Melissa, do you remember where we talk about like when would they fucking stop eating fucking people food? Dogs love people food. Like dog food. Dog food. Seriously. Like dog. Yeah. You know, I, I, I can't blame dogs for not wanting to eat that shit. Like it. Oh God. It smells like shit. I can't imagine it tastes any better. I don't know. Okay. So the next time I feed Emma, I should have my phone in my other hand just so I can video the look that she gives me when I, when she's like looking at me like all hungry and then I pour the food in her bowl and she turns around and give me a look like, really? Yeah. This? Yeah. And it's like, what do you want from me? Come on, I buy you very small bags of dog food, so it's always fresh. I'm not my dog dry bullshit out of a fifty pound bag. Right, my dog gets like it's not like it's not like I'm buying my dog like cheap shit either. Like my dog eats like fucking like a limited ingredient diet, protein first, like fucking like you know like my bags of dog food are like you know like fifty bucks a bag, you know like the large bags. Like this is not like cheap fucking dog food either that i'm getting like this is expensive shit and um you know i don't know it's like uh you know the dry shit he's not a big fan of like it'll sit there for a while like i'll have to like throw i'll have to throw in like the 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 wet food every once in a while to get him to kind of eat it so i don't know but uh yeah, Emma just had a haircut, so I could probably give her wet food, but she's a Shih Tzu, so like when her beard gets longer, like she'd get that all in her beard, it'd be horrific. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> she did like a quarter of a bath after her meal. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Jesus Christ, we've been talking forever. We've talked about nothing. We have. It's been great. <laughs> yeah. And you know what? Yeah. Gafford's going to shit kittens because you beat his record. Really? This is officially the longest episode. Fuck you, Gafford. <laughs> is that what he's concerned about? Just yeah, how long he can yap? Oh yeah, him and Rebecca have been talking about like, like she needs to beat his record, and then he wants to beat her record ah, again. I fuck the and both like, guys. I'm like, circles. I don't have an ergonomic chair. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> God. All right. I love it. As long as I beat Gaffer, that's all I'm happy with. <laughs> Fucking yappered. Yeah. Yapping. Something, right? Handsome, talented yeah. bastard. 
I know. (laughs) Making comic books and all this other shit. I I got zero talents. He's all making comic books and that's a fucking great read too. Yeah, I know it was really good. I couldn't I couldn't write a comic book. You know, like mine would be like I would I would stuff too much shit in there. You know, if I ever read a comic, if I ever wrote a comic book, it would just be like the longest, like most convoluted piece of shit you ever read. (laughs) (laughs) You know, like how do you how do you how do you do that in a little bubble? Make it to the point, you know, do that in like 20, 25 pages. How do you do that? Me, I I mean, a lot of preparation beforehand, right? With outline and all that shit. Yeah, absolutely. I, I don't know. I would just pack way too much in it. People would be like, what the fuck? So would your comic be like a dystopian future with the robots in it? I don't know. No, probably not. Like, I would do something humorous. I would try to do something humorous if I ever did, like, a comic book. There would be there would definitely be jokes. I'd want to, like, inject a little bit of, like, my personality and humor into it. Dystopian and, and robots. I, I love those stories. Like, <laughs> I grew up being a big fan of like you know James Cameron and Terminator, mm-hmm. and I love post-apocalyptic kind of stories and shit. But like, if I did do something like that, I definitely th- like throw some humor in there. But I don't know if people, I don't know if people would get it. I don't know if I'd get it after after I read it. I'd be like, Isn't that weird, Isn't that weird, <laughs> like how your humor and like how you change it over the years, like what yeah. you think is funny. Like, you know, 10 years ago is not funny now. I don't know. I, I laugh at really, really inappropriate shit because, like, I just don't have, like, you, you would have to actually, like, insult me on a personal level for me to get offended by something. But if, if somebody's just swinging for the fences and they're trying to make a joke and it ends up sounding horribly offensive, I'll fucking laugh yeah. at it anyway. Oh my god! I, if you if you ever like if you ever want to see if you're kind of if you're the kind of person that can be offended by something if you like comedy if like if somebody's like uh, eh nothing offends me I can I I I'm pretty edgy I can listen to anything nothing offends me I want you to fucking uh, I want you to go to Netflix and I want you to watch Anthony Jeselnik's comedy special on <laughs> I love him Oh my god me too Have you watched the Ari Shafir one yet It's right on that same level. Oh, no, I haven't. Okay, Ari Shafir, double negative. It's on Netflix. Yeah. And, dude, the first part of it, like, he's got this bit where he's talking about how it must crush your soul if you have a kid and the kid ends up being Bucktooth. (laughs) (laughs) So, so bad. (laughs) But I can't Uh, help but laugh hysterically at it. But, yeah, good shit. (laughs) That's awesome. Yeah, I, I don't know. It's like some people are like, yeah, I can. Anything's funny, and then it's like, uh, well, watch this Anthony Jeselnik special, and then get back to me. <laughs> I miss his show that was on uh, Comedy Central. Was it the Jeselnik Offensive? Yeah, they. Uh, it got uh, uh, Comedy Central. They asked him to like tone it down. Uh... They asked him to tone it down. He had. Uh, if you watch his special on um, Netflix, he kind of talks about it, like. Uh, he did this. Um, he did this bit where. Um, <laughs> is this his thoughts and prayers one? <laughs> you know, he did this bit where, like, he was like, people, uh, people kill, sh- people kill sharks all year long. Like, people go out and they fish, and they spear sharks and they kill sharks all year long. So, like, when a shark actually kills a human, he 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 thinks that it's like it should be a celebration. <laughs> 
<laughs> so like, he had this whole bit. <laughs> he had this whole fucking bit on his show where this guy, I think it was like in New Zealand, got um, killed by like a hammerhead shark or some shit. And so he like threw this guy's picture up on the screen and had these women in bikinis or bathing suits with shark heads on come out and like dance <laughs> as as he threw this guy's picture up on screen and kind of like celebrated his <laughs> celebrated the shark <laughs> and killing this guy. <laughs> yeah, dude, it was fucked up. And like New, Ze- <laughs> New Zealand hates Anthony Jezelback. <laughs> and, and, and so, uh, yeah, man, it was, uh, it's fucked up, man. You can, uh, they actually, they aired it one time and they pulled it off of comedy central. But if you go on YouTube, you can actually watch it, man. It's fucked up, man. I, I respect the guy. Like, uh, he, uh, he made a joke about, uh, Eric Clapton's kid. On yes. And I, I, I mean, I'm, I'm listening to it and I'm, I'm, I've, I've, got my hand over my mouth and I'm like, Oh my God, I can't believe he's saying this. But like, it's like where dude, I don't know. It's one of those things where I think, I think comedy, I think comedy should be one of those things where it's off limits. Like you should be able to say whatever the fuck you want to say. Yeah. I think comedy is subjective. And I think if you don't like it, you can turn it off and you can just fuck off. If you don't like it, you can just turn it off and fuck off. Yeah, well, and there's something to be said in the way that he crafted that joke about Eric Clapton's yeah. kid because he just yeah. threw it out as a reference, right? And then he went in to talk about what made that joke funny and how special it was that people <laughs> got it because of all the different things you had to know. He's like, you had to know, you had to know about his kid and what a clumsy little guy he was. <laughs> was like, oh shit! It's <laughs> fucking brilliant, man. It's brilliant. It is. It is. I don't know. I don't know. It's one of those things. I think like comedy, you know, like there's there's things you don't do. But I think in comedy, I think, you know, people uh, criticizing Louis C.K. and uh, for some of the things that he said and some of the, you know, <clears throat> I don't know. I, I, uh, I got to You may not find it funny. And uh, like there's comics where like they say things and I think they're pushing the envelope and I don't think it's funny. But I also, on the flip side, I got to respect them. I got to respect them for pushing that envelope and and going there. And, um, you know, I don't know. Well, and so. for having the balls to get up on a stage and yeah. do jokes like that in front of yep. a crowd and be like, yeah. how's this going to be received? Yeah. Just say, <laughs> fuck it. Fuck it. You know, it's you can go you can go to you can go to one city and they'll love it. And then you go to a different region, like, oh, fuck, here, I, I'm going to tell a 9-11 joke in New York, like Daniel Tosh, and fucking, like, have people fucking, like, hate you, you know? And it's like, uh, it, it, that's that's the thing. It's like, that's the risk he takes. Like, I, I, 9-11 is not funny. It's not funny. But if somebody if somebody can take something that's not funny and make you laugh about it, that's a special talent. Yeah, it it's totally a, is. It's a, and so that's what that's what these comics are trying to do. They're trying to take something that's not funny sometimes and make you laugh about it. Make that uncomfortable that uncomfortable laugh. Like I can't believe I'm laughing at this. Fuck you, fucking asshole! You're making me laugh about this horrible thing. <laughs> yeah. God damn. 
sometimes those are the best laps though like the like you shouldn't be laughing about this like oh my god this is a taboo laugh why am i laughing about this you asshole <laughs> <laughs> you're me laugh about this now i grew up listening to fucked up comedy like that i, I remember listening to sam kinnison when i was just a yeah. way little kid yeah george sam carlin's kinnison. earlier specials and sam kinnison is uh his uh father was a pastor around like where i was raised in peoria and I went. Uh, one of my uh, one of my friends, his mom went to church with uh, young Sam Kinison. <laughs> she said that. Wow. Yeah, she said that he was a uh, he was a little hellraiser back then too. He was gonna be a uh, he was gonna be a preacher at one time. He yeah, was, I had heard that. Yeah. Uh, that that one special his though, where he did the the homosexual necrophiliacs. Yeah. Oh my god! <laughs> or the the. The don't send food to the people in the desert. Send them luggage. Yes. And he's like, we got we got deserts in America. We don't fucking live in them. <laughs> oh my god! You know, at the time, nobody was doing shit like that. Richard Pryor's from Peoria. I mean, Peoria, Illinois. Like that's where I was born. You know, so like, he's yeah. another of the greats. Another of the greats. It's like. Um, I don't know, man. It's just like I love. I, I love like uh, some of the comics that I love. And I'm like my favorite right now is Bill Burr. Um, yeah, I would. Yeah, he's my favorite right now too. And I also I respect Daniel Tosh because he's not in the interview circuit. Like you're not gonna you're not gonna go to YouTube and see like Daniel Tosh on the Tonight Show or Daniel Tosh on like whatever. I mean, he's just like he really Daniel does his own thing. He does his own thing. He does not give a fuck. He doesn't got a podcast. He, no. He, I yeah. guarantee you he's not doing morning radio before no. he goes and does. He just He's like, hey, I'm Daniel Tosh. I'm going to be here then. And it just fucking sells out. Yeah, exactly. I've seen him twice. I've seen him twice in person. Like I've gone to both times he's come to Peoria. I've seen him. And I, the guy fucking slays me. He fucking slays me. I, and I respect him for not, like not doing the tonight show or you know fucking like you know jimmy kimmel and conan and all that shit it's just like one of those things where you see like a like a lot of comics kind of like sell out and i'm not saying they're selling out like yeah they want to get their shit fucking out there but like tosh is like that's that's his image it's like who he fucking is and like for him to be on like if he was on the tonight show it would just it would cheapen who he is in my opinion like and i have nothing against comics going on the tonight show like if it wasn't for the tonight show i would have never have seen like you know like the first time i fucking saw like drew carey was on the tonight show the first time i saw fucking kevin meany uh you know rest in peace kevin meany but like first time i saw him was on the tonight show like there was a lot of great comics coming up uh that i first saw on like the tonight show so but um, that's that's not Daniel Tosh. He doesn't play that fucking game, and he'll let you know that he's not a sellout like that. So, I don't know. Bill Burr's specials are consistently fucking excellent. Do you listen to his podcast? Um, occasionally, I I tend to listen to it more when it's not in one of the sports seasons. Dude, I don't like, even give a shit. Like I I don't <laughs> even, like I don't care about sports either, dude. All I care about is basketball. But he rarely talks about basketball. He's always talking about football and hockey and fucking baseball and all that shit. I know nothing about it. But just to hear him talk about it, he's just so goddamn passionate. It's just, it's fucking hilarious. I don't even know, like, 
half of the people and half of the shit that he's talking about. But I'll fucking sit there and fucking laugh. It's just because like Bill Bird just fucking slays me, dude. The way that he does that podcast where it's all by himself and like the different things yeah. that he does. And I love the weird things that he does with his ads. <laughs> he makes the ads oh, yeah. fun for him. Oh, <laughs> like, God, God. Like uh, me undies. Me undies. <laughs> It's like, what the fuck was that? <laughs> the MeUndies ad kills me. Oh, the jingle that he came up with? Oh, yeah. MeUndies. MeUndies. <laughs> no more sweaty. Balls, ba-doom, boom. <laughs> <laughs> fucking genius. Oh, it fucking slays me. Uh, oh, my God. I, it's like... <laughs> yeah, he lost, he lost an ad recently because of... Uh, they got pissed off at, like... Uh, some of like him going off on the rails and saying all this shit. I can't remember. I, I don't know which one it was, but like I heard another podcast uh, comment on it that he lost one of his uh, sponsors. Wow. Yeah. I, yeah. I like it when a podcaster is able to take ads like that and make them funny. Like we can definitely tell that the content was not written like that from the company. Right. Like right. um, Kevin Smith used to do one a long time ago for Blue Apron, and he'd say, "If I could fuck Blue Apron in the mouth, I would." <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> like, That's fucking brilliant. <laughs> That's the way it should be. It shouldn't be just basically like reading, you know, like whatever the hell they want you to say. Like, oh, here's our bullet points, and just agree with them. You know, mm-hmm. uh, Jake and I, I. I recently got like an email from a. Uh, it was a uh, um, headphone company, Studio, Studio Sweden, and Studio Sweden was like, uh, you know, we're looking at uh, doing uh, some advertising with different podcasts and trying to get our brand out there. Blah blah blah. We were interested in you guys talking about our product on your podcast, and uh, I, 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 I immediately replied. Not immediately. Let me be honest with you. I, I let the email sit there for about three or four days. And then I they responded to them and I said, is there any way that I can listen to the headphones before I talk about them on our podcast? Well, yeah. And they said, yes, of course. We want you to be familiar with our product before you talk about it on your podcast. So let, let us send you um, a free pair of headphones through the mail. And you can listen to them before you talk about them on your podcast. And I was like, okay, cool. So they sent me the – so I, I, then I emailed Jake. I uh, messaged Jake and I said, Jake, I said, you know, you got Studio Sweden. They're wanting to they want us to promote them on our podcast. <clears throat> what do we uh, – you know, what do you, what do you think? He's like, is there any way that we can listen to them first? And I was like, dude. <laughs> Dude, I just like I screenshot like the I screenshot the email that I already sent them. And he was like, oh, my God, we're on the same page. So, uh, you know, I they sent me the headphones and I've actually gotten a chance to like hook them up through Bluetooth and listen to them myself. And so, like, I've agreed to like uh, before we officially sign on with them, I've agreed to like uh, talk about them for at least two episodes just that way that, that I agreed to do that just so we could uh, get the fucking headphones. But I can I can also I can I can say whatever the fuck I want to about them. I can I, I can I can get on our podcast and tell everybody if, if they suck or if they're good, which is nice. Yeah, that is good, too, because then it's letting you be your authentic self, which yes. is really I mean, at this point, that's what your audience is expecting from Brian. Well, <laughs> Authent- <you> know, authenticity. <laughs> I had I had one up box contact us. 
And one up box is like, you know, we want you to promote our box on your show. You know, they're kind of like a, they're not like Loot Crate or Nerd Block. They're kind of like, uh, they're not like the big boys. They kind of like, it's like a second tier bullshit, you Was know? Was that the one that you guys talked about a, like a, a long time ago? Yes. Okay. I still yeah. have I, I haven't promoted them on the show in probably six, seven months. Yeah, I haven't heard you mention them in a while. I still get, dude, I could show you fucking emails. I, <laughs> I literally just got a box two days ago. We still get boxes from them, and I haven't even mentioned them on the show in like six or seven months. But it's, it's because it's because it's all knockoff stuff, and we we never have promoted them in a positive light on our show. That's what I was gonna bring up. Like you guys almost talked about uh, them, like uh, like the way Wayne's World would talk about his sponsors. Exactly. We had the the one month that the theme was like it was the Fallout box. Um, I guess Fallout is a video game, and I said. Uh, I th- on that episode, I was like, oh, my God, I wish the bottom would have fell out on this fucking box. <laughs> and just talking shit about our sponsor. And um, I mean, that's just, you know, that's just how it is. Like, I'm not going to go out of my way to, like, have people spend their hard earned money that they work for on um, something that I don't believe in. And I've I think it was actually last night I had three boxes that I hadn't opened and I've got like maybe two in the trunk still that I haven't opened in my car. But I opened up three that I had sitting out and it was I mean, it was just like I got like a there was like a Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles light up yo-yo and there. (laughs) I mean, I don't know. It's like it's garbage. It's like stuff that you could go to like Dollar General and like buy off like the off the pegs right there the dollar general like just like i don't know yeah shit toys yeah so like i mean i you know i'm not gonna go out of my way to tell like you know one up box hey you know you guys can stop sending this shit we haven't been taught we haven't talked about you in like a year <laughs> <laughs> if they want to keep sending stuff then fine be uh, you know go ahead and keep sending stuff but i'm not gonna tell our audience to to subscribe to one up box when you know, if it was like loop loot crate or like nerd block or whatever the fuck, and they're sending good shit out, I I might direct our audience there. But this one up box stuff is just this is like generic. <laughs> you know, like you know, like you know, like it's like you know, like you got transformers and then you got GoBots. Like this is like the GoBots of boxes. <laughs> It's like the great value brand or whatever. Yeah. Yeah, like exactly. Like you know, like you had GI Joe, you know, the real American hero, and then you had like uh I don't know, god like uh Hero Bob or something. I don't know. It's like you know, American Ranger and just generic fucking characters that just kind of look like GI Joe, but you knew they weren't GI Joe. You know? Yeah. Well, that's like. Have you seen that weird Chinese knockoff where it's like the Sense of Right League, and it's like supposed to be like Justice League, but like it's a bunch of fucked up characters that shouldn't even be in there. And one of them's like Shrek. <laughs> <laughs> it's so weird. That is messed up, man. <laughs> it's got like Shrek and a Transformer and like a Spider Man. It's like what the fuck? Yeah, I, I appreciate people like. Like, uh, you know, helping the show and like wanting to promote the show, but I don't want people to 
fucking purchase a a one up box when I I feel like the theme that month is is not anything anybody would want like like uh fuck like uh what is it like uh image skybound skybound has their like their own box now and they get like you can like get like a good box exactly like it depends on like the month but like oh let's say like oh it's saga month or it's like uh invincible month or whatever you know like if that's what you're into like i don't care like what they would send me that was saga if it was like a saga exclusive whatever the fuck i don't care what it is it could be like a saga exclusive fucking like uh tampon it could be like it could be an alana it could be an alana tampon i don't care i got it i love saga here's my alana tampon there we go i don't give a shit i no i i would happily display an alana tampon on my shelf i would be like yeah this is a very limited edition alana tampon from um from from saga this is from skybound and this I yeah, think, I think it goes without saying that that uh, it'd have wings, right? It would definitely have <laughs> <laughs> non-functioning, but it would have wings. <laughs> good one, sir. Thank you, thank you. I was proud of myself. Yeah, that was I have good. My moments. <laughs> All right, we, um, we got to this shit. Oh yeah. Oh, what? While we're on the saga. Um, subject yeah. real quick i bought the uh because you know they got like the saga gear or something that you can get where they got like a handful of different t-shirts and there's like the lion cat statue and stuff oh yeah they've I, got like they got like four different statues yeah they look oh, dude i want one of those lion cat statues yeah for my dad. there's the there, there's the uh, lion cat statue um the regular one with the like the green statue there's the one with blood on his mouth there's the gold statue there's like a pink statue um, and then there's a bunch of t-shirts. There's like the, uh, um, what is it? Um, the highest fuck shirt, the highest fuck shirt with a uh, ghost girl. What's her fucking name? What's her fucking name? The uh, girl that was, um, it was the writer dude's ex-wife that worked for the theater troupe. I just can't remember her name off the top of my head. Yeah. But the fucking, but uh, then there's, um, the, uh, Isabel's Isabel, the same shirt that Isabel was wearing. Yeah. Isn't, yeah. Isn't that it? Yeah. It was that, for that exactly. band. Right, that she really liked. <laughs> yeah, like, you um, can look at you can look any way you want. And she's like, well, I was wearing this shirt, and it was for my favorite band. Yeah, Saga's so uh, fucking good. But what I was gonna is, say about that shirt is, I love that shirt. It's beautiful, but I feel like I can't fucking wear it anywhere. I can't wear can't. it on my house because my kids will be like, "What's high as fuck?" All right. Like, well, wait till you're a teenager. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you can't wear it anywhere. Like, even a, I would wear it at a convention. That's at what I was convention. gonna say. <clears throat> yeah like if i go to c2e2 you guys will see me wearing my high as fuck shirt yeah definitely <laughs> worth that I, i've got a i got like a prince robot shirt that i got from a loot like a loot crate or whatever the fuck like a nerd block or something like that it's a prince robot shirt and that's pretty cool um i got a fiona staples signed um art book it's really cool um I don't know. I've got a few Saga-ish things. Damn it. You know what fucking, you know what pisses me off to this very day is Saga, Saga number one came out and they had like a limited edition C2E2 exclusive. And it had like a completely different cover to it. At the, okay, so 
Um, I was on eBay and I could either gotten that or I could have got like the Walking Dead number 100 issue. And they and it was limited edition number 100. They came out with a box of 100 and it was only 100 boxes that came out for the Walking Dead. It's like a limited edition issue of Walking Dead um in a box. It's like a uh so it came with like a uh a Lucille T-shirt, um, um, some exclusive covers for issue 100. Uh, it came with like I don't know, like a lithograph print and all this other bullshit. And then the box had like special art on it. So they're wow. like, so I was so so I could either get. I knew I had extra money, and I was like, okay, Brian, here's your here's your thing. Like you love Saga, you can either get like the C2E2 exclusive cover for saga or you can get like the walking dead number 100 limited to 100 of these boxes only 100 people in the whole world are gonna get these brian here's your what are you gonna what are you gonna do you gonna you, you gonna get the saga issue or are you gonna get like this walking dead box so i was like fuck it I, uh, only 100 i'm gonna get the walking dead thing I got the Walking Dead box. You know how much that fucking C2E2 saga issue is going for on eBay right now? I bet it's a shitload. It's over $1,000 easily. Mm. Over $1,000 easily. Do you know how much that fucking Walking Dead fucking box is going for? <laughs> Not nearly as much. Probably the same price that it cost when it first came out. Uh. To be quite, you, nobody gives a shit. I mean, nobody gives a fucking shit. And, you know, it's like, man, you know, fuck, you know, I could, I could have got, I could have, I could have, I could have got something that honestly in like saga meant a lot more to me than the walking dead at that time. But I, I thought that like, oh, okay. I was thinking about like the collector's market at that time and not thinking about personal, like personally what, like what meant a lot to me. And I, I will never think like that again. Like, it's like, get what you love. Fuck. Fuck what? Because I'm never gonna sell that fucking Walking Dead thing. Like I don't yeah. give a shit. So get what you know, and like some of like some of my comics, I'm never gonna like throw up on sale. Like I just don't have the time or effort or care. Yeah, I, you know? I feel that way. Like pretty much all my Joshua Williamson books. Like I've got all of Birth right now. I got all a Nailbiter, all a Ghosted, and it's yeah. like I'll I'll never get rid of those. Yeah, I, I couldn't see myself parting with that artwork, but like fucking DC Universe Rebirth Justice League, like the one through twenty, I got. Fuck, I can't right. wait to sell those. Yeah, those books suck anyway. <laughs> I, I do have uh, as far, when I talking about Saga though, I did uh, I, I do have uh, six first print number ones of the regular cover. And those you are have going. Saga number one, six yeah. prints of it. Six, yeah. I Dude, have six you're sitting prints. on some fucking money there. Yeah, and they're they're like in perfect condition too. Like I get them graded. Yeah, I, I probably should get them graded. To be quite honest with you, there's um because like somebody was selling on uh selling six of them on eBay for like you got to remember this is back this is probably five years ago they were selling them on eBay for. I knew this book was going to blow up, so I bought them for like forty bucks. Wow, what a fucking steal! Yeah, so I bought like 
I'd already had one that I bought originally. And then like I saw like somebody was selling five of them for like 40 bucks. Buy it now. They didn't expect somebody to actually click buy it now. They were hoping I they were hoping that somebody would spend more on them. But I was like, fuck this. I'm out to buy it now. I'm not going to I'm yeah. not going to. I'm not going to bid $10 on them and see like these go for 75. I'm just going to buy them for 40 bucks. So I bought them for 40 bucks and, uh, I, I've actually still, I've never opened them up out of the package that the person sent them in. I, wow. they're just kind of like sitting there in like, uh, the plastic seal. So yeah, um, those, I, I think those are probably going well over $200 at least on eBay. Oh yeah. Some of them. I, so. I've been starting to buy the Saga individual ones and I've just I was telling my wife about it. I'm like, don't worry, I'm not going to get number one. <laughs> oh, uh, Stark, listen to this, dude. Like when 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 that came out, like I uh, I started to I knew Saga was something special, so I, I have um, when I through my poll list, I ordered three issues of every issue. Wow. So like, yeah, I have three collected sets. <laughs> Holy shit, dude. <laughs> So it was like one of those things where I was like, uh, well, one of the sets is going to go to my nephew when he gets old enough. And then the other set is for me. And then the final set is one of the sets that I'll sell. Yeah. So, yeah. So I I have three collected sets of every issue of Saga. And I I have uh, some of the variants, too. I've got like the Paul Pope issue number seven where he drew the stalk, which is really fucking badass. I love the stalk. Yeah. What cool oh, character what, design. Oh, amazing character design, dude. <laughs> yeah. Uh, man, I love how you, she keeps showing back up. Oh, I know. I know. I It's such... God damn. Like, fucking... Brian K. Vaughn. Just... Him and Fiona Staples. What a team. What a yeah. team. Like, you know, it's like one of those things, like, when that book first came out, I was, like, so upset when they took, like, those three months off. And I had to wait. But then I was like, I would rather wait those three months than ha- have anyone else doing the art other than Fiona Staples on this book. Yeah. Well, did you... You like Seven to Eternity, right? Yes. Have you been yeah. keeping up with that? Uh, I still have the issues. I still need to... Re- I need to get caught up. But yeah, I really enjoyed the book when I was reading it. Okay, I think it's six and seven are with a different artist. Opinia didn't do that on those ones. Really? The book, in in my opinion, and then Jordan shared this opinion with me too, is that it it made the book drop in quality a little bit. I mean, that other artist, yes, it, it's it's not Opinia, okay. Yeah. And, and you know, and we still had Hollingsworth on on the colors, so the color in it was still good, and it was still good story. But it was like I was just missing that. And then that first issue that Opinia was back, it was just like yes. Yes, this yeah. is what we needed. Yeah. And I, I, it bums me out when a book switches artists. And I understand it with the big publishers like Marvel and DC just because they're churning out so much fucking content. Yeah. But, but with Image, and they've already got this set up where it's like, yeah, we're going we're gonna to put out like maybe a story arc, and then we're going to go on hiatus for a little bit, do our own thing, and we're going to come back in a little bit, and then we're going to get back on it. And it'll be the same quality that you were used to, and it's a win-win situation for everybody involved. Yeah, it's then, it. It really is. Like I would rather wait the you know three four months just to have like everything look seamless. And I can't imagine anybody else like 
doing the art on Saga, other no, than that'd Staple. be blasphemy. Yeah, like I, you know, like the the process behind those characters is kind of cool. Like Brian K. Vaughn will just give her kind of like an outline of like what he wants. Like I remember what he told her what he wanted with Marco. He was like, eh, I want him to have horns. <laughs> and I, you know, and you know, just like simple directions like that. And he gives her so much creative freedom to like. Well, he, Marco definitely has horns, but like, you know, like, and that's the thing, like, uh, with all the other characters, she just kind of like went hog wild and like, you know, he, it's, it's, it's amazing. Um, the world's, do you ever think that they could, that they could ever turn that into a film or like a TV show? Cause that, that, that's the thing that like when Brian K. Vaughn, when he first started drawing this thing, I, I honestly feel like he went out of his way to kind of make something so bizarre and so crazy that it could never be adapted that like he wanted to make it so crazy and so bizarre that it can never be adapted. But like, that's the way I felt about Watchmen when I was a kid. And now I see Watchmen, Zack Snyder did it. And now Damon Lindelof's going to do it with HBO. It's like in 20 years, could we get like a saga TV show? on like HBO or Showtime or stars or something. It's like, because like right now I feel like that's ah, impossible. You can't, you, you can't do saga. You can't no, know. Technology's almost there. Technology's almost there. But like, are the, is the audience there? Like, you know, like a troll with his gigantic balls, like hanging out of his fucking, you know what I mean? Like shit like that. I think the audience is there. I think, I mean, look, Game of Thrones is like the biggest TV show that's ever been on right as far as viewership and it's on an exclusive i mean you gotta freaking pay extra to get it it's not on it's not a network show but game of game of thrones is not like game of thrones is not even as far as like fantasy wise it's not even like tolkien level yeah right but i I more brought that up just because it's got really fucked up shit in it it does it does i mean you know yeah uh brothers and sisters uh you know let's play some barry white and let's watch him get it on i mean that it's fucked up there's a lot, there's incest and things like that. Um, but I mean, you know, saga deals with, uh, I don't know. Saga. I, that's what I love about saga is like Brian K. Vaughn, It's a very personal story for him. Brian K. Vaughn is like, he started, he started writing this after him and his wife had their child. And it was like, he's, he's pulling from personal, I know personal stories about like, you know, the, 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 the childbirth and, and raising a child and like that's like you know Alana and Marco and like that whole situation is a lot of like their dialogue and and stuff like that is pulled from like personal stuff you know even like with their with their daughter Hazel and it's it's crazy i don't know it's really cool that's how i always sell saga to people when i'm telling them about it i'm like this is a book that if you take away all the fantastical elements all the aliens and everything this yeah. could be taking place on earth in your neighborhood right now yeah, yeah. But you can. It's it's, it's like he took these this slice of life comic and mashed it with something fantastic. Can you imagine some like? Can you imagine like this on TV and doing it justice? Uh, I you would have to have people that would be willing to follow the yeah. source material and pay it respect because Saga has got such a loyal following that mm-hmm. that'd be one of those ones where if I went and watched it in depending on what departures they took, I would be very offended. Dude, dude, think about this. Think about this. Oscar Isaac 
as fucking Marco. Oh, holy did I, shit. Did I blow your dick off? You right? really did. Like, I suck yeah. at fantasy casting, but I, I could see that. Yeah. Well, who would, who would do Alana? Oh, they, yeah. Uh, I, dude, that, that's a tough casting right there. Ooh, I mean, I'm what, too... what about Tessa Thompson? Holy shit, dude. Yeah. Oh, that's not bad. That's really good. Yeah, I, I no, that's that's fantastic. Yeah. Um Oscar Isaac, Tessa Thompson. That's really good, man. Um <laughs> as much as I hate to say it, Jason Statham as the will. <laughs> Dude, that'd be perfect. As much as I hate to say it. Could they make him get fat <laughs> for the later seasons though? Yes. Yes. <laughs> you know, like I'm not the biggest fan of Jason Statham, but I think like that could be like the uh He's got the look for it. Yeah, he absolutely does. Um, I loved him in Lock, Stock, and Two Smoking Barrels, but man. Oh, yeah. yeah. You get him in there as the will, I mean, he's got the look for it. If he can if he, if he, he can somehow channel that character and pull it off, man, fucking a live action lion cat. Oh, my God. Stop. Stop. <laughs> okay, dude. It, we really should wrap this up. It's getting yeah, late wrap, as fuck. Um, wrap it up. But... If you're down to do it, I want to have you on again sometime because we've just barely started talking about comics and there's so much more we got to talk about. Yeah, we barely scratched the surface. I don't <laughs> even know what we talked about tonight, Stark. I have no clue. <laughs> I have no clue. We covered we've a talked lot of ground. Politics, North Korea, drug use, uh, a little bit of saga, a um, little bit, <laughs> I don't know, a little bit of, I don't know. We've been all over the place. We'll do it again. We got to do it again. Awesome, man. Do you uh, want to plug Pop Culture Leftovers? No. <laughs> I just want to hear what your reaction would be. <laughs> that was awesome. <laughs> no. <laughs> Not at all. Okay. Not even the slightest. You know, whatever. I don't even know what he's talking about right now. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Well, if you want to uh, hear more or yeah jeez i fucked that up right away <laughs> uh, okay check out my facebook page Startcast. um if you want to hit me up on twitter it's at the tubby ninja or email me at startcastpod at gmail.com i should get a bumper made for that so i don't fuck it up every time yeah see yeah it's so much easier man i'll hook you i'll, I'll show you where to go nice <laughs> yeah. dude i cannot thank you much or thank you enough for for taking time out to come and chat with me on here man it's it really meant a lot to me. And for all the plugs that you give me on your show and everything, it's it is so generous of you. No, it's been a blast. I it's just I'm I'm honored to be on the show and just uh talk to you, man. It's been it's been good shit. And I can't wait to come back on. Um Sweet. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. All right. Uh yeah. <laughs> uh I'm gonna plug this episode on my podcast and uh yeah, thanks a lot for listening. <laughs> right on dude <laughs> I'll talk to you later bye later on man <laughs>